0: Every number one for eighty three to the the number one the Every number one Every number one the press Every Every number one for eighty three to the Every the
1: Hello, I'm Ben. Hi, I am Tom, and you're listening to Sunglasses at Night
2: podcast. And the year is 2004. It sure is. This is the podcast where we take a look back in time for our metaphorical Ray-Bans at a year in history via the lens of the Australian Recording Industry Association. ARIA charts, number ones, and this year it is the number ones for 2004. What a year. What a great year.
1: Oh, look. What was happening that... People that are alive in 2004, I'm sure, look back on it fondly. I think that was, that was a great year. Sure. But those that uh, either weren't alive then or were, you know, in some sort of drug psychosis due to sort of a hangover of the sure. late 90s rave culture, whatever the case may be, and can't remember a lot about it, what was happening, Tom?
2: Well, um,. Let's see. Uh, Greece held the first Summer Olympics of the new millennium. Uh, Women's wrestling was allowed for the first time and I won't make jokes about that because I don't need your charity Olympics. (laughs) Uh, In a less fun development, the biggest earthquake in 40 years created tsunami waves that swept across coastlines of Sri Lanka India Bangladesh the Maldives Burma Thailand Malaysia and Indonesia at least 300,000 people are confirmed to have died Uh, inconveniencing the holiday plans of a bunch of white tourists who maybe should have used their subsequent staycations to take a stroll through the old Hall of Mirrors Tom, you say that, but um, in
1: 2005, I went to Malaysia, and let's just say I got some of the cheapest flights imaginable. Mm, that um,
2: This is a thing <laughs> I've heard from several people that, oh, you won't believe what Bali was like when all of the whole stuff had been washed away, and it was a nice, clean slate, and no one was there. Exactly. Great but, deals on well, yeah, I, I bintang shirts. <laughs> I didn't feel good
1: about it, but I was living, living in Japan at the time, and they had some sort of crazy deal where it was just sort of we'll fly you there and put you up in five star accommodation for probably the how much the cost that it would usually pay to get, you know, the bus from Launceston to Hobart on the red line. It was very, very affordable. So I thought, let's go. And yeah, it was nice to feel like you're making a difference by injecting some money into the (laughs) local economy because they didn't have as many tourists and there were a lot of people that were were struggling. So much like now. So get to Indonesia right now. I think they probably need our help. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they've diversified their economy out of tourism and they're (laughs) figuring out how to make things again. I don't know.
2: Sure. It's like all that pizza that I bought. Um, all those pizza <laughs> delivery drivers who had to bring their my pizza to my possibly Covid invested ass during increasingly large ass during lockdown that you know. But I was putting money back into the you know, the struggling pizza businesses. You were who absolutely. who certainly can't buy yachts after lockdown with all the money that they made off people like me. No. Anyway, uh, what else uh, What else happened? The CIA admitted that there was no imminent threat from weapons of mass destruction before mm. the 2003 invasion. Uh, CBS uncovered evidence of presidentially sanctioned torture in Abu Ghraib prison. Yep. And George Bush won re-election and Facebook was launched. It was a dark time. It <laughs> was a dark time. On the plus side, uh, Eric Clapton sold a guitar for a million dollars and gave it to charity. Usher released his Confessions album, selling 1.1 million copies in its first week, making him the first R&B artist to ever accomplish that, and Creed broke up. Oh, that's... So, you know, it wasn't all bad. No, you know?
1: absolutely. Definitely. Look, it's interesting because I think, uh, based off the news that you've just mentioned... Um, tsunami, that's a word that probably entered the, the lexicon that a lot of people probably weren't banning around too much before true, waterboarding I think No people weren't talking yeah, about that were they and then sure. everyone was
2: like waterboarding or where Guantanamo Bay was <laughs> or... exactly, yeah, no, it's
1: true. nobody knew where Guantanamo Bay was but they do now they certainly do and um, the, the Facebook poke I guess that was probably taking off around that time I don't know, <laughs> who can remember who, fo- who, who can remember.
2: done a song about the Facebook poke that was the Lance Bass's... Um,
1: yeah, Facebook official, yeah. Facebook his, his official. <laughs> the, the An
2: expression that I think existed for maybe two months in 2004 and no longer exists. That's <laughs> the thing. If you're a
1: one-hit wonder, I mean, and this actually it wasn't even a hit, so they're a no-hit <laughs> wonder, but if you're a failed pop star and someone says, oh, you know, what songs did you release? And you can point to the YouTube video... When it's Facebook official, not only is it terrible and you didn't make it, but it's something that's dated so poorly that <laughs> you just wouldn't tell anyone you are ever in a, an artist. No. You would just be like, what did you do before working, um, you know, at Woolworths? And you just be, oh, nothing. I just didn't do anything <laughs> prior, prior to this.
2: That's right. Uh, yeah, uh, look, just one thing before we start, one yep. small erratum. I mean, look, if I started going over all the mistakes that I've made in the podcast from listening back, uh, it would take a longer podcast than this for me to just fix all the errors. Obviously, people don't come here for factual information. No. Um, well, I certainly fucking hope not. Um, but, you know, there are some errors. Some are too important not to fix. Of course, and yeah. I picked up one from, I think it was 2002. Uh, yes, I erroneously mentioned that the worst album title of all time is is uh, chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water? It is, yeah, by Lincoln Park. Yeah. But in fact, that's by uh, Link Biscuit. Yeah, I should good. have, I should have said. I, I did actually know that. I just, I don't know how I could possibly have done this, but I somehow confused Lincoln Park. To Link Biscuit. <laughs> <how> it happens. <laughs> but I'm glad
1: that you made that correction because that's the sort of level of journalistic integrity that we have here on the podcast. Mm. Where any errors that we make, we are quick to point them out <laughs> and, and, and fix them up. Um, you know, unlike some other podcasts out there that just seem to make up Mm. things or talk complete nonsense and then don't bother correcting. But we do correct those things,
2: so... And look, I'm not the biggest fan of Linkin Park in the whole world, but nobody deserves to be compared to uh, Fred Durst and his album title. Uh, No, exactly right, I mean... Except perhaps the band Chocolate Starfish and their own album, Chocolate Starfish. (laughs) They probably deserve to be compared to it. But other than that, you know... Yeah,
1: look, I don't think that anyone would like to be compared... You know, sort of when you, you see those, um, you know, the hype stickers on albums and it's sort of like for fans of this or mm-hmm. that, you know. If you had a band and you went into the shop and your album was out and it had for fans of Limp Biscuit on the hype sticker, you'd just break up, wouldn't you? You would immediately <laughs> just end the band because no you don't want that you don't want to inflict that on other people I, oh what's your band oh this oh for fans of Limp biscuit <laughs>
2: you'd feel like a fuckwit i look forward one day to 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 seeing a a gen z coming across a photograph an image of uh fred durst on stage in front of twenty thousand people starting a concert by emerging out of a hundred foot tall toilet yep. bowl as though he was a huge piece of shit while strobe lights yep. thrown it as he kicks off the start of a full concert set and them being unable to realise that this is a real thing that happened. A, the band were not joking, like this is not Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> doing yep. a novelty song about turds or something. Yep. And just saying, no, look, it was a particular time, this guy was cool. And he got very rich and everyone bought his albums. This was acceptable behaviour. Exactly. (laughs) We all thought it was great. Yeah, I kind of wish the
1: band had stayed broken up, Tom, for for two reasons. One, (laughs) that they're terrible and we don't really need any music from them to come out ever again. But two, when Fred Durst isn't rapping, you know, fronting Limp Bizkit as a rapper, he's a film director. And mm. he's churned out one of the worst films of recent memory, <laughs> *The Fanatic*. Um, I haven't actually seen churned, it. it. It's terrible, <laughs> and I think that he could really keep if he kept going in that. He could really sort of enter that, you know, Tommy Wiseau type, uh, real awful filmmaking. So, <laughs> and I think that he needs to sort of go in that trajectory mm. down that path. I think
2: because um, so I can't even notice. We talked about this some time ago and mentioned The Fanatic but I don't think you'd seen it at that time so between then and now mm. you said so what what were your hopes for the film? Well I hope it would be terrible and um, th- those were meant <laughs> so Did you hope it would be terrible in a different way
1: than it was terrible? Yeah, kind of <laughs> I, I sort of um, the thing is John Travolta's had more boom and bust cycles than um, Doc Martens, I think. He, he sure sort of, has. He, He's in vogue, he's out of vogue, he's back in vogue again. And now I'd say he's definitely out of vogue because I don't know what people are casting him in. Yeah. That was woeful. Um, I don't know if I've seen him in anything since. I think but he just needs to retire. With his yeah, I minutes. think so. you got you got to go out on top, don't you? Take but you a never couple know. of discreet holidays a year to Fire Island. You yeah. Know. But he keeps bouncing back. So maybe, you know... He does something and he thinks, look, look who's talking now was not my finest suit. <laughs> but after that, Tarantino let me do, yes. you know, Pulp Fiction. So he's probably yeah. thinking, you know, Battlestar Galactica. No, sorry, uh, Battlefield Earth <laughs> wasn't great. So no. then other people let me do other things. And now he's probably thinking, I'm in a bit of a rush at the moment. But it's yeah. only a matter of time before... You know, Scorsese comes knocking.
2: He should just give it over and just do campy comedies. I reckon he he's got he's got good comedic timing when he wants to. Yeah, I've seen Who's talking. One he and likes two. he likes being silly, yeah. you know. And he can't do he can't do a serious thing without a good director telling him what to do. Like, you yeah, know, it's just not going to work. He's not going to be doing Broken Arrow anymore, playing no. the bad guy in serious action films. He's got to just stick to Hairspray, Grease Four. The reboot playing the you know, the janitor in the background or something like that. Or hairspray, John Waters, you know, musical, put on drag, dancing around. That's what he should stick to. Yeah, definitely right. So look, I
1: I still think that when he hired out that you know rural KFC for all the Scientologists that time, that was pretty cool, and um, you know, so he's obviously a good guy yes. deep down, and I think that perhaps he should listen to your advice, Tom, and sort of <laughs> just choose his
2: future parts wisely. Sorry, I'm not sure exactly how we got onto John Travolta's future it career happens. prospects. Uh, it was linked back to your Fred Durst <laughs>
1: apology okay. for the wrong limb biscuit sure. thing, and then I. Decided to bring up the fanatics. All right. Well, so, how about we talk about some music? Sounds good. Go Absolutely. All right. 2004, first song of the year for another two weeks was The Black Eyed Peas Shut Up. Um, yep. They were at one week at the end of last year, two weeks again. This year, we don't need to talk no, they about can this. We've already to shut talked up. about that. Um, yeah. So that's great. Nothing. No, no more no. Black Eyed Peas. No, fuck no. That. no I think well, it's
2: all in the title. We'll of the song. have to talk
1: about them later. I don't know this episode, but certainly in the future, probably several more times because they just keep churning out the hits. So up next, first new song of the year
2: is Outcast. Hey ya! With an exclamation mark. Wow. Hey ya! I am actually kind of surprised this is only two weeks because this was fucking everywhere for two years. Well, that's song. what I was going to say, Tom. I mean, first things first. Can I just get out
1: of the way that? Um, Old people complaining about Triple J being shit these we've talked about this briefly yeah. in the past. And this is just another one of those songs where number one pop song on the charts and also number two on the Triple J Hottest One Hundred of that year. Yep. So it's sort of bridged the gap between yes. the alternative Mainstream and whatever so, and alternative. You know, old people are like, oh back in my day, Triple J only played good music, like the presidents of the United States of America and the <laughs> Mavises, and now it's just all shit. Well, can't we go back to that? Old people, stop whining. It's I think they just, Triple J's always just played yes. pop music and, you know, yeah. some bullshit alt-rock stuff that a lot of it was fucking garbage anyway. Yeah. So, anyway, there well, you go.
2: I was, at this point in time, I was um, doing a fair bit of spending time in pubs yep. and buying, you know, going to you know, buying going out clothes and that sort of thing yep. and in bars nightclubs and clothing shops especially the kind of the cooler kind that was just fucking just on a loop not just that but this whole album that, oh um, yeah yeah what's it called speaker box slash Bel- the love below, below yeah. yeah both sides of it they were both doing it was just fucking everywhere like you know Yep, absolutely. Look, and I- rightly so. It's a fucking great album. Not only is it a great album, but it's incredibly inventive. Like, yep. it really is. It's like two weird albums put together, and they're both unusual. Like, even... Like Big Boy is the more conventional of the two, and he was doing all sorts of weird shit as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the well, no, big, you know well, inventive, this, interesting hip hop. Like. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, this uh, yeah, as we should point out, um, yeah, Speaker Box and Love Below was pre- it was basically just two solo albums, but sort of put together yeah. under the under the uh, guys of Outcast So this song was an Andre Three Thousand song, um, yep. and then yeah, as you said, Big Boy. I think the single that he released was I like the way she moves, uh, yeah. and that was another hit. Didn't make it to number one but another big hit so but yeah as you said um my i what i was looking at when i first saw this song um i was just gonna say that i never need to hear it again (laughs) only only because oh yeah only because i heard it probably eight thousand times in a calendar year when it came out because yeah it was absolutely everywhere very very catchy sort of a throwback song different sound from from outcast like sort of apparently um i read that andre 3000 because this was part of his solo album bit, uh, he sort of he'd only just learnt to play the guitar. So oh, okay, this is yep. and this is apparently one of the first <laughs> things he wrote, and then just put it together and made the
2: song. So yeah, which I is mean, pretty cool. It is. It. I mean, yeah, like you say. I mean, not only is it catchy, it's sort of weirdly simple in some ways, yep. but it's quite. I mean, you have to admit, as well, this is one of the weirdest fucking non-novelty songs yeah. to hit number one since, like, The Real Thing by Faith No More that we've covered. <laughs> yeah. It really is quite strange. I mean, it's not even really hip-hop. No, it's not. Really. No. It's sort of... I don't know what to call it, really. It's... Yeah. It's
1: like, it's like a throwback sort of um, pop pop song from, like, a different era, I yeah. think. Yeah. Sort of, he kind of puts a different vocal with, take on it.
2: Yeah, with hip-hop elements and yep. strange, yeah, the instrumentation is odd. Yeah, it really is a weird one.
1: And it's weird because it has the chorus, um, Hey uh which yeah, is, like, pretty catchy, but then the Shake It Like a Polaroid picture" part is sort of, people still say that to these yes, days, don't they? I believe it's so. strange.
2: And the structure of, I'll talk about that later, but, yep. the, yeah, it's sort of... It's, I mean it's kind of split into two halves the song yep. itself it, yeah I mean it's got lots of different parts but it's yeah it sort of has the two yeah it's very odd I did
1: read that Polaroid had to come out <laughs> afterwards and say you're not meant to shake it because it doesn't you know that how it sort of everyone thinks you shake that Polaroid they to do make it in develop. movies, yeah. they always do but it but you're in not form. meant to oh, okay. so they had to they had to come out and say you don't shake it and then they asked Andre 3000 where he got the lyric from and he was just like I don't know, sometimes things just pop into your head and you just
2: say them and it yeah, don't really make any
1: sense. So that's pretty cool.
2: <laughs> and it's not only that, but it's a retro reference, which is yeah. the whole retro vibe of the song. Exactly. Know. So look, we haven't talked
1: about Outcast before because I haven't had any other number ones and this mm-hmm. is unfortunately the last one. So I guess we should. if you don't know much about Outcast, I guess they sort of... Broke up or went on hiatus a few years ago. So, Yeah, Andre I think they went separate Yeah, I mean, they're still doing solo stuff. Um, I don't know if Andre 3000 is still... Act- is he doing any acting? I saw him in a Will Ferrell film once. <laughs>
0: I don't really know what's going yeah. on. But
1: I guess back in the mid-90s, it was still sort of hip-hop was East Coast or West Coast and there was yes. still the rivalry of that. So, I guess Outkast... Probably credited as one of the first groups from the South to really get Southern hip hop on Ah. the map. Because in 1995, they won the Best New Group at the Source Awards, which is the Source magazine, which is a big hip hop magazine. And when they get one sort of Outcast went up to get the award, Andre 3000 was booed because the people were like, boo, this isn't from the East Coast, boo, this isn't the West Coast. So he just said, the South's got something to say. And everyone (laughs) went, boo. And then now Atlanta, which is Mm -hmm. where. Uh, outcast are from They're You know Just as big As East Coast And West and Coast also sort of like Crunk That was from the South Wasn't yeah, it Yeah absolutely that- Trappers from Atlanta yep. So In so 2009 What's apparently- the
2: one With the The, uh, the one with the, the Easel one The one with the where you have to be on cough syrup to listen to it. Probably, I'm sure it's from the, the South, 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 South as well. Yeah, no doubt.
1: <laughs> but yeah, apparently uh, in 2009, Atlanta was declared the hip-hop centre of gravity by the New York Times. And those well. guys know hip-hop, don't
2: they? But not the hip-hop. Think yeah, of New York the... the, Times. the don't, uh, Donald Glover TV show Atlanta is Uh, probably also cemented in a lot of white people's minds as well, like me. Oh, okay. Correct, yeah.
1: So Atlanta is is now in 2020 massive for hip-hop, but yeah, probably even... What's that? 25 years ago, people were still like, what? No, it has to be from New York or it has to be from L.A. So yeah. look, a lot of people do credit Outcasters starting the Atlanta hip hop scene, but people are really quick to forget, Tom, what before, <laughs> we, you know, what became before sure. um, them, such as Arrested Development. Remember Mr. Wendell? Sure do. Mr.
0: Wendell, yeah.
1: <laughs> they were from there. Tag Team, Womp, there it is. <laughs> They were from Atlanta. Is that that really hip hop? there it is. It's good enough for me. me. And of course, Chris Cross, Mm. who paved the way for (laughs) Outkast despite being several years younger than them. So, look, when people think Atlanta hip hop, a lot of people sort of think, yeah, as you've said, you know, from the TV show Atlanta, they might think of, um, you know, Little Yachty or something like that. But I think of Warm It Up, Chris. That's what I certainly (laughs) think about. I don't really care. Two twins with their pants on backwards. (laughs) Two twins, yep, that's right. So yeah, anyway, I guess that's uh, the Outcast story <laughs> briefly. But yeah. And look, they they sort of did hedge their bets a little bit with this release because yeah, I mean it was just effectively two solo albums marketed under the yeah. the the heading of Outcast. It's not a bad idea though, really. Like uh, yeah. you
2: get to keep I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. It's
1: you like, can yeah, you can you can you do can, something different. So you get to diversify yes. your sound and do something that you wouldn't necessarily but do as outcast.
2: You save money on studio time, and you can be on each other's tracks, and then you still get the name recognition of your actual. Correct. Name so just in case you change mind later, you don't have to officially break up. Yeah, and it shows that you don't hate each other too. Like you know, it shows that there's no animosity.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and for new fans, you're like you're attracting new people in, and for the diehards, are like oh they've changed their yeah. sound and so,
2: well this is just
1: a you know just yeah or just listen to all I all mean if stuff. you don't
2: like one, you've still got one whole album that you do
1: like. Yeah, exactly you know? right. I exactly. mean, I think
2: as we've covered, Axl Rose demonstrated well early on that. Why not? Why put out one album when you can put out two albums exactly. and get one album's worth of material <laughs> stretched across two with a lot of filler in between? If you, you know. get
1: exactly if you got Although fourteen they, songs, they, they made the mistake the
2: of only charging for one. Well, see, that's the you know. thing,
1: yeah. Nelly, you know, with sweat and suit, he knew what was up. <laughs> yes, he that's right. He's right. The He's sort of thing, but yeah, you're absolutely right. So. Yeah, it's a trap for young players, and perhaps if they were wiser, the Outcast, they would have just released them as two separate albums. But they would have had half as many good songs on there. That's what they needed to do keep the top tier material for another album and then just put a lot of filler in there. But yeah.
2: Um, Look, a clue to the reasoning behind this experiment, another one, might be that at this point. In their careers, Big Boy was seemed to be more into busting out huge fun raps on Chappelle Show, yep. while Andre Three Thousand seemed to be more into dressing like a lawn jockey and singing about how roses <laughs> really smell like doo doo. So clearly, they were heading in different directions. Yeah, um, although I think Andre Three Thousand was heading in a, a perpendicular direction to everyone else on the planet. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> definitely but he, I think he, uh, he did appear on the Strapel show not himself but he was portrayed as uh, levitating down from the ceiling with a Mary Poppins <laughs> <laughs> and Puff Daddy says that's right he can fly, he believes in himself <laughs> so yeah I mean you know There's a level of respect that comes with also thinking that someone's a weirdo, but sure. Oh, exactly. But I think
1: sometimes you need those creative weirdos, otherwise you just end up with the same shitty music all over again. And look, I think he was designing his own clothes at this stage and doing all kinds of... Well, not that that's wacky, but you know... He was
2: certainly designing his own (laughs) haircuts. Yeah, exactly right.
1: So, as we mentioned before, this song, Hey Ya, was from the Andre 3000 half of Speaker Box and Love Below. And the video for this song features a band playing the song but Andre 3000 is just playing all the uh, roles yes. yeah. so it's not so Big Boy is, in, is nowhere to be seen it's just Andre 3000 there's 8 members of the band and he had to film apparently when they made the video clip each one 3 times from different angles and put it together oh, so he sort of had to do yeah. it 24 times and they <laughs> cut it all together to make the video clip. Now look, I'm sure a high school student could do the same thing these days on their iPhone in an afternoon, but back then I'm sure it took about 18 weeks oh, to complete. Hell yeah. Much like that AHA video when they sort of had to <laughs> hand draw that they rotoscoped it, it took six years or something. And people are like, that's so creative. Andre 3000 playing all the bits, he's like on a TV show, Ooh. sort of like, a, a, I guess, a variety show. He's playing all the characters. How creative that... That's the most creative thing I've seen. Super creative. Andre 3000 is very, very creative. I love the creativity of that. But people are fast to forget Phil Collins, in his video for Two Hearts, did exactly the same fucking thing. It was Phil. He was on a variety show. He was doing the drums, he was doing the vocals, he was mm. doing the bass, he was doing the guitar. But Phil went one step further. He also played the editor behind <laughs> the scenes editing the video together. So Phil did all of that stuff. Andre 3000, I'm sorry bro, but you've just ripped off the Hey ya video clip from the king of pop. And I mean the actual legitimate king of pop, not Michael Jackson. I'm talking about Phil Collins himself.
2: Yeah, uh, Brian Barber directed the music video. And it won Video of the Year honours in 2004 at the BET Awards, the Soul Train Music Awards and the MTV Video Music Awards. Uh, but yeah, personally, I think the whole pretending you're on the Ed Sullivan show thing was cooler when Nirvana did it in 1991 as well. But then again, I'm not a musical genius, so you I don't even have a number in my name. No, look, you know, imitations. What of, would I know? You know. <laughs> But in that, form of
1: flattery, but... I don't but think
2: look. I've ever seen that Phil Collins video. Oh, it's
1: it's it's just the Hey Ya! video clip, except with Phil Collins in all the roles, so... just be
2: thinking of a different song. Yep. I thought Two Hearts was the one where he's just sitting in a room full of smoke looking at old film or something.
1: No, so it's, uh... Well, yeah, Phil Collins, the director guy is in a room oh. watching film and the film he's watching is a band performed on an Ed Sullivan-style show oh, okay. and it's Phil Collins yeah. playing all the people. So, so it
2: wasn't even original when was in it.
1: No, no, exactly. So, look, it's great that Andre 3000 won all of those awards for plagiarism, <laughs> but the reality is Phil did it first. Mm, so. And Brian Barber needs to take a look at himself too. Absolutely right. So, look, I don't know go watch the Phil one, go watch the Hey Ya, and You Be The Judge, which one's better?
2: I like In Bloom. That's better.
1: Oh, that one's good as well, absolutely. That one was in black and white, so it was... Yes, the In
2: Bloom one looks exactly like the Ed Sullivan show and it works because the Nirvana contrasts with the innocent looking style of those bands, like that Whereas this one just sounds vaguely like something that would have been played on its own. (laughs) So it doesn't even really work anyway.
1: And the Nirvana one's a little bit more like a fever dream as well because they edit in the bits of them when they're wearing their regular clothes and like trashing the thing. So it sort of cuts between, it's sort of like, (laughs) is this real? Am I hallucinating this? You know what I mean? So it sort of has that thing as well. Um, if you're on crack it might look crazy (laughs) but if you're not it's probably just super normal so yeah Uh, Hey Ya became the first song in history to rack up 1 million downloads wow
2: so first song to achieve platinum status it also shows that downloading is A being measured by this stage and B is really just taking off as the next
1: yeah absolutely I probably should have pointed out at some episode prior to this (laughs) that um, Uh yeah because we've really been speaking historically at the very start, we were talking about 7 inches and we moved on yes. to singles, CD singles but now we're very much in the CD sales, reached their peak yeah. in like 2001 or 2 I think it was, so yep. CD sales are starting to die down now and, and the downloads are coming along yeah. so anyway, yeah, so that was pretty interesting First some yes. of that because As iTunes was starting to take off. I
2: yeah, so. I mentioned that, I think that was, was that? Yeah, 2002 I yep. think that was the start of iTunes. Yeah, year. So when it was it's only launched, been around for a couple of years. Yep, I
1: think point. it was originally iTunes was only Mac only, I think, at the very start. Like I remember that yeah. first generation iPod was only compatible with a Mac. And then by now, I think you were probably able to use Windows, yeah. et cetera. So everyone was able to jump on, download the Hey Ya. I don't know why <laughs> you would because you just walk into any fucking shop or anything and you'd be able to listen to it. You could listen to it on demand just by yeah. being outside, I think. so.
2: The question is... This is the part that I'm confused with now. Yep. At this point, those one million downloads would have been paid downloads. Oh yeah. But right. when they're talking about it now, I have no idea what constitutes a download in terms of. They only talk about sales orders. Spotify qualify. So now you have sales, downloads, and listens. Yep. As well. So there's like three separate things. Whereas yeah, I don't know what if Ari I'm checking has done- figures. I try to look for actual sales, but even then, like you know.
1: Well, these days they do that sales equivalent thing where if something's been streamed like 1500 times, they say that's the equivalent of like one sale (laughs) or something like that. So it gets really complicated where people are like saying, oh, it's gone platinum because it has a million sale equivalent units, but it might have sold two downloads and then the rest is just all through. Spotify playlist downloads that's I mean our stream. so it is completely bizarre so in terms of higher sales figures these days who knows we might have to uh, <laughs> do, do some research I can't be bothered yeah,
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway I was going to ask what your favourite song with an exclamation mark in the title was because this has Oh
1: uh, yeah but then I
2: realised that A that's a really boring question and B it would obviously be man exclamation mark I feel like a woman exclamation, <laughs> exclamation mark it would be but there's actually shit loads of them there's yeah. way way more than I thought so uh, yeah it becomes quite difficult anyway yeah. oh it's definitely that uh, Shania one has two as you said <laughs> that's so right it it's hard it... to beat that yeah, this the only quantity, has one
1: quantity of exclamation marks is more of a sign of quality I think <laughs> sure so Absolutely. Uh, This has all kinds of lyrical highlights, I assume.
2: Uh, It does. I think most people know most of the words to this, even though they are quite weird. But uh, I always like it when he says, now I want to see you you all on your baddest behaviour. Lend me some sugar. I am your neighbour. Like maybe you told him that you weren't his neighbour and you'd never seen him before. And he wasn't angry yet, but he really did want that cup of sugar. He's got like a flan on the go and it's getting quite urgent that he start (laughs) mixing it. Yeah, but yeah, this song is actually a little bit deeper than it sounds, I think. The first half is really about his parents' generation, or that's what he talked about in interviews, and people who stick together in relationships that are unhappy despite knowing that they aren't going to end well because either they're delusional, they think they can make it work, or because it's what society expects them, that they should stay together. Yeah. And then after half a song of that, he basically says, I mean, he literally says, although you can't hear it very well because it's under the sort of uh, the, one of the bridge parts, but he just says, you don't want to hear this, you just want to dance. And then the next half of the song, it's just about everybody get on the dance floor, shake, shake like a picture, picture yeah. <laughs> which is quite fun. So, yeah, he gets to sort of have
1: it both ways. Lyrically, it's a song of two halves, and I like that, that neither yeah. part really... Um, it, but people <laughs> didn't seem to care. They were just sort of oh, like, it no. has a narrative, and then it sort of stops, and it's just no, just... no, and
2: you can play it in a nightclub, because you've got the first path, but by the time people are going, this is a bit boring, then everyone's on the dance floor shaking it like a Polaroid picture. Exactly right, exactly. So <laughs> And it's also got that, do you know what to do bit in as well, so people can sort of sing along, weirdly... Yeah. And he does say, I am your neighbour. People can sing along for <laughs> that that's as well. Right. Kind of like,
1: um, yeah, at Love Shack when people are like, Yeah. Tin roof. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what it says. Everybody sings along so anyway. Exactly right. True. So look, that's good. Um, you can buy that for 55 cents on Discogs. Ah, uh, okay. And Outcast, despite being on a hiatus or broken up for several years, still have 15.7 million listeners wow. on the Spotify. Yeah. I mean, they
2: were big. They were... Oh absolutely
1: yeah I mean this is their their first number one but the album before this everyone probably also can remember
2: I'm Sorry Miss Jackson. <laughs> yeah totally. I was looking at the Tomb I had the Tomb Raider soundtrack oh, like, yeah. so that we that film was like 2000 or something mm. and that's got an Outcast song which is this really weird sort of it's kind of like a hip hop high speed Angry dance song. Okay. And I didn't even know who they were back then. Yeah. I just, I only noticed it because I was flicking through some old things. Yeah. Anyway. They're everywhere. Yeah, They're outcasts. everywhere. Those outcasts. Cool. All right. Moving on. Um, speaking
1: of <laughs> musically and lyric innovators, um, <laughs> Shannon Knoll, what about me? Uh, for four weeks. <laughs> so.
2: Oh no, the alarm's going off. Uh, so, Axel, give me some. Yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's Axel demanding that we point out that this person is from reality TV. Yeah, Shannon. Yep, so he's back. Um, Idol contestant. Idol, contestant, Idol contestant.
1: Australian Idol runner up from whenever the fuck it was. Shannon Knowles back with What About Web. Now, the cover's always better than the original, Tom, and <laughs> this is no exception. Moving <laughs> Pictures have a lot, a lot to thank Shannon Noel for. I mean,. Has anyone ever heard of Moving Pictures? Do you know who Moving Pictures are? Not this century. Oh, no, I have no, heard no idea them, but yeah. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Moving Pictures, uh, they originally wrote and recorded this song. But Shannon introduced the music of Moving Pictures to a whole new audience while bringing a new level of emotion to mm. this material, I think. I mean, the original song, I think it, it's sort of about um, a boy... Uh, on the autism spectrum (laughs) that isn't able to, you know, really, Mm. I guess associate with people as you'd like to. So I believe the, one of the members of moving pictures wrote this song about sort of his experience of seeing this in real life and sort of realising that, you know, sometimes people seem to get left out. So here was sure. this song about that, What About Me, It Isn't Fair, etc. So quite an, re- an emotional song, but Shannon has brought a whole new level of emotion <laughs> to it. The sort of emotion that you might expect from a suburban cover band on industry night performing during happy hour with two-for-one bourbon and cokes. It's mm. sort of the
2: emotion <laughs> that spills out of it. That's what yes. I picture when I hear this That's, song. Shannon brings that vibe to all of his what performances. About me? Yeah, He's exactly. definitely the... Uh, Pop star equivalent of a uh, swap shop uh, secondhand Jack Daniels t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he's, if you could put one of them in human form, that's that's Shannon. noel yeah, um, yeah. The, the original, as you said, that was a number one in nineteen eighty-two, mm. and made it to twenty-nine in the US. Um, I always thought it was dorky as hell, but at least it got to number one without six months of TV bullshit telling people to buy it. Yeah. Back then all they had were window posters in the 70X record bar. Yeah. But yeah, I I had to listen to a couple of other songs off that Moving Pictures album, and I was surprised at how incredible... Like, they were just a Sydney band, Mm. but they must have got to the point where they could get some serious production because they just sound like... They sound like Billy Joel album tracks or something. Like, they're really well-produced and everything. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think that they probably had a bit of uh, a
1: following at that time, and and yeah, if they had that this song that reached the American charts, yeah, you know, even if it was in the twenties, that's a pretty big deal, I think, for Australian artists yeah. back then. So, look, the guy that co-wrote this song went on to be a founding member of Nineteen Twenty Seven. <laughs> One of the finest Australian bands of all time. So, as I've said, Tom, a man who's tired of ish is a man who's tired of life. is uh, a great band. Uh, if I Could Paint, I'd Paint a Portrait of You. Great
2: song. They had two other hits as well.
1: Yeah, Compulsory Hero. Compulsory uh, Hero. Uh, and they
2: had... Damn it. I looked them up and now I've... <laughs>
1: You'll <laughs> never know, no which choice to
2: Yeah, So that one as well. And so... another one. Was yeah, one one.
1: look, you know, I can I can pull my copy out, Tom, if you want to <laughs> have a look if we can see the tables in the way. I had looked to know.
2: see if I'd imagined his mullet, but I hadn't. Yeah. But, you know, by the standards of 80s mullets, it, you know... Absolutely. It wasn't, it wasn't the worst. Um, that's when I think of you. That's <laughs> when I think... If oh, I could yes. paint...
1: Compulsory Hero, oh, and who can Hang ever on. forget um, Propaganda Machine. <laughs> propaganda machine. <laughs> I, I, can, sure. so. I like Definitely.
2: that they've uh, chosen to go with the papyrus fonts as well. You didn't see that a lot uh, back then, but <laughs> no. clearly they were forerunners. Uh, How would you describe uh, the album art? Is that sort of... <laughs> I would describe it as uh, early, late 80s... Um, typography pre-photoshop <laughs> uh, experimental typography it was a like... good time to be a designer because you get away with not doing all that much work but <laughs> yeah it's it's a canvas where someone's
1: just thrown a paintbrush across it in a haphazard fashion and then just put a
2: few stuck some typographical symbols <laughs> over the top then again you have to admit i've credited the designer they've given him uh the clue uh what's your album called it's called Dot 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 ish. Yeah. So, what do you do with that? Is that a design? Well, it's a design ish. Exactly. <laughs> now, can you give me ten grand ish, please? for that? Yeah, look, I'm not sure if it is an iconic album
1: cover, and it will be turned into a puzzle. Tom, I don't really. Oh, know Oh, I've seen it happen, but don't yeah, worry.
2: Oh, definitely
1: for sure. Um, I several years ago, I was trying to get myself a 1927 ish T-shirt.
2: Very hard to come
1: across. So. <laughs>
2: sure. Um, yeah, they they had three whole hits. That's three more than most Idol contestants. Oh,
1: absolutely right. Guitarist
2: yeah. and keyboardist Gary Frost left Moving Pictures after their second album, Matinee. In 87, he was watching Nine Network's variety series Hey Hey It's Saturday's talent segment, Red Faces, (laughs) when Eric Wiedemann appeared and performed a cover of the police's hit single Roxanne. Gary drove from Sydney to Melbourne, that's about 880 kilometres, 550 miles, to recruit Wiedemann on vocals, guitar, keyboards and Bill Hicks mullet. (laughs) With a pedigree like that, it's no wonder they had three hits. That's what I'll say. I mean, what's the farthest you ever drove off the back of a Hey Hey It's Saturday <laughs> Um Probably
1: to the service station to get an ice cream um, yeah. to get home in time for Pluck-A-Duck, I think. Tom so um, I do
2: remember after one of Daryl's celebrity impressions, I drove 90 minutes to a methadone <laughs> clinic. Uh, I was on Herod and I just really needed some methadone after <laughs> seeing him going to the plane, the plane with some shoes. Sticky tape to his knees So yeah Anyway uh, That's enough about bands I actually like Let's get back to Shannon Well
1: interestingly I think with that 1927 thing Imagine he'd taken The usual hey, hey, it's Saturday, red faces, root, and gone blackface. Maybe the group would never have been <laughs> formed if he'd just... You sure, know, so sure. Or they luckily, could have been even bigger, of course, <laughs> 1982, yeah. after all. Exactly. So it's good to know that 1927, something good did come from red faces, <laughs> and that was, was that.
2: Yeah, redface. I mean, people probably remember 1927 better than they remember moving pictures these days. So, oh, definitely, yeah. certainly right. Um,
1: look, so I'd say, yeah, going back to Shannon... By this stage of his career, Shannon seemed to be performing with all the desperation of a man trying to stay relevant to patrons of RSL and life saving, like surf life saving clubs. Sort of, Mm -hmm. I think that was sort of, he realised that once the the gloss and the sheen of being a runner up on Australian Idol is over, um, you need to sort of find your
2: niche. And his niche
1: seemed to be sort of just old people at sort of. Yeah. Regional centres, I think.
2: Anywhere that the premix cans are kept cold, and you know, the, <laughs> the Nova Correct. FM signs are yeah. fluttering in the breeze. You know, like he give him credit, he kept it going longer than most of them do. Oh, like he,
1: he kept it going a lot long. I think a, as a talent to longevity ratio, he kept it going. He, he was sort of yeah. traveling at the speed of light to sort of keep that. On the plane, I guess, because it it was... It was
2: like he'd already figured that he was going to be Dad Rock, so his best chance was to cover Dad Rock and appear at events where people who liked Dad Rock might show up, which seems to have worked. Yeah. he still gets interviewed on bloody radio stations today, you know, despite no one one really giving a toss.
1: No, for sure, because as you said, as the year's pass, there's more idle contestants, so there's just more more people out there. So your your relevance, I guess, falls off the cliff a bit because people only really want to know about who the newest person is. So he aimed low and he hit the mark I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Look and the thing about Shannon was that he made people believe that yeah, you know, that could be me up there because it literally could be you as long as you could deliver a performance you know, of the caliber of, say, a high school cover band or 2021 Vince Neil. that sort of... <laughs> yes. If you can sing to that level of quality, yes. perhaps you could go on Idol and you could be a winner
2: That's by right. just going, what about me? <laughs> Maybe that could be you, so... Yeah. you should have had some vocal training because if you hear him now, it hasn't gotten improved over time. <laughs> anyway. Look,
1: I, I sort of enjoyed, obviously, um, this is a big song for him, went straight to number one. But the follow-up single, Drive was also a great one if you can remember the sublime lyrical content of I've got a car I've got a big black shiny car maybe tonight we can go for a ride Mm. very very good song I think that's a metaphor (laughs) for something I'm not sure what I don't think he's just talking about driving a car maybe it is now, that song was written by a friend of the podcast, Brian Adams, <laughs> if you can believe him. I can believe it. <laughs> the song is indeed shit, so shit that Brian wouldn't perform it in any capacity, <laughs> but he'd done the work, and you don't just discard it. You obviously want to monetize the work that mm. you've done, so he was fortunate that he was able to offload this to Shannon Noll. Wow, so. yes. I too, guess- too shit for Brian Adams <laughs> would be an excellent five-word review of that song, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, Shannon Noll was one to operate under the mantra of one man's trash is another man's treasure so yeah. despite the fact that brian wants nothing to do with it doesn't mean that you know shannon won't so.
2: i like to imagine that even brian adams was slightly surprised when he got that phone call <laughs> he said oh you want to license one of my songs sure sure uh, which, which one i've got a car the, oh did i write a song oh yeah that's right that, yeah
1: do you There's... think he, brian might have been on a lot of drugs <laughs> at this stage and just sort of pumped <laughs> them out so. quite
2: fun. Quite One possible. maybe he had a big black shiny joint when he came up. With it. <laughs> yeah, look, we're, uh,
1: someone we're going to have to talk about in the future—not for maybe ten or so episodes—but <laughs> um, Ed Sheeran, uh, he's going right. to pop up he, at some stage, he, 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 and he. he's a man that is um, highly prolific as well. And I do remember, mm,
2: much like Brian Adams, <laughs> Adam,
1: but I do remember once um, a song of his. Uh, Another artist had recorded it and got... Because I think he records a lot of songs and gives yep. them away or whatever. And one of his songs went to number one and someone asked him about it. And he was like, I literally cannot remember writing this song. Yeah. So when you're churning out a heap of songs, generally similar-ish types of shit, and then other
2: people are recording them, you might just forget that they exist. Back in the day, that used to be because of drugs. Yeah. Like famously... Um, At one party, Joe Perry from Aerosmith went up to Steven Tyler and said, This song's great. We should cover this song. And he said, This is one of our songs. (laughs) But I mean, they could blame Speedballs for that. These (laughs) cunts don't even seem like they're interesting enough to, you know. Would you want to get high with fucking Ed Sheeran and Brian Adams? Oh, (sighs) definitely not. Definitely not. Um, Like, D- smoking of weed of above, and a yeah. giant vanilla ice cream. Yeah, it's t- All t- the sugar <laughs> taken out of it. low-fat aspartame vanilla ice cream. All right. So this is a cover. Any lyrical highlights? Um. Well, this is a weird one, isn't it? It's a strange song topic. Yeah. On the one hand, they're expressing a universal human frustration that we all have some days, that the world is against us, that we're being pushed around and knocked to the ground, that it isn't fair, that we've had enough, now we want our share, which is a really bad Piece of grammar because it's oxymoronic in the same line. Yeah, so I've had enough. Now I want my share. But yeah, grammar wasn't their strong point. See me after class, moving pictures. <laughs> um, also, everybody likes the idea that they're the underdog. Yeah, too. You know, even when they obviously aren't. To the extent that they will lose their shit if anybody points out that they aren't. But yeah, so points for doing something original. On the other hand, the grammar. Still sucks balls. And the two examples that they use to illustrate their thesis are just really weird. So there's a little kid who wants to get served at the shop. Everyone barges in front of him and he gets annoyed because he's not getting served. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's a metaphor, so fine, right? We get it. Yeah. But what is the metaphor of, like, being left out of society? Is it being poor? Being a dwarf? Not able to reach the counter in the shop? And what is the metaphorical bag of mixed lollies That he's waiting to buy In this metaphor Is it infrastructure? Sex? Communism? I mean later on he says The message is that The little people make the big people big Thanks Trotsky But who do you think the audience for this song is? (laughs) Rupert Murdoch? Like it's saying, take a step back and see the little people. So this thing is defining himself as not the little people. Yeah. So in his imagination, he he isn't one of the little people. So who are the little people? Does he mean physically little people? Yeah. Like children, babies, cats, dwarves? Oh, look,
1: Tom, it's, it's very confusing. I don't know. <laughs> and I think in the wrong hands, this song could... Sound quite shit But thankfully Shannon comes along and, a, and gives yes. it Sort of the meaning That it needs So
2: It's an unusual topic For us all and I think What they've accidentally Done perhaps By being not very good At expressing themselves In the specific Is effectively expressing The innate human angst Around the idea That we all deserve Something better For no real reason yep. And that we're all Unique individuals Despite all evidence To the contrary yeah. So credit to them For accidentally doing that um, and yeah, what Shannon Noel realised That this would sound better through a flavour saver So, you know yeah, absolutely. They both brought something to the party uh, Everybody else brought the song He yep. brought the two square millimetres of chin hair And exactly. added that to the party But um, in sort of a,
1: an art, imitating life, imitating art type scenario Do you think that Shannon, through singing this Has somehow injected himself into the <laughs> In a meta type sense <laughs> that He's singing What About Me, but not as a character, as himself. What About Me isn't there. <laughs> you know, Shannon, it's coming not from mm-hmm. the character, it's coming from Shannon, yes. singing it wholeheartedly. But He then, is the song now. Moving <laughs> Pictures may have written this about
2: Shannon not. But then shannon that would indicate that Shannon thinks he deserves something more than he's got. So yeah. what does he think that he deserves? Well, he should be. Like the number two spot at the Summer Nets. <laughs> end of show, closing gig. I, I think that Shannon... Goldie. Well, Shannon probably... Because I think he's got that. I'm pretty sure he's got that. I think he saw himself
1: more as sort of a um, a Michael... Mike, maybe not Michael Hutchins, a JD Fortune type character, Tom. Maybe someone that could could be... Sure. The, you know, a lead singer of a successful band mm. after the actual singer has died, you know, because he's yes. never going to front a successful band... Off the back of his own work, yeah. but I think he probably thinks maybe I could slot in there and <laughs> perhaps you know if the time was right he could be the next Jimmy. Exactly, yeah. you know, you know. Hopefully Jimmy Barnes never dies. Maybe he's already <laughs> dead and it's just been a hologram performing That's for true. years. But. I think you could Shannon Noll probably thinks I could be the new singer of cultures or yes. I could be the new singer of Inex. Provided
2: there was a reality show involved that I could go on. That, oh, of,
1: of course, yeah. You don't just choose someone to fill in the spot of a deceased singer, you no. need to run it via a committee of the general public who <laughs> was a right. bit you know, I mean it, You don't
2: look for a band or write some songs or you know Yeah. You keep Every, playing Summer Nats, yeah. going on Nova FM once a week and waiting until who wants to be the next singer of Culture Club reality show <laughs> exactly. comes to Australia. Exactly. Now, if you've ever sort of been
1: spending time with your friends and it, come, it comes up and it's election night in Australia and the party that, that you want to win or you think is going to win doesn't win and a, and a different political party comes in and you're just like, how, how does this happen? You know, I've spoken to all my friends. Mm-hmm. We all sort of hang out <laughs> together and we all just assumed that it was going to go this way and it mm. didn't go this way. Just remember, the Australian public decided that Shannon Noel was the second best performer <laughs> in a singing contest 20 years ago and most of those people are probably still alive today. Yes, and so they're voting are
2: still willing to pay to see him perform uh, 1982 covers yeah. of... Um, movie song. The second best
1: in Australia mm. in a singing contest was this guy. Yes. So next time you go,
2: <laughs> who's voting for these people? There are maybe a dozen other songs this year that would also <laughs> help oh, explain yeah. Scott Morrison's continuing popularity. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. yeah, let's move on. Uh not not to pick anyone oh, in particular. Uh, okay,
1: guy Sebastian, all I need is you. Yeah.
2: Oh no, it's actually again. Yeah. Yes, uh, Axel is pointing out that Guy Sebastian is another oh, look reality I, TV just show alumni. He he was the one who took the crown from he Shannon <laughs> the ground. and what a heavy crown it is! Tom oh, heavy
1: as the I, head. <laughs> I should point out sorry quickly that Shannon that costs a dollar The "What About Me" sing mm. on Disco because that's quite a lot, and he's got two hundred fifty thousand listeners on Spotify. I
2: think pressed it on brown CDs, <laughs> I think so. and they yeah. they disintegrate much
1: quicker. Especially if they get wet. So I just wanted to say that. Look, yeah, this is Guy. Look, um, so remember we talked last week about him winning Idol, releasing his first single, Angels Brought Me Here, which went straight to number one. Mm -hmm. The song, it sounded like it was... Produced by sort of a, an off brand Scott Stock Aitman and Waterman. Like yes. it had that production sound that literally, like they'd use the demo track on a Yamaha Portasound Sound keyboard and yes. just got to sing over the top. Now, this is better than Angels brought me here. I'd, I'm going to say, yes. I'm going, I want to go on the record and saying this is better than Angels brought me here. But in much the same way as dying in a spearfishing mishap is better than a drug resistant, flesh eating bacteria killing you slowly. I yes. think better. <laughs> But not great. It's a fine line. No one wants sure. to cop a spear to the heart, you <laughs> know. You know when your mate Jacko is just fucking around after too many bourbon and goats and going, "Oh, let's shoot that fish," and no. then you die. And then, you know, your wife doesn't have a partner anymore and your kids don't have a father. Not ideal, but flesh, you know, drug-resistant flesh-eating bacteria, that's got to be a hard way to go. That's
2: true. It's the real Shannon Knoll of ways to go. If that Absolutely. One. Yeah, so, no, this is, it's definitely produced better, although that's not very hard either, as you said. The other one sounds oh. like it was produced...
1: Fame raised
2: In the background on the set of a reality TV show like Russell Crowe recording a thirty odd foot of cr- ground <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> using a Sony Handycam during outtakes of virtuosity. It but, sounded yeah, like those lines. it sounded like
1: they were going live with Guy to do the song yes. and they were like, We've lost the backing just
2: track. Popping a set a- take <laughs> on this old four track we Can found
1: you- around the corner. <laughs> exactly. Can you just freestyle over this? Yeah. So anyway. Um, Look, Guy points out in this track that all he needs in his, you know, his life is his love interest. Yes. All I need is you. And that's all good and well, but how happy will you be, honestly, without any gainful employment, money, (laughs) residence to live in, food, clothes? You know, I imagine at some point Guy would realise that perhaps
2: he does need more than just love. I call this the Bob Marley, Is This Love? Uh, I think it's that song. Is that? No. No. What's the one where he says "In my single bed"? Whatever that song <laughs> is, the whole song. There, there's a, there's a bunch of these songs. Uh, I got you, babe. That's another one we talked about one a few weeks back. Yeah, yeah. It's this idea that you know, the idea that uh, love love is all you need. Everything else is secondary. If I if we've got each other, then we don't need. Food, clothing, shelter—yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't <laughs> Way to, to earn a living. Right. Yeah, it just
1: seems completely <laughs> ridiculous. And look, <laughs> the the sorry, Tom, the Bob Marley song that you referenced—I don't actually know that song because I don't listen I don't I, I sort of only really know one it's the re-
2: where he says we'll live in our shack together we'll live in one single bed and uh, oh. j- Jar will provide the rent as in God will yeah. magically give me
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know if I've heard it because I, I only really like one sort of reggae artist and that's Axel Rose so I don't really know Bob Marley's material well I do <laughs> look, know not ex- now <laughs> Axel. you Axel can Ray. have
2: some reggae later on okay yeah look
1: um, Yes. The, the music video for this—it's one of those house parties that just looks completely fucked. You know, like yeah, sort of, we've discussed that um, too. You'd show up and you would think, "I need to get the." fuck out of here right now but it mm. appears to be in the middle of nowhere so yep. which is super annoying <laughs> and really inconvenient guys sort of driven for hours to get to this house party you show just yeah. going holy shit i hate everyone here but you know because you've made the effort of getting there you just stick around
2: for a bit and end up talking to some guy who sells crystals on the internet yeah so. i know what you mean it looks like there's barely indoor plumbing if you turn on the tap rusty water comes out and there's no power the water from the tap is very hard yeah. to drink half very the people there drink. have got bare feet it's it's all shot in that late 90s indie style Yeah. so there's an amber filter over everything lots of follow, following people from room to room lots yeah. of slow motion dancing to presumably a different song because yeah. don't know how you would dance to this and <laughs> you can't. weird close ups of inanimate objects like a ping pong ball landing in some water or something where the editor got bored shitless and started inserting stock footage into yeah. that fucking thing
0: <laughs> it like which it. I
2: don't blame him for after 90 seconds of this I was desperate to see a bullet slowly piercing an apple or possibly my own head (laughs) yeah Um, I mean as you say it's a step up from the last one in that it seems like a professional has mixed it (laughs) it and the video ditto seems like someone's actually going okay we've got some leftover uh, late 90s Christian rock video extras and an old house in the middle of a field we'll put an orange filter over this and do your worst you know yeah, fire sticks were conspicuously missing that time. <laughs> I thought they might show up at some stage. This had all
1: the sort of oh, all signs pointed yes. to fire sticks. Yeah, I'm
2: sure there were two guys up the back with uh, knitted raster hats doing hacky sack, and they were both white. Yeah, I guarantee exactly right. Just looked like kind of maybe like except was- those guys wouldn't listen to fucking Guy Sebastian No that's
1: the problem as well with his music videos I always (laughs) need to make it I mean not that the people in this video clip looked what I would consider cool but Mm. they try and get what 45 year old music executives think Yes. Looks cool. And then you realise that... Which is something that that looks
2: cool 10 years ago on the Christian Music (laughs) Channel on cable (laughs) if you subscribe to Foxtel. But
1: even if they hit the nail on the head, it's sort of like, these dudes wouldn't be listening to this bullshit. No, exactly. It's like when they show... Like the Avril Lavigne sort of thing where it's like they're at the skate park and it's just like... Hardcore skaters are not listening to this.
2: I mean, you say... Like... I don't like her. I find her music boring as batshit. But Delta... Like, it's like they hit... Hit her on the nail. Okay, this is what the appeal of her... This is what her music looks like, what it sounds like. The videos yeah. look like what it sounds like. Everything's consistent and stuff. So, like Shannon Noel, they aim low and they hit it on the money. Yep. Whereas Guy Sebastian, he always tries to aim a little bit higher and mm. just consistently misses. So, I'm not sure which of those two options is better. Like, yeah, I don't know. But look, this dude, he, he's still rocking now. So, he's still yeah, releasing no, music but so is Shannon so. Noel, yeah, exactly. And by releasing music, I mean covering fucking 40 year old at <laughs> exactly. the rugby league grand final yeah. Look, so
1: this is only one week 3.3 3 mil for Guy this also costs a dollar 3.3 mil fuck yeah we talked about that he, no. he had a people know who he is overseas I think yeah. that was the he must have some and he can sing like yeah. he
2: can sing a bit he's not terrible
1: no no that's true he does have a voice that's right whether
2: he's good enough to have gotten anyone to record him sans reality TV is another question but yeah, yeah he's not offensive on the year uh, lyrically, uh, this is only one one of only two songs on this album. His debut album, co-written by Guy. The rest are other people's songs, and lyrically is the blandest, most plain porridge pablum imaginable. So I don't know what that tells you, but basically, if you sit down with a pen and write the line "Got to let you know," anywhere near a songwriting context, then I've got to let you know to forget about being a lyricist yeah, because true. you know, look. How did I find such a love so true when I've only done a little right? Look and see that it can't be deserved, that the freedom that you give is mine. Doesn't rhyme, doesn't scan, only makes sense because you've heard every sentiment 50,000 times already. This sort of songwriting is like ripping open three stolen packets of pizza shapes, chucking them on the floor and saying that you've invented a jigsaw (laughs) puzzle. Uh, I mean, you know, technically, sure, (laughs) When he talks... What's the, what's the first line in
1: that, Tom? Sorry. Um, How
2: did I find such a love so true? I assume it was at that
1: house party that he was probably, at. Probably, yeah. They so, um, said, sweet that's...
2: Afro dude. Absolutely Come right. through. Also, why are you still wearing a jumper with a shirt underneath with the collar popped? It's 2004, not 1998.
1: Yeah, exactly. But that sucks. Um... God damn! Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit grim. All so, right. Anyway, next one. Um, fantastic. This this isn't a, a person. from Australian Oh my god. Um, Jamelia, Jamalia, Jamelia, Jamelia, Jamelia? baby, Jamelia, superstar. Um, I haven't heard this since
2: yeah, fucking, since it came out. I the only bit I remembered is the line is the superstar. Yep. it's like is it that one?
1: Yeah. Yep. Um,
2: which so, I guess is something if you can get a, a chorus that sticks in someone's I just, head I don't uh, know i have forgotten the singer oh I've got, I've
1: got no idea who this is I don't know what this is and nothing yeah. about it played it and just went oh yeah I can remember that it's been yeah. since what, what year? 2004 yeah it's been literally 17 years since I've heard this so yeah look um, this was released in 2003 by Danish pop singer Christine Milton mm-hmm. and then Jamalia or whoever decided like two months later That is a banger i got to cover that And get that yeah. out Under my album So she obviously saw There was potential in the song Just needed someone else To really give it the pizzazz That she does on this So yeah. this is her biggest hit Although the follow up single Thank you Was also a top
2: 10 hit You know I had never heard of Jamelia Or seen the video for this mm. I always assumed This was Destiny's Child Oh, because yeah. it sounds exactly like a Destiny Child song. Yeah. In reality Jamelia or Jamalia is a UK R&B singer doing the usual accent and affectations of the American American style R&B, which is very evident in the video. They've chosen one of the two sunny days a year in London and got the girls to walk in front of some graffiti, but it's still pretty fucking obvious this is London and not the Bronx. Also, yep. Jamelia is dressed like Beyonce, but the choreography is a lot less crazy in love than Hens Night trying to look sober in the door queue on eight inch stilettos. <laughs> I don't think Kanye's going to interrupt any white chicks for this one. <laughs> no. but also, as a side note, you know what came out this year? What's up? Crazy in Love. Oh. Where the fuck is that? Why am I listening to a dodgy knockoff of Destiny's Child instead? Not to mention four weeks of Shannon Cunty Noel covering a 20-year-old ballad about a chip shop with shit service. Ah, I don't know. I yeah. just, you know, it's... like like I said, the chorus is memorable, but, you know, everything else about it I'd forgotten. Yeah,
1: it is interesting how some of those songs that are considered, you know, all-time classics of an era are nowhere near this podcast, like Crazy in Love. And then songs like this that you can't remember yeah. just like the folks going It around.
2: must have been number two or three. Yeah. I mean, it no, it's
1: ridiculous. So, look, what's Jamelia doing these days? Well, after a pop career fizzled out, you know, she hasn't released anything since 2006. She did some modelling and acting. She claims that she lost some acting gigs due to the fact that her stepbrother was convicted of a gang-related murder. Oh, jeez. So she claims that she was cast in some things, that happened, and no one wanted to go near anymore. I don't know why she didn't lean into that a bit more. Yeah. You know, sort of, if a casting director didn't hire her for a job, she could approach them and say, is this because my brother was convicted of murder? And then could say, well, look, if you don't hire me, <laughs> let's just say that I know people. I'm not saying anything will happen to you. <laughs> But I do know that people might not, you know, take too kindly me when pass over for an acting role. Or if
2: you're trying to get some US style of credibility, why not lean into your whole... From the streets. Oh, thing, exactly. M&M right. style, you know? She
1: could have, yeah, that's it, you know. she Instead of doing that fake gangster shit, she, she could have released some legit sort of, you know, yeah. popping caps in heads and you some know, real not gangster brother, stuff. Yeah. That's right. Definitely. So, look, maybe if she'd gone down that road and booked a few more acting gigs in her time, she wouldn't have been forced to do such things as film a show called Jamalia. Whose hair is it anyway? <laughs> um, which I've not seen, but sounds is that very frizzy. Yes, it is a oh, real show. God. So um, <laughs> check that out if you can, probably on YouTube. That's or not be a documentary a, about living in a share house. Isn't yeah, it? I don't know. Or be a judge on the reality show <laughs> Move Like Michael Jackson. Okay. Now I'm not sure what move she was assessing, but hopefully it wasn't the moves Michael made on nine-year-old boys, and oh, more no, to do yeah. with dance moves. I
2: think uh, Corey Feldman was a judge on that. Show as well. Jesus, yes, <laughs> one of the few people qualified to assess. <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah. Uh lyrically, this song is really nothing more than a mechanism to get to the chorus, which musically is pretty strong, even with this fairly limited production and the vocals not being exactly Whitney level. Uh it was written by Christine Milton, as you said, who is one of Denmark's pop stars entrance Uh given that she wrote this on her own, I would put her well above anything Scott Cain Bardo or Scandalous managed. But I think she was a musician and dancer before she went on the show in some semi-professional capacity. But yeah, I mean this shit's on All I Need Is You by Guy Sebastian from the International Space Station, for instance. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is that makes me feel like this. I don't know where you are, but you must be some kind of superstar, because you got all eyes on you no matter where you are. Now, given that she's Danish, uh, I'm assuming that Superstar was written about either Lars Ulrich or Hans Christian <laughs> Andersen. But, yeah, she obviously had a big crush on those two people. Um, Are they the same person? You never see them in the same room. <laughs> That's true. So, you you really do. do. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if there were a few Metallica songs that were secretly about the Little Mermaid or the Ugly Duckling. But, um, yeah. A star. The term is my so, death star. Those lyrics... Given that that's someone with English as a second language, they are pretty good. Yeah. like for this kind of thing, like they just fit perfectly. It is the the original version has different production. I think she's a slightly better singer. It's still kind of low energy though. They're both a little bit. Yeah, you could. I re- you could cover this again. I reckon you could go for a triple with this and get someone else to do it and mm. really because it's a good song. I, I actually quite like this. This is certainly my favourite of the year so yeah. far. Like it's not terrible. What do you think? Um, and if, you can dance to it if yeah. you wanted.
1: What do you think if we heard this? Given, say, the Shannon Noel treatment, do you <laughs> think that could? Is that what you That's think? That's True. I didn't
2: specify who was going to cover it, but
1: yeah. that that could make it significantly better. So, look, don't give Shannon any ideas because he will do this mm, given the opportunity. That so. is true. Um, only one week for this. One point five million listeners on Spotify. So people. Must be liking this song I don't know whether She's got many others Out there But this might end up On one of those Best of the oh, 2000s got, playlists Like I said
2: I spent a lot of time In nightclubs around that time And it got played All the fucking time Because it's got a banger Of chorus You can dance yep. to it And it was big This got to number three In the UK And it sold 400,000 copies okay. Which is fucking decent Like yep. that's four times platinum in Australia or whatever, you Yeah, know, this so- would still be on playlists today, so that oh, explains yeah, yeah. Her, her
1: high numbers. And 24 cents on Discogs if you want to pick up a physical copy. Why wouldn't you? Next. Up next. Britney. Ooh, Ooh, boy. Toxic. Kapow. Another big hit for Britney. Look, to show people sort of think yeah. that, you know, I, I guess we should point out probably that What do you think? Britney's starting to wind down a bit. Is she she reaching the peak? She's close to. But look, to show how big Toxic was um, Mm -hmm. and Britney at this time... Toxic was the most searched song on Google in 2004, top search, and Britney was the most searched artist of that year, although weirdly, or maybe not weirdly, this was, yeah, one of her last hits, I guess. So, yeah, so she's still pumping out songs today and albums today, but yeah, this is probably the last one that you really remember as being a big hit.
2: Yeah, a number one. She hadn't had a big hit for years. People were, like you said, they were saying she was slumping a bit. This put her back on top again, at least for a few weeks. But like you say, it was huge. Probably helped that in the video. She appears pretty much naked as well. Yeah, and it's absolutely. just, it's a really cool video, but it's a really good song. Like, it's a sort of weird dance pop, techno pop song with elements of Bangra music, particularly those high-pitched strings, yep. which are sampled from a famous 1981 Bollywood soundtrack song called Terra mera Bich Mine by... <clears throat> Lata Mangeshka and S.P. Bela Subramaniam, uh produced and programmed by the Swedish duo of Bloodshy and Avant. Mm. Uh, it's a really clever arrangement, I reckon. Those high strings contrast with the low sort of surf guitar, which sounds like something from an old James Bond theme yep. soundtrack. Like that ding, 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 that sort of thing, to create something that sounds a bit like a sped-up spy movie theme, and that creates this real high-speed sense of drama and danger, which they then play off in the music video yeah, they, as well. Yes. They make it looks like some sort of space spy movie or something. Is yeah. she dressed up as an air hostess in part she of this? She is at one point. Yeah, she's dressed up as about twenty, 20 different yeah. things. I think she's riding a motorbike at one point, and yeah, yeah. doing all sorts they of must, stuff. They probably spent eight million dollars. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. But it was worth it because, yeah. like you
1: say, this was her last huge. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely right. So is this a cover of the Crazy Town song Toxic? Tom, <laughs> do you know that? no one probably remembers that crazy <laughs> town song, so. no. Toxic, go to Ratchet. Terrible. What so. was
2: Crazy Town? Did they do Butterfly? They did oh, do butterfly, yeah, yep. so
1: that was their um <laughs> that was their emotional track, but apart from that they did some oh, F tier okay. rap metal and one of the songs is oh, okay. called Toxic. So look now Brittany, she's released a lot of products over the years that we've oh, not okay. touched on Tom. So nineteen ninety-nine, play along. Toys released the Britney Spears doll. The year 2000 limited edition sunglasses titled "Shades of Britney," clever name. 2001, she signed a deal with shoe company Sketches, She signed a seven to eight million promotional deal with Pepsi, which at the time was the biggest entertainment deal at the time for an ad. 2002, multi performer. She reached sorry. 2002, she released uh, her first multi-platinum video game. Britney's dance beat. Oh,
2: God, I forgot about that. In 2009,
1: Spears was announced as a new face of clothing brand Candy and had a signature line. She teamed up with Hasbro in 2002 to release an exclusive version of Twister, (laughs) Twister Dance. (laughs) March 2018, it was revealed that uh, Spears would be the face of Kenzo, a French luxury clothing house. And in 2016, Spears and Glue Mobile created her own uh, (laughs) role-playing game. Sure. Britney Spears American Dream, which is uh, compatible with iOS and Android. Good so a me. lot of products with there, but down-loaded down-loaded. <laughs> certainly one of the uh, longest lasting product lines for Britney is her perfume range. Okay. So Elizabeth Arden released Curious in 2004, which broke the company's first week gross for, for perfume sales. Oh, shit. Spears has released 30 plus fragrances. And worldwide, she'd sold over a million bottles in the first five years. Wow. uh, With gross receipts of $1.5 billion. And that was just in the first five years. Wow. And she's been going since then. So, Tom, out of those 30 fragrances, which one has the worst tagline?
2: (laughs) I wasn't even aware that perfumes had taglines. Well, they do. Okay, now I know. So, Curious, do you dare? Fantasy, everyone
1: has one. Curious, in control, are you? (laughs) Midnight fantasy Magic begins at midnight Okay Believe The greatest freedom Is to believe in yourself Questionable (laughs) Curious heart Live yours to the fullest Doesn't make sense Hidden fantasy What do you have to hide Interrogative (laughs) Accusatory Circus fantasy These names are getting terrible as well (laughs) Where nothing is what it seems. Okay. Mm. Radiance. Choose your own destiny. Those two things are coming. Cosmic radiance. Be the brightest star in the universe. Difficult to achieve. Fantasy twist. That might be related to the twist of audio, <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, yes. Choose your fantasy. Okay. Island fantasy. What's your island fantasy? That's a bit more literal, that one. <laughs> sure. Fantasy anniversary. 10 hugs and 10 kisses. XOXO Brittany. Yeah, okay. What not? <laughs> um... <laughs> Fantasy the, the the nice remix. Everyone <laughs> has one naughty or nice, and then Fantasy the naughty remix. That was released uh, as a sort I of a, a dual set. What one are you going to choose, naughty <laughs> or nice? Fantasy stage edition. Your favorite Fantasy fragrance, XOXO Britney. Rocker Femme fantasy. Unlock your rock and roll side.
2: Mm, well, she never managed it. But um,
1: sure. Fantasy Renner Edition didn't have one. That was so. the Jeremy Renner
2: Edition. Didn't last very long. Yeah. No, Fantasy... It's like his website. I think it was out for two days and then it got <laughs> taken down. <laughs>
1: Uh, Fantasy Intimate Edition Everyone has an intimate fantasy Okay, there you go (laughs) Maui Fantasy Aloha from Hawaii XOXO Brittany Just showing off now (laughs) Is that even a (laughs) tagline really? Private show It's your private show Okay, sure Fantasy in Bloom, capture a moment of pure enchantment when the world is full of possibilities and everything seems new. Too verbose. It's, it's a lot longer than... There. The other yeah. ones are like three words. VIP private show, it's your VIP show. Sunset fantasy, experience summer <laughs> in a bottle. Being cool, for, sure. <laughs> these are getting progressively worse. Prerogative, a fragrance for all. Again, they don't go together. No. um, Fantasy Pride Edition didn't have one. Rainbow Fantasy. What colour is your fantasy? I think that would go with the Pride Edition, wouldn't you? Prerogative Rave. The new uninhibited fragrance for all. Sure, you're only 20 years late. (laughs) Glitter (laughs) Fantasy. Dare to shine. Prerogative Ego. Play it your way and break the rules. Choose your side, then change your mind. Follow your instinct. What's your prerogative? (laughs) Prerogative.
2: i have to fantasy. Ask Bobby Brown. I think he's the
1: expert. <laughs> Live to celebrate life. Enjoy the simple pleasures of every new day as they encapsulate you into opulent <laughs> color, dream, and delight. Jubilance and vibrancy will
2: be your addictive signature. Can that's I... the
1: worst for me because uh, it's it just fucked.
2: Once a month, Gary comes in here and they let him go. He just goes hog wild. Yeah.
1: Fantasy intense, elicit sweet temptation, and leave an unforgettable and lasting impression.
2: Mm. So that's all of them. Um, They're all pretty fucking awful, aren't they? They're not great, are they? I mean, I've seen worse taglines for $50 million romantic comedies starring A-list actors. (laughs) That's true. But still, yeah, they start off bad and go downhill from there, I think. Do you think Britney came up with them, or do you think someone was hired to come up with those taglines Oh, I think people got paid a lot of money for that shit. Unless the crazy ones might be Britney, like those ones that are five sentences long. But yeah. but yeah, I think that really the earlier ones are better the ones that are like three words long, like, do you dare... Yeah. Okay. At least it doesn't hang around long enough. Curious in control, are
1: you? I like the ambiguity. (laughs) Um, Sure. Yes. You compare that, you know, along the lines of play it your way and break the rules, choose your side, then change your mind, follow your instinct. What's your prerogative? That's (laughs) nonsense.
2: Yes. Oh, like a fragrance for all—that's meaningless. You know. Exactly. Um, I mean, you're not fucking Volkswagen. I noticed she didn't release a fragrance called Toxic though. I don't <laughs> <really> know. <laughs> Why? Well, there's a famous, uh, famous perfume called Poison already. Maybe they thought it was too. <laughs> Is that, that Brett Michaels from Poison's <laughs> fragrance? Or unfortunately, no. no he put sure. out his own called Cock of Love, but it wasn't <laughs> a big hit. Damn. Um, this must have <laughs> some lyrical highlights. With the taste of your lips, I'm on a ride. You're toxic. I'm slipping under. With the taste of a poison paradise, I'm addicted to you. Don't you know that you're toxic? Yeah. Now, the question here is, Ben, was Brittany ahead of her time in identifying the sociological phenomenon of toxic masculinity? Yeah. Or was she just really into a guy who thought shopping was gay and, if asked to express an emotion, left the room and hid in his man cave for up to four weeks at a time, subsisting on a diet of microwave footy franks and painfully homoerotic Reddit discussion groups about how funny it is when tradies eat ice cream. <laughs> I, think, I think it was probably the second one. And <laughs> I think that guy's name was Kevin Fedeline. And so. I think he basically lived in a man cave, <laughs> just smoking an ounce of weed a month with his bros, uh, writing songs about how he wanted to see chicks' tits and a bit of their vagina as well, if they were up for it. Yeah, a little bit of titty and a little bit of kitty, <laughs> I believe. Yes. So. But, I mean, who knows? Who, Who knows, knows what to say. this is about? Hard to but, say what yeah. it's about. So, yeah. Probably not written by her. I should have checked that, shouldn't I? Um, written I'm by guessing. those Swedish
1: guys, I think. They oh, I already said that, didn't I? God, did they're running together. Yes. So, yeah.
2: Bloodshine and event. by the way, are a Swedish songwriting and production duo of Christian Carlson and Pontius Wittenberg They worked with Britney, Kylie, Madonna, and J Lo, so they were the top end of the. Oh, they were like that top Max here. What's His Face at the time. Oh, but,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. There
2: seems to be one guy every five to ten years who just, you know, he's just the the guy that you go to. Yep, Sweden just pop out a lot of stuff. (laughs) They They, certainly seem to have a knack for it. They certainly
1: do, definitely. So yeah, so that's Toxic. Uh, Fantastic 24 mil for Brittany on the Spotify. 94 cents to buy that. Cheaper than Shannon, might I add. So that's Mm. that's the deal. Somehow
2: I think that his brown vinyl pressings probably <laughs> might be worth a bit more slower <laughs> less less uh, made than Britney
1: so yeah so just two weeks for that but um, that's a great song I enjoy it that is. one as well it still holds one. up today so fantastic um, a lot of those fragrances probably smell very good as the day <laughs> yeah like
2: Outkast it's just a it's an inventive production of a pop song too Yeah, it's a weird slightly weird structure and it sounds really interesting yeah look running off the back of how much it costs <laughs> to buy these off Discogs I should have popped
1: to chemistry warehouse today and seeing how much these <laughs> Britney fragrances are selling for because um, sure. maybe next week we can try and factor that into the podcast because um you may re- this might seem crazy to people now but when S- Britney brought out her first celebrity fragrance there weren't many people doing it she was no of, uh, I she was going to say now, now it seems every, to be standard like, fucking,
2: like, doesn't matter who you are it's just like yeah, bringing out a celebrity I pretty fragrance. much guarantee that Shannon Noel has a fragrance out I think it's called Big Black Shiny Car. <laughs> Without doubt, yeah, definitely. Uh, smells like uh, a burp from someone who's been smoking rollies and drinking Bundaberg all day. <laughs>
1: that would be great if it was just um, a Bundaberg-scented sort of, you know, that's all it was, just sort of um, diluted Bundy. Yeah. Just in a bottle. So, the yeah. smell
2: of Queensland.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, up next, Usher... Featuring Little John and Ludacris, yeah, With another another exclamation mark. What a fucking combo this is. I mean, Um, it's not bad, is it? Look, Usher's been described as the new Michael Jackson, which on face face value isn't (laughs) really how anyone wants to be described, but that's due to his dance moves rather than what goes on behind closed doors. But Uh it turns out that Usher's also sketchy, then this song clearly fits into Usher's pre-ped work and therefore it's okay for us to listen to it we're just saying yeah. that now in case something uh kelly comes <laughs> out in the future and we don't want people going oh those guys supported usher and it's like mm-hmm. yeah but we're
2: doing it at the time when it's okay yes so, um,
1: um
2: how many next michael jacksons are we up to now oh, this- <laughs> Somehow, <you didn't- laughs> i think that expression's lost some of its currency at around this time <laughs> Uh, anyone also, that could dance of they... all the people to compare him to like he didn't look sound, act or even dance much like Michael Jackson
1: no fucking Justin
2: Timberlake bears a closer physical resemblance for one thing look I think Usher had a, had a little
1: bit of fancy footwork going on so yeah I think people he was a went... good dancer but
2: you know yeah
1: but Michael, as a dancer, sort of took things to a new level, I think. so. Yes,
2: plus on stage, everyone was constantly screaming at Michael Jackson to rip his shirt off and show his buff eight-pack, his <laughs> glistening abs that he had, you know. Exactly. Not some sort of weird Darth Vader cybernetic chest implant keeping him alive <laughs> by high-level industrial chemicals being topped up every night.
1: <laughs> exactly so that's Usher um, Ludacris is another member of this
2: mm, uh, unholy yes. trilogy is Ludacris the best actor in the Fast and the Furious franchise Tom? well, well I can't really judge because I haven't watched any entry since Tokyo Drift yep. I knew there was no way they could top that <laughs> But I'll say this uh, if they aren't using Move, Bitch, Get Out the Way as the theme song for every movie, then Paul Walker died for nothing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And agree. he probably
2: had more in common than with Michael Jackson than Usher does, quite frankly. But yeah. um, from some of the rumors that were going around, I think he died at the right time, too, frankly. But yeah, no, I think Ludacris is great. Um, Ludacris and Little John bring a lot of charisma to the party. It's not just Usher here. Oh, no doubt, absolutely. Little
1: John, do I need to really say more? He brought the power um in oh. that turn down for what song oh, DJ man. Snake. Just Remember makes you that? want to break a pool table over turn someone's out. head. What? Just it's fucking it's, great. It's, it's that's a great song. I fucking I might just add that DJ Snake is one of the sickest DJ names going around. <laughs> like it's not bad. I fucking think it's awesome. Like whenever You look at a band lineup and one of the guitarists is called Snake. I don't care (laughs) how many times it happens, I'm always like, that's fucking so sick. That's true. So DJ Snake is the best DJ name going around and uh, look... He's doing some good work as well. So look, love, um, yeah, all the stuff that Little John's done. He just screams a lot, <laughs> yes. like on "Do out now for what?"
2: and on this, he does a bit of screaming work as well. Yeah. So it was uh, memorably highlighted by Dave Chappelle on the Chappelle Show around this time <laughs> yeah. with his impersonation. If you're just going, "What?" and "Okay," like. <laughs> Uh, I think in one sketch he rings up the real Little John on the phone and they just go what and okay with each other (laughs) for quite a while but uh, yeah I mean it's great it's very infectious like he was just saying it just gets you so amped when you listen to this which is exactly right it just makes you want to you know get in the car and drive really fast break some pool tables just gets you fucking pumped up and I think um, Little John should be
1: on you know not all but what 80% of hip hop songs I think (laughs) just as a hype
2: man just going what yeah Yeah. he's so much more into Like tea, pain, or someone. Yeah,
1: exactly. And
2: even the instrumental on this track gets people pumped the fuck up. Oh, yeah. This is one of those songs. Yeah, that that is a little bit Michael Jackson. It's got that quality where you hear the first two bars before anyone's even started singing, and people start going for the dance floor. Oh, yeah. You don't need to get to the bit where he says. Shake it like a Polaroid picture It's too late Everyone's shaking it already
1: Yeah The second that first uh, bar Mm -hmm. of music comes up People are just fuck And then little John um, Sort of (laughs) comes in Just going Everyone's like I don't think he shows up until the end Which is a shame He should have shown up at the fucking beginning And just went The whole way through But look it's pretty good um yeah this is uh, one of the the best songs of this year I think in terms of um gets me gets me pumped up mm-hmm. but Usher's done you know obviously he's a big star done a lot of great stuff with music but Usher's also worked with Mastercard since 2004 <laughs> Tom, I that. Okay. and together they launched the Usher Debit Mastercard <laughs> okay. Now I want that shit so bad how sick is that like just sort of when you go into a shop and pay it's just like you tap and go with the <laughs> Usher hopefully this has got <laughs> Usher on there, like doing some sort of dan- hologram dance move, I hopefully. like to
2: imagine that uh, it can only be used for tap and go because if you try to put it into an ATM... Uh, it's just it's just got ab bulges on the top of the card, <laughs> no and it, it just you can't squash it, it into the in.
1: machine. It's too buffed. Yeah. So I, I contacted Commonwealth Bank yesterday and said, you know, I want to get one of those Usher debit cards, and they had no fucking idea what I was talking <laughs> about. But um, still keen to get one if Mastercard is still making that. It'd be good. Who would? What other pop star or musician in general would you like their debit card for? To sort of, <laughs> do you think would be sick to just go when you you know. Tom, oh, you know, no, no, no. I'll pay for coffee, Tom. Don't worry. You reach into your wallet, you pull out the debit card, and it's sort of like, obviously, crazy town debit card would be fucking awesome, but wouldn't? It, and it'd be great if when you tapped it, they had some sort of functionality, so you just tap it and it goes yeah, or just little John just go what ah, tap and go sort of. That. I
2: was watching a podcast the other day, and uh, for some reason, it was a video thing, and uh, a guy pulled out his credit card to show someone something. And it just passed off in the background and there's a pause That the guy who was watching the feed said, have you got a pink credit card? And he said, oh, it's a fucking, it's Disney. But They had Disney cards at my bank and I just told the guy to pick one, to pick his favourite one and he picked me like a frozen <laughs> a pink one. I just... You know, I mean, I feel for the guy, but at the same time, I felt like saying, well, A, you told him to pick one, and that's yep. what I would have done. And B, why are you getting a Disney credit card for yeah. Anyway, you're a 30-year-old man, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Geez, there's a lot of Disney adults in America. There's a surprising number. Yeah, it's weird as hell. Um, I don't really know <laughs> at what point should you just be like... I did see... Asked, this, this is my favourite celebrity card. I would have got this in Japan. They had it when I was there. They, you know, Kirby... Yeah. Th- th- they had Kirby, you could get Kirby credit cards, and it was just completely flat pink with just two. Little eyes in the middle uh, of it, no. it. had no logos. What's <laughs> that? It's like, yeah, I would have got one if I'd been allowed to. I think you get them from news agents. But yeah,
1: was, sweet. Yeah, yeah, a friend of mine when she was living in Tokyo just got sent her new bank card in the mail and she just opened it up and it was just Winnie the Pooh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just didn't ask for this at See, all. In He's Japan, that, I
2: wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, and it's right. just, yeah, just sort of like, I don't or know. if you got your card out and then. You went, hang on, what's this? And a little arm came out and another little arm and then two legs and then a little, little yep. robot head came out the top and then it yeah. said, Hello, I am your new credit card.
1: Branded <laughs> credit cards, it's not something that's taken off in Australia, I don't think. Not you know, much. like sort of you no, buy no. you get your credit card or your debit I card. They might say do you it, want a
2: black one or a blue one or something, but yeah. Like, yeah. I don't even
1: get given that option.
2: They just no. send you one in the post
1: <laughs> when the other one expires. But look, an usher debit card would be fucking radical. So sure. I'm down with that.
2: Uh, okay, um, lyrically, uh, the main song here is just about a hot friend of Usher's girlfriend mm. rubbing herself all over him on the dance floor, um, and he's wondering what he should do about it. But really, this one belongs to Little John for giving the song its title, and ludicrous for rhymes like this. Uh, Watch out, my outfit's ridiculous in the club looking so conspicuous and Roar these women all on the prowl. If you hold the head steady, I'm a milk the cow. Yeah. And forget about game, I'm a spit the truth. I won't stop till I get them in their birthday suit. So give me the rhythm and it'll be off with your clothes. Then pinned over to the front and touch your toes. <laughs> I left the jag and I took the rolls. If they ain't cutting, then I put them on foot patrol. Nice. So, I mean, he's making a lot of promises in that. He is, so, yeah, definitely. Well, it probably pays not to analyse that too much. I'm still not exactly sure what, if you hold the head steady on the milk, the cow means.
1: But I'm know, sure it's yeah.
2: extremely wholesome and he's talking about some new kind of almond milk I assume that he is. He's been promoting at the time. Is he also saying that if they don't bang him, he's going to kick them out of the car? Pretty much. They can walk, I think, you know. Yeah, because... Look, you know. That's... I like the foot patrol idea though because um, a it suggests he's some sort of military commander, yep. but b it also suggests a whole long patrol of uh, skanky hoes coming back from the nightclub behind his car. Yeah, perhaps some chant as they walk along. I don't know, but I've been told <laughs> uh, eight inch stilettos are mighty cold when you're outside, not in the car. You know yep. that sort of thing. Yeah, look. Um... Those are great lyrics and it's just good to see that Ludacris is still
1: with us today and, and producing <laughs> yes. good work, whether Christ. it's music or <laughs> or just I'm sure the Fast and the Furious franchise just give him five mil every two years to pop sure. up and do some bullshit. And so. also
2: Moon Bitch get out the way, great song. <laughs> what you know, I often think of it when I'm in lines pretty much all the time, in fact. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um,
1: twenty one mil for uh, Usher. 4.5 mil 21 mil For He's little, for little right. John 5.7 mil For Ludacris So all of them Have got a lot of yeah. dudes But Usher obviously Has heaps 32 cents for that One week only For Yeah, And I guess it, They could only get One week for year Because we have to Move on to the next song Which came along And just Knocked it out of its <sighs> spot And that is Amen. Fuck it I don't want you back Exactly <sighs> Now, i would completely forgotten that this existed. Me too. Mostly because it's fucking awful. Yeah, this
2: was my song of the year where I was like, I don't remember that at all.
1: Yeah.
2: Not at all. Four weeks, a month. Yeah. Number one. And I do not have any memory of this. Well,
1: what I... Quickly learnt upon listening to it again It's like, oh yeah, this But it's just because it's one of those songs where he says yeah. fuck in the chorus a lot yes. And that's such a novelty Because it's like, oh my god, he's saying fuck yeah. in the chorus of a pop song It's a bit sad what? that that was uh, ever nuts. edgy, isn't it? Yeah, that it? was but, enough But to... it
2: was, I mean, at the time, yeah like yeah. Even uh, if you're having an angry breakup moment And want to yell at some imaginary women yeah. There's about a hundred songs better at it than this one like "fuck you" by CeeLo Green, or "Give Me My Money Back" by Ben's Folds, or "fucking Bye Bye Bye" by NSYNC is better than this shit. Oh, this indeed. is it doesn't even succeed at that. Like as you say, its entire appeal seems to be that it's got "fuck", fuck in the title. In you hole, and I don't want you back. Back in two thousand and four, they wouldn't play that on the. I mean, they wouldn't play it on the fucking Nova now anyway. Oh, exactly. So you'd still only hear the beeped version in the nightclub usually anyway. Like
1: yeah, look, oh, man,
2: Amon was a one hit wonder. This was the
1: one hit, and fuck. it's it's effectively a novelty song I think if Pretty you're fuck in the title of a pop song yep. then it is a novelty song um, the music video is <laughs> him laying it on the chick who's cheated on him so like yeah, just yelling at her just yeah. going ah, ah. like what, well, you know fuck you I don't want you back while well, he's at a pizza restaurant now if you're breaking up with someone or telling them fuck you you ho, I don't want you back yeah, you either don't order food <laughs> or you order yes. the pizza you eat the pizza and then you say it because yeah, don't do it at a public restaurant. Yeah, exa- exactly. He's invited the chick to the restaurant. And they're sitting there <sighs> just going, "Fuck you, you whole I don't want you back." And then the pizza, the the, fuck, yeah. the waiter, it's awkward because he's brought this pizza out and he's just like yelling at her, and it's just like, "So like, fuck you fucking for wasting time. pizza." Yeah, exactly, exactly. God. Go there, <laughs> eat the pizza,
2: then go. Oh, how's yes. that pizza? Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Fuck you, you whole. I don't want it's a bit to be like back. that. Bye, bye, bye. Where he's, the song lyrics make it clear that he's invited her over to his house to break up with her. So <laughs> yeah. now he's trying to get her to leave. Yeah, like, exa- well, yeah. why did you invite her over?
1: Exactly. I mean, <laughs> that makes no sense. Well, as yeah, well. Anyway. So, no, I completely sure. agree on that front. So look, yeah, this is this is pretty shitty. Um, look, Amon was interviewed by NME in England back in April two thousand and four, sure. and he was asked. You know, why was your record, fuck it, I don't want you back, at number one for so long, Eamon? To which he replied, because these people are retarded over here. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if he's being serious or whether he uh, was joking. Yeah, I'm not sure. He also said, I don't write things to shock. Well...
2: So, <laughs> This song won a Guinness Award for most expletives in a number one song, Oh yeah! although I was unable to verify that. It says that on his Wikipedia. If that record exists, I assume it's been beaten many times, Uh, much like Eamon himself, who looks and sounds like a man who regularly gets punched in the head for doing MRE pickup lines in bars to girls who are standing right next to their obvious boyfriends. He just got that look about him. Um, How would you describe this type of
1: music, Tom?
2: Mm, Without using one of his patented expletives, probably not very good. Yeah, because Eamon describes his style as ho-wop. So he's not just a
1: one-hit wonder, but he's invented a whole genre. Yeah, a whole genre called ho-wop, which blends the smoothness of R&B with the grittiness of
2: hip-hop. I would describe it as blending the smoothness of him being a ho with looking like a bit of a wop if I was racist. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. What's more problematic component of ho-wop? Is it ho or is it wop? Well, I think problematic was really his stock in trade. As his later work demonstrates, he really was only in it to, you know, shock people. So, yeah. yeah. What, think, how would you describe uh, it? I wouldn't say ho-wop. I think I'd
1: probably describe it as shit-hop. And that's where <laughs> someone attempts to align their work with hip-hop but it's just boring shit.
2: Yes. Uh, this isn't hip-hop's asshole. No. Uh, Dido could beat this guy in a rap battle. Uh, what he doesn't want to say is that he's invented a new genre called playing nothing compares to you on a shit karaoke machine and whining <laughs> over the top like a little bitch, because yeah. that's what this fucking song is. He can't sing. He can't rap. It's not a good No, it's pretty bad. He tried to replicate the formula of edgy
1: lyrics with a follow-up single um, (laughs) called I Love Them Hoes. Oh, weirdly, that was just... I love them hoes, love them hoes, love them hoes. uh,
2: That was to placate the people who thought he was a sexist piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. So he did that. Well done.
1: Love them hoes. People didn't get on board as much as they did with this and only reached number 24 on the charts and uh, here and didn't chart in the US and he's done sweet fuck all
2: since. Yeah, apart from appear on Usenet bulletin boards about guys to avoid, I imagine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, lyrically, I mean, it's mostly in the title. Uh, Fuck what I said, it don't mean shit now. Fuck the presents, might as well throw them out. Fuck all those kisses, they didn't mean Jack. Fuck you, you ho, I don't want you back. Mm. Now, someone obviously broke Eamon's heart, I believe that. Uh, The part of the song that's harder to believe is that she wanted him back. Um, As the video proves, anyone who would waste pizza like that is clearly a turd apart from anything else. This is the song equivalent of one of those true story posts where the guy stands up for his rights in Starbucks and everyone cheered at the <laughs> end of the story. You know, it's, that's what this is like. It's just got red pill written all over it. This fucking thing. It's not good.
1: No, there's nothing about it that I enjoy um, at the time
2: or now. And look, I've been bitter at breakups before. You know, sometimes it, you know, sometimes you do want to yell at an imaginary person or at your Imaginary ex girlfriend, but like this isn't even doesn't even work on that level, it's just ass. Yeah, look,
1: I don't ever want to hear this ever again. Um, hopefully, Eamon doesn't try and make a comeback. I don't know, maybe he will. Let's hope not. I don't think. He'll trouble this podcast no, again. So I can't believe he did four weeks look. for this, eight hundred thousand listeners on Spotify. So some people listening to this. This this sets you back two cents, Tom. So um, mm, that's which is about very expensive. It is <laughs> certainly. So yeah, cool. Moving on. Next is D twelve, my band. Ah, yes. Now look, I don't know whether this was going places without Eminem. This sort of has a. I mean, I guess D twelve in general at the time, Eminem was mm-hmm. you know such a big artist that him aligning himself with a sort of hip-hop collective was always going to be popular just because of him. So, look, this is a song about how he's the, you know, purported lead singer of the group. It's pretty much a joke song, I guess. A bit of a jokey sort of like, chicks want to bang Eminem because he's in a band but they don't know the name of his band, etc. Yeah,
2: well, it's also that he grew up with several of these dudes in the 8 Mile, around that area, and... um, the idea is that he was in the band before this before he became famous on his own, so he's become famous now, he thinks he's too good for the band and the other guys resent him yep. for being in the band. So they've sort of made a self aware joke out of that, which yes. is pretty funny. Yeah. It's not terrible. No, no. It's not terrible. Like he's willing to portray himself as a twat again, which yep. is always good. But when you watch
1: this it sort of um has that sort of Jokey Eminem vibe to the video clip and to the song itself, but
2: the other guys seem to have a sense of humour too as well. You know, there's no massive posturing going on
1: in it. No, no, no. So absolutely, look, I thought Purple Pills was the big hit from from these guys. I remember that song, but I don't
2: remember this one as well. I remember that other one's got a dance music play. Yeah, okay. it got played in nightclubs and stuff, you know. But I remember yeah. hearing that one a lot more yes, than, than this one. That's what so, I mean. Um,
1: that only made it to number three, so this was their biggest hit. I remember, I think "Purple Pills" was a little bit too drug reference-y for some radio stations. Yes. So, remember they released a version called "Purple Hills" yes. for radio, <laughs> which makes no fucking sense. <laughs> no, I don't think they changed any of the other lyrics. Yes, so.
2: we're getting close now, and I'm looking forward to the point when all the boomers die and we officially don't need fucking radio anymore edits anymore ever because they sound fucking stupid yeah. there was a radio edit for instance of fuck it I don't want you pack and it was yeah. somehow even shitter than the real one yeah like and they just release like hip-hop songs on the radio and just half the they wouldn't beat them they'd just be silences so just half the words in the song yeah it sounds like someone's on the crossfader just randomly <laughs> skipping it back <laughs> and forth like what are you doing just don't play it or play yeah. the swear words you weird twats like yeah anyway yeah um, do you know any other people in this group?
1: Do, do, have you heard? By, have you heard them outside of uh, uh,
2: which people, Ben?
1: <laughs> uh, Bizarre, Mister Porter, Kineva, Swifty McVeigh, Proof Bugs, and Fuzz Scoot.
2: <laughs> I thought they were all um, old dirty bastard uh, <laughs> aliases. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, you're telling me they're all different people. They're though. all different people from the D12. Yeah. Um. Well. I don't know. I didn't they, know any of them I had a look. Uh, sadly, Proof, who was Eminem's real childhood friend in Detroit, died oh. in 2006 after the sort of incident that happens in a place where everyone has guns. Yeah. Gee, a bunch of shit-faced dudes are playing eight ball on 8 Mile and have an argument, and everyone gets shot in the head, um, unfortunately. Uh, Mr. Porter left in 2012 to become a producer on Shady Records, mm. and Bizarre is still putting out albums under his own name. Um yeah, the other guys I struggled to find anything about. But yep. yeah, they seem to be amicably friends. Like, I think he only officially said that they were disbanding a few years ago, you know, so they sort of, you know, even though they hadn't done anything for a while, they obviously, you know, keep in touch with each other yeah. and stuff. So that's, oh, that's good. good. Definitely.
1: Um, look, the video, as we mentioned, a bit of one of those sort of funny Eminem <laughs> type jokey ones. Uh, Eminem dressed up as chicks that offer to suck his dick, which is obviously hot as shit. So just sort of Eminem doing that, going, oh, that's all sexy. And he does a highly dubious Mexican impression in the last 30 seconds of the song Mm, that I'm sure is
2: extraordinarily (laughs) offensive today. I don't really... I forgot as well. I just went, oh, yeah. Mexican, like Irish, seems to be one of those ones that people are still coming around to the idea that it's offensive to make too much fun of. But yeah, um, I guess yeah. this was
1: 15 years ago. So oh maybe well, well, that too. Yes.
2: <laughs> uh, D12 weren't around long, but they did have a surprising number of hits, and their their two albums only had two: Devil's Night and D12 World, which this is from. Both went platinum, so they really did well for a yeah. few years there. Like that's from like 2001 to 2004. Um, Yeah, so, you know, even though they hadn't done anything, didn't do anything after that for a long time, but they they played live, they toured and stuff, and they did festivals. I think they toured Australia a few times. they on the strength of purple pills and stuff. But, yeah. Um, Lyrics? Uh, Did you have anything else? No. Um, Yeah, lyrically, there seem to be some internal ructions happening in D12. Uh, Bazaar puts it like this. God damn it, I'm sick of this group. Time for me to go solo and make some loot. I told you I made the beats and wrote all the raps. Till con artists slipped me some crack. Lose Yourself video, I was in the back. Superman video, uh, I was in the back. For the media, I got some suggestions. Fuck Marshall, ask us some questions. Like, who is D12? How we get started? But what about Eminem, bitch? Are you retarded? (laughs) I mean, it's good that they can joke about this stuff. I assume the animosity wasn't too real because there's six of them. And if they had all started firing diss tracks back and forth at each other, it would have caused some sort of diss track critical mass. Surely you would have heard about that in the media. Diss track cold war at (laughs) any time it was. Because you know how much Eminem liked to diss track? Imagine with six other people all just flinging. Yeah, Yeah, it'd be like that bit in... um, fucking Saving Private Ryan where they are all throwing the hand grenades back and forth over the wall yeah
1: I feel like Eminem would sort of go to say Taco Bell or something <laughs> and get a, you know get two tacos and then gets to the they car and gets his oh, like
2: and then he'd like just distract <laughs> Taco just be yeah. like fucking hell I'm and you're going to get another Mexican impression after that one <laughs> you are, absolutely <laughs> sure so what's this going for on the on 36
1: cents the- and they still have 3.7 million on the disc oh yeah on the, on the, on the it's Spotify. Not bad so yeah Definitely. So that was just two weeks for that. Um,
2: uh, up next, Tom? Uh, this is Anastasia, Left Outside Alone.
1: Now, if the guitars on this were tuned down half a step and you had Paul McCoy doing, uh, who did the wake-up, wake me up, wake me up, uh, if yeah. you had that guy for, um <laughs> doing a bit of left-out sound again on this, then this could almost be an effervescence song. Yeah, it could be an effervescence. Oh, it's effervescence. Yeah. It sounds like she's sort yeah. of trying to channel some um, <laughs> some F-tier, like, hard
2: rock yeah. on this-ish. It does a bit. I also found, I don't know why, maybe it's just her singing voice, but I always found her a bit similar to Taylor Dane. There's this oh, kind of sort of yeah. muscular pop thing about it it's not really dance music it's not really a ballad no this It's kind a bit of, of a, a rock I think it's a rock song yeah well. it's sort of a shout along pop rock song yep. you know oh and we've, we've talked about Taylor Dane before Tell It To
1: My Heart is one of the best <laughs> of the 80s my favourite song um so yeah look one of the songs in this album features the singer from Christian new metal band <laughs> P.O.D so she's obviously sort of um Tapping that weak as fuck new metal on this thing, mm. so I think she's trying to go in a harder direction. <laughs> Maybe you're right. I think she's going a bit harder. So look, Anastasia loves a tinted lens, <laughs> yes. doesn't I she? Think we mentioned this on her last. Doesn't song. matter if it's drug dealer shades, nightclub shades, reading glasses, goggles, driving <laughs> a car glasses. She'll tint the living fuck out of all of them. Mm. I have no idea, you know, what she's wearing in this video. It looks like she's wearing flares. <laughs> A shirt that looked like she picked up at a market in Istanbul in 1830 with a leather corset over the top?
2: (laughs) Makes no sense at all. Yeah, she was always a bit... I always got the feeling that they never quite pinned down what she was supposed to you know, an image for her. Yeah. Like, she's older than your Britneys. Yeah. But she's still a very attractive person, so they obviously want to funnel into that. But you can't have her, like, naked all the time. Yeah. But, like, what... And it was also, as we mentioned before, this is a very sort of crappy liminal stage from fashion where people were desperately trying to get rid of 90s stuff. But yep. then they just kept... They had nowhere to go. ...lunging so towards <laughs> orange mesh, so, you know, midriff vests and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah tinted yellow... Fucking snowboarding sunglasses and stuff. Yeah, I
1: mean, what happens when you're in an era where everyone just wakes up and goes, "Oh fuck," the fashion right now is awful. Yeah, but the start if of the someone 90s, hasn't the invented of anything the new, then you yeah, don't really yeah. sort of. I guess it's sort of it's sort of. Well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily happening now, but you do see a lot of young people are mining the nineties hard because yeah, maybe yeah. no one's invented anything new. It's but at true. this period of
2: time, people were like, "Ah, we don't know what to do yet. We don't know what to do." Yeah. So it just got a bit with her particularly. Of the 90s yet. I always oh, yeah. felt like they just didn't quite know what to brand her as to style her as you know yeah
1: look to be fair this is on brand for anastasia because as we said you know in my eyes she's known as much for dubious fashion choices as a music (laughs) and she released a clothing line with a german company in 2006 (laughs) that i can only assume was completely fucked oh
2: i didn't hear about that i should have looked that up i'm curious (laughs) now i bet it was just wall-to-wall yellow snowboarding glasses (laughs) (laughs) absolutely back tattoos yeah for sure i'll be
1: hitting up one of
2: those used clothing sites (laughs) to see if any of it's still available sure um this was uh written primarily by anastasia as well as dallas austin and glenn ballard and details the stringer's strained relationship with her estranged father knowing that now means that the song makes more sense than it ever did at the time because i always just assumed it was about a relationship which you would uh, you have to look that up because, frankly, she's not good enough at lyrics to convey that through the magic of English words. Like, there's nothing in this song that is anything paternal at all. You just have to know that from reading about it, really. Yeah. Because otherwise you would just assume that it was about a relationship. Uh, and I wonder if you know how it really feels to be left outside alone when it's cold out here. Or maybe you should know just how it feels to be left outside alone Okay, that sort of seems to make sense. She's saying, you, were, you weren't you in my life when I was a kid, so now I'm ignoring you now. Yep. I hope you, you know, sucked in. Uh, see if you can make sense of this. I tell you all, all my life I've been waiting for you to bring a fairy tale my way. Been living in a fantasy without meaning. It's not okay. I don't feel safe. I need to pray. I mean, assuming that you've read an interview where she says it's about her dad, then the chorus makes some sort of sense. But the next bit... Why you'd still be waiting for your father to bring you a fairy tale at age 35 is questionable. (laughs) And plus, if you've been living in some sort of meaningless paternal fantasy world, then maybe the best way to fix it isn't to go off and have a chat with an imaginary bearded sky dad. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's really going to solve the problem. I think you might be swapping one problem for another, but... Anyway, look, sorry, correct. that song got up my nose at the time. I always found her lyrics annoying, and the problem is she delivers them very forcefully, so you really have to listen to Lester what <laughs> you yeah, say. I
1: like, don't hate her voice.
2: So I just always thought her lyrics would be irritating. Yeah, look, here's a tip, and I think that...
1: Um, it's not for, the worst In my mostly. mind, Anastasia's Anna really hit the, the nail on the head here, and I think um, as a father, my advice to other fathers is, particularly um, if you're a deadbeat dad that's just going to leave your family and not spend any time with your kids at all, Just check in every once in a while. Just (laughs) come to your kids and say, look, I've been deployed to, you know, I have to go and move to the Middle East because I'm working for a spy. Just, it can be complete lies. Kids will believe anything. Just go, look, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, you know, saving people from disasters on the other side of the world or I'm working for a mining company and I'm offshore for nine months a year, whatever it is. And just check in from time to time. It only has to be once a year for a weekend. And the reason for that is when your kid becomes the next Anastasia, they are not going to want anything to do with you. If you've just... No. If you've <laughs> left when you were two and she hasn't seen you for 25 years mm. and you come up and say, oh, hey, I want to be in your life now because you're a big star, they will probably tell you to fuck off. Yes. But if you pretend that you're on an oil rig and then you just come in once a year, <laughs> hey, yeah, bring a present or something mm. like that, they will think that you're in the life and yes. that you can't spend time with them due to your employment or whatever the case may be. Then when they hit it big, <laughs> yes. there might be a window of opportunity mm. for you to come in and say, oh, look, I'm sorry I didn't get to spend much yes. time
2: with you, but I was working you know, overseas. Yeah, or that's right. What You want to foster a sort of uh, toxic... Kind of yeah, codependent semi absentee relationship like your Amy Winehouse, yep. where you still get a slice of the cash, yes. as opposed to like Meghan Markle, where you wait till they actually get famous, then pop up and go, Can I have some money? By the way, I've talked to the tabloids about <laughs> what you used to do when you were a teenager, yep. you know, and then weirdly they don't want to talk to you, I think. Exactly. If you're an absent father, Come up with a
1: fake reason <laughs> why you're an absent father. Don't just, just be a dead shit. At least just, be an alcoholic or something where well, you can blame it on Pierce. You know? Exactly right. But I think it's better to pretend to be a spy, Tom, as you <laughs> said. Just one of those things. Hey, you yeah. can be both. Look at James Bond. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. So there you go. Look, um, 2.7 mil for Anastasia. She does oh, have yeah. quite the Surprising following. Amount. Two cents for this, um, but wait until this gets covered by... Paul McCoy and I think <laughs> the value yeah. will go up. So yeah, indeed, indeed. Anything else for that one?
2: No, you know what? If they if she'd fronted Evanescence, they could have really gone somewhere with that. I, kind I of, think so, yeah. definitely.
1: Maybe the current vocalist of Evanescence and Anastasia sort of doing a back and forth vocal Mm -hmm. style, I think. (laughs) Yeah, with Paul McCoy on. Yeah, much like when Anastasia (laughs) and um, Celine Dion did that AC/DC cover. Don't remind me about that. (laughs) They traded the Original. (laughs) (laughs) it is. Um, Watching Celine Dion try and do a leg air guitar thing is is one of the worst things I think I've ever seen. That's brave. Yeah, it's very very brave. Quickly, let's get on. Um, Up next, Spider Bait with Black Betty. Mm, now Tom, mm. the term cultural appropriation gets thrown a little bit gets thrown around a little bit too yeah. much, do you agree? I mean I think a white dude with a burrito truck isn't necessarily destroying the fabric of multicultural society. And further to that, you can't tell me that everyone that works in one of those sushi shops selling the rolled sushis Japanese, you no. know Is it cultural appropriation or fraud if a sushi shop, only employs Asians and implies that the staff are Japanese with some sort of ancestral connection to sushi, yet they're actually from Malaysia?
2: Mm, you know, I
1: am not I going see. I'm not going into those shops and going, this is cultural appropriation. I always ask where are you
2: from? Birth certificates. <laughs> yes. when I where to?
1: were you born? <laughs> That's right. Singapore. <laughs> you can't be rolling sushi. <laughs> so of course it, it makes sense that people from various backgrounds may actually go somewhere or travel somewhere or do something and then just go, you know what? I really like burritos. I'm going to open a burrito shop. I'm Mm. not Mexican. Am I? Is it cultural appropriation? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure, but I think the term does get thrown around a little bit too much. Look, I'm not yeah convinced that as a concept, you know, it happens because people should be free to sort of do as they please. And the general public can then decide if they sort of, they might say, there's a burrito shop. That dude's just a white Australian guy. Maybe it's going to be shit because he doesn't have that sort of ability to do it or whatever the case. But I think the general public can decide for themselves whether something is authentic, inauthentic, Hmm. Whatever the case may be, and that's okay. So yeah, I, I sort At of At least don't... he
2: should stop paying that guy to wear a giant sombrero and dance around the front <laughs> going Ariba Ariba, because that's clearly a fake moustache <laughs> and he right. appears to be Irish. So. That's that's certainly true. So while the white dude
1: pumping out, you know, he might be pumping out the best burritos in town, but mm. if they're trash then people won't want to support it. So look what the point that I'm trying to make here, Tom, with the cultural appropriation element is that while I don't necessarily agree that it exists this is 100% cultural (laughs) appropriation
2: well, to be fair, other bands have also covered this song. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a big hit for Ram Jam in 1977. I think that was the one most people know. And weirdly, I'd never heard this before, but Tom Jones did a sexy funk cover in 2002, <laughs> two years Jeez. before this, which is a lot more fun to listen to, frankly, yep. unless you've got an extreme attachment to a Triple J core late 90s bands that probably should have packed it in already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a catchy. it's a
1: catchy song. What can I say? Yeah, look, spider about the band that gave us Old Man Sam and that song on the 10 Things I Had About You soundtrack return with an <laughs> ill-advised and poorly executed cover of Black Betty, I'm saying. The song dates back to the days of um, Texas prison chain gangs. Ah, okay. And possibly back as early as sort of um, early 19th century. It's considered an African-American work song and was recorded by Lead Belly in 1939. He's the yes. first person, I think, to lay it to tape, but as I mentioned, it sort of had that pre-dating recorded music sort of element of people singing this song and performing it as sort of like one of those working in the chain gang type songs. He was a
2: folk blues guy which meant that a lot of the songs he sang on recordings were just folk standards or blues songs that he knew like he wasn't claiming to have written No, no but
1: just sort of I guess collecting these songs so that people are able to hear them because a lot of these things yeah, if they don't get recorded sometimes they're they're lost to time so that's what um, he was obviously doing so look If those chain gangs Created this song During their working life Mm -hmm. Then this song Is a product Of forced black labour And in turn (laughs) It's safe to say That Spider-Bait Are profiting Off the back Of black forced labour so, look, while Cram is not a slave owner, he's the next best thing. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, it
2: mathematically makes sense to me, sure.
1: Yep, yeah, so, look, I, I, don't, I can't agree with this. I think if you are listening to this, then um, you, you're probably sending money into the wrong pockets. Mm. Um, so, that, that's all I'm saying about that, Tom. Now, speaking of which, is Cram the worst pseudonym in music? It's sort of <laughs> is it the result of him cramming those drumsticks up his
2: own ass? Where does the name come from? Cram with a K, yeah. Look. Kramer from Seinfeld. I, I don't know. You've got me. Yeah. Look, I'm not sure. Look, he's
1: also used one drumbeat for seven albums of material, <laughs> so he's sort of just um <laughs> Black Betty, yeah, blah, blah. They
2: were yeah. quite big in Australia for a while, Spider Bait, but I really am struggling. If you said what's your favourite Spider-Bait song now, I would really struggle to think of even one song title. I can
1: remember this. I can remember um, old Man Sam but I can't remember, even remember how it goes I, I remember, remember that it.
2: one from the 10 Things I Hate About You but I don't know the title and I only remembered it just because you reminded me of it it's yeah. the opening track as it pans across the suburbs I think I've con-
1: I think I must have erased them all from my memory because I can sort of <laughs> remember his like scratchy like <laughs> vocals yeah. but I can't really remember much about the songs um, a friend of mine said that he was at a music festival once and as you do with a music festival as the as one band is finishing You want to try and make your way up to see the next band. yeah. Yes. So you're sort of like, I want to watch this band. There's 15 minutes left of this band set. So I'm going to try and start yeah. making my way Meanwhile, now. Meanwhile, so there's people a spot.
2: from the band who were trying to leave early from the 15 minutes so they can get to yeah, the dummies before everybody else gets there. Exactly.
1: So a friend of mine said he was at a music festival going to see a band that was coming on after Spiderbait had made his way through the crowd, sort of got there, caught the last five minutes of their set. And he said that they did a cover of uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit And then halfway through the cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit, they went into Black Betty... And then after Black Betty, they went back and did the end of Smells like Spirit. The old Nirvana cover sandwich where you do a Nirvana song, go into a Lead Belly cultural appropriation song, and then you finish it off with Nirvana. And he said it's one of the worst three things he's seen in a live music setting. Aww. So I'm not sure what the other two were, that, those, but he said it was fucking terrible. Those things can work
2: if they're done by I saw a Muse concert once and they did a bit of that action and it worked really well. But I think they did it just the right amount. Like, yep. yeah, that, that sounds like way too much. I, I don't know if you can remember
1: Launceston cover band extraordinaire's Hogwash, <laughs> Tom. Um, sure. but I remember going to the Basin concert and seeing them perform fucking almost every year, I think they were sure. there and they love nothing more than the old, um, cover sandwich where Oh, okay. you do, you do like, um, <laughs> Woo-hoo! Yep. and then you'd go into a little <laughs> bit of, um, I think probably something from the offspring, I think probably, probably. makes sense. So self-esteem. I'm just a sucker with no self esteem. I said, woohoo and then yeah. you go back into that it's and great. that was their shtick and people seemed to think it was very impressive <laughs> but it was fucking ridiculous so well, I was waiting for junk mail to come on anyway <laughs> I was up the back <laughs> junk mail that one, of the, one of the few Tasmanian bands that advertised on television like there'd be junk mail buy
2: our CD ads on I don't you know you don't see that don't much know. do they the only way that would happen because no record company going to pay for it anymore you'd have to fund it yourself you'd have to save I up I think they funded it themselves I at the time guarantee probably. they did like, probably the um, way, their Definitely. paper route's handing out junk mail, which is where they got their name <laughs> you and can, their yep. musical education from. You can get some cheap ad time during Burjo's catchphrase. <laughs> All right, sign yep. us up then. Um, okay. Well, lyrically, there's not much to say. It's only got about 10 words. The chain gang thing makes sense. Because this reminds me of one of those marching chants, yep. as mentioned before, that troop sing. Like, I don't know, but I've been told, like, you could sing this all day and just make oh, up Black new Betty voices is. over, yep. new verses over and over there. Like, it's sort of, it sounds like they're talking about oh, I knew a new girl called Black Betty. She had a son who was crazy. And then, you know, but she was good in the sack or whatever. Yep. But you could just keep going. You could just, each verse, you could just make up new stuff. And then it comes back to that dirt. Sort of stomp exactly. chorus, and Spiderbait just sped the stomp up, so it sounds more rocky, which is kind of what Ram
1: Jam did too. So. Um, given that this came after Ram Jam and Tom Jones, is this the definitive version of Black Betty Spiderbait? <laughs> is this, is that what's going to happen? You know, when people look back in time, they're going to say this this they got it right because the cover often improves, always improves on the original. Well, the,
2: to the Tom Jones one, I'm saying that's the best, my personal opinion. But then I am a massive dork. So yep. you have to take that into account. So, yeah. Look, that's okay. That's a cover as well, better than the original. Um, <laughs> Do you remember that very brief period where Tom Jones was cool again? He did he did a covers <laughs> album and was like... Because his voice is still as good as it was at the time. And he picked songs well. Yep. Like, Kiss by Prince Grinch, and yep. Sex Bomb and... Exactly. I think he did like a Kylie song or something, but like he's just got so much charisma. He it's does, ridiculous. he keeps going, so definitely. Um, yeah, I'll forgive him the cultural appropriation or not, depending on it. I and think Ram Jam, it was the 70s. There was no such thing as cultural nah. appropriation back then. So. Oh, look,
1: I, I often find it an unusual concept to grasp as well because I, I know <laughs> that sometimes people do suggest that you can't do something.
2: Oh, without. <laughs> i we'll talk about it again at the end. There's another one. I will come back to it at the end. But yeah,
1: yeah. Look, I think it's died off a bit now. It's sort of we did reach peak cultural appropriation a few years ago. I think where any time someone Chat. wore something, that was just like <laughs> those buttons were yeah. invented by people someone. getting angry
2: at Amy Schumer because she did a TikTok dancing to a Beyonce song. Yeah, when she was in the jungle on a holiday or something, like what the fuck? Yeah, are it's talking stupid. about it's like, completely ridiculous. But like, think so she got yeah. paid for that shit? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, so right. uh, look, moving on, it, it I mean, really we are up two up suburban white guys. We're obviously the people that need to be talking about this. So yeah, but I'm not doing a Black Betty cover, Tom. No, so that's true. Trying, not, let's let's move it. on.
1: Um, so nine hundred thousand for Spider Bait um, on Spotify. That's more than um, Delta Goodrum, I should mention. Well,
2: so, they were they were around for ten years. And they toured like Buggery, you know? They were like Grinspoon. They were one of those Triple yep. J bands that were everywhere. For Raves, they were in the every Hottest 100. They yep. had a song in there. Their, one, their song like... that year would be in it regardless. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised
1: if they're one of those bands that... I haven't looked at this, but have um, probably back touring now. You know how a lot of those bands from this year... You know, took a decade off and then they went, oh, we can do those sort of um, yeah. bands from the 90s tours at a vineyard or something like that. They were never
2: so, as interesting as
1: Regurgitator,
2: but no, they were I've definitely... More interesting than Delta and Grinspoon.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's because Regurgitator started doing... like, harking back to 80s-style music in 1995 when, pe- when the decade, had, you know, pe- you know how the 80s by about 2010 had just been strip-mined, you know, yes. and sold for parts and effectively everything in the eight Like, Regurgitator started doing that when it- at a period of time when it yeah, was so uncool to yeah, be like, right. let's go back and do 80s <laughs> electro-pop right. and everyone was like, what? No. so They were
2: a bit like Ween, not up to Ween's, no. But, you know they're they're on their own little planet, but they were sort of on an outer ring of ween of just not caring at all about what was cool and not cool and just doing whatever they thought was amusing at the time.
1: Yeah, I remember the dude from Regurgitator was interviewed and that he said, "Oh, I just wanted something to play on the car stereo <laughs> when when they did that unit, the really eighties sort of yeah." Was like, I was, so that was a, cool.
2: I was on a link for a page and someone some American had put. Somebody talking about some song and he said, that's very repetitive. And then it was a link to a YouTube thing and I clicked on it and it was, I like repetitive music by Regurgitator, which is just, it's so funny. It's such a good song. It's sort of, like, it's kind of got this weird hip hop bit in a bit, the middle about how he's this really, it's quite well done. It's a very fast rap about, uh, but when I actually looked up the lyrics, I couldn't tell what they were because they're too fast. It's about um, how safe he is, (laughs) like how he, how he double checks all his airbags before he goes for a drive and uses a three point harness, <laughs> wears a helmet all the time when he goes through bike rides. <laughs> it's like the least tough thing and anyway, it's just funny.
1: And uh the dude from Regurgitator did date the chick from Spiderbait for oh, many years, I believe. So there's um, one link. Yeah, yeah, yep, that's right. Yes. So there's a link to this band. So there anyway, you go. Um, fifty. Cost you two fifty on Discogs? For wow, a Black Betty. That's expensive. Exactly, that's is. way too expensive. Way too much. Just um, watch it on YouTube. All right, let's move on, on to something
2: or... that's a bit more lasting and
1: useful than that. <laughs> this has stood the test of time. This is Frankie with uh, F U R B or Fuck You Right Back. Oh. Now I'd totally forgotten this was a
2: thing. Yes. Now, so if you don't way.
1: know what we're doing, about <laughs> this is a response track to Eamon's "Fuck It," I don't want you back. From Frankie, who's even less remembered than Eamon.
2: The fact that these two songs were both Australian number ones for a total of seven weeks in the mainstream aria. Singles charts Does not speak well About Australia as a whole This yep. comes back to your Why is Scott Morrison The Prime Minister Type
1: of thing Yeah Look This this is sort of um You know we, You spoke a bit before About diss tracks Usually mm-hmm. in hip hop Someone does a diss track Then that person Who got dissed Has to do a response Diss track <laughs> And that's sort of How it works yes. And same with this Eamon did um, I don't want you back And then Frankie said Well I'm going to do A response track to that because, mm. because I've been dissed So And Eamon said about this It's a nice idea But it sounds so bad She's got a pitch problem Good try bitch But it ain't no good yep. So i got to respect Eamon for staying on brand
2: <laughs> Yeah remember that thing I said about the red pill Thought I was making that up Didn't
1: you Yeah <laughs> And the funny thing about this is that uh, the backing track for this is just the, the Eamon song. Yes. So she just does new lyrics over the top of that. So Eamon was sort of like, um, didn't care so much because he's yeah. still got songwriting royalties. He, he
2: had space. a quote about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, she claimed that she was his ex and yeah. the song was about her. But then he, um, <laughs> in an interview, said, Look, she's not my ex. I've never met her. I was not involved with you right back. I've never met Frankie, and she's definitely not my girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. So that's thing. That's where things got really weird because yes. it was sort of like,
1: so this. Oh, Frankie's done this response track. It's good to see her getting her point across. And then Eamon said, "I've never even fucking met her."
2: Yes, and, but then, but then, yeah, and then in another interview, he's, the the guy must have said like, "Well, then why did you let her use?" Your song, yeah, and the actual music, like not just cover it, but like. And he was like, "Well, she paid me, so I've never met her, but she wants to do a diss track, you know, whatever." Yeah, exactly. Because oh, sorry, and I welcome her to my world of ho walk. <laughs> <laughs> exclamation <laughs> mark. Still
1: it trying t- to make t- her whop
2: t- thing there. Yeah, look,
1: so Frankie's You right back, yeah, calls Eamon out for being lousy in bed and giving her crabs mm. and features probably the finest lyric of the decade, you must be smoking crack, your sex was whack. Yeah. So, look, give her, give her credit it's for that. every so. bit
2: as well written as the original uh, with the slight advantage that she didn't write the original
1: yeah. Look. Um, how do you do? You think Frankie
2: was accepted with open arms by the world of WoHop? hop? Ho wop. <laughs> sorry. Do you think that? Well, seeing as it was a very small world that existed entirely inside Eamon's fucking looked, MRA I'm, poster.
1: I'm, yeah, I'm a member of the ho wop community. Um, yeah, like <laughs> Breen, even to this then, Yeah. yeah um, is look, there a subreddit on ho wop?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Check it soon as anyone on much there, So bet you that there is. Uh, look. So in case you're keeping score. Eamon gave Frankie permission to use the music and she paid him money for it. Yep. So either she wasn't his ex and they both have independent, unresolved developmental problems or she was his ex, he was lying about it and they're clearly the world's most public version of the shit-faced rad couple who stagger down a busy street 50 metres apart from each other and yell, give us the be durries you scrag and fuck off you dog At each other. It's, and, that. Yep. Yeah, exa- it's that in song mm, format, I think so. <laughs> yep. And one of them's carrying a sleeping bag The other one's got one thong That sort of thing Yeah It it does seem completely insane Except this is a bit less classy Yeah roughly. And the fact that Australia put it at number 7 Shows that apparently we secretly like that couple And we're down for watching what they do next Yeah so exactly It's a pity they didn't keep going they you know, oh, didn't release he, FURB 2 Maybe I love loved them Hoes Was yeah. a response to this I don't know <laughs> So who, who will I'm will guessing there's a M Night Shine and Milan style turnaround in the last verse where he obviously reveals that he hates them hoes and that Absolutely men are the right. real victims, etc. You know. Yeah, I'd say so. They I'd... only want to have sex with Chads, you know. He's an incel now. He's bought some firearms. He's written a manifesto type thing. Yeah. Eamon may well be the poster boy for incels. I'm oh, he's sure, stockpiling so...
1: rifles right now. Yep. There's no question. Yeah, but Frankie's um, I don't know what she's up to these <laughs> days. I hope
2: that um,
1: she saved the money from the F-U-R-B. Yes. I hope she's
2: the 20 invested she that got... wisely and she's doing all right now. Yeah, um, lyrically, as you said, I mean, it's you know, it's see, I don't know why you crying like a bitch, talking shit like a snitch. Why you write a song about me if you really didn't care, you wouldn't want to share. I yeah. mean ex-girlfriend or not she does have a point yeah you know like if you're if you really don't care about you know your girlfriend and you don't want her back why the fuck are you writing a song about it um, probably so you can try and etch a hit out of yeah know. I mean crikey in terms of comeback songs Ben uh, what's classier fuck it I don't want you back versus fuck you right back uh, I'm a bitch versus I'm a bloke yep or short dick man versus fat ass bitch Oh look, short dick man is a classic. Um, do, you, do you hear fat ass bitch? Ross had that on a CD single. That's a real <laughs> song. That, that was a clap back to short dick man. I haven't man. heard that one, but don't like, shoot it's fat very, ass bitch. I uh, it's oh,
1: very good. Yeah, yep. definitely. Yeah, look, it's hard to know. Um, certainly not this though. This, <laughs> this is not the best no, response track. It's not the best anything. It's not the best I, at all.
2: I can't believe that was number one. Yeah, for Frank has got, got seven weeks. Fuck me. 150,000
1: 150, listeners on the Spotify okay. so it uh, must be on one of these sure. like, shittest comeback songs in the <laughs> 90s
2: or 2000s yeah. or something 19 worst sense. diss tracks
1: yeah exactly so look that's that I, I can't still can't believe that that was a thing first Amen. No. I forgot about it and then I went oh <laughs> shit and there was that response track it would have
2: been Jeez. funny if the response track was a number one but nobody had ever heard of Amen. but unfortunately they were both number ones so yeah. Australia needs to get into the fucking Hall of Mirrors yeah. ASAP, frankly. Indeed, indeed. Look, um
1: up next, Tom, Brittany. She's oh, back with, song. with Every Time One Week for Brittany. Now, this is Brittany's final number one in Australia for now.
2: Yeah, unless she pulls off a sure-style yep. third act career. She can second pull something act else off, yeah.
1: But yeah, um, if that doesn't happen, we won't get to talk about it anymore. Any parting words for for Brittany, Tom?
2: Um it's a pity she didn't go out on a slightly more. I would have been happy with Toxic, Toxic yes. as a sign off you Toxic's know, like, great
1: This this is um this is sort of shitty Like she's obviously learnt something from the bullshit of last year And by that I mean <laughs> piano ballads <laughs> She probably looked at the charts and went Delta Goodwin had five number one hits last year And there's all this other bullshit So she's just pumped out a piano ballad um, And this is pretty boring
2: Yeah, it's just a kind of boring love song I mean, yeah uh, I didn't watch the video, however. Oh, the, the video, time. yeah. Look, the video,
1: it's her and her romantic partner and they're, okay. uh, you know, having a bit of a fight and things don't go well. And then Brittany jumps into a bath and she does that thing where she's nude, but the hair just covers her cans. Oh, okay. So they've Maybe got Maybe I should that. have watched this video. <laughs> got that happening. So she's in the spa bath and then in the bath, she sort of falls under the water and she may have drowned, and then she's in the hospital, and a baby's oh, being okay. born. So it's all very odd. But then at the end, she's alive and well, so it's okay. Because oh, okay. um, she's saved by her boyfriend who comes and gets her out of the tub. Oh, okay. But you don't. But then at the end of the thing, you don't know whether that was all a dream because she pops out of the tub oh, again awake. Okay. So it's like, did she really go to hospital? What's going on with this? So That's it's all... also
2: uh, impossible. Did you know that? Yeah, it is. yes. <laughs> <laughs> they had to legally say that that was impossible because um, I think it was the. Up until the 1800s in uh, Britain, it was quite a popular method of killing your wife. Oh. Saying that she drowned in a bathtub. bathtub, They had to officially make a legal ruling that it was... Doctors to say, like, it is not possible to drown in a bathtub unless someone's holding you yes or you've had three bottles of whiskey or something like that you cannot your body will not let you drown if you faint in the bathtub
1: yeah look the best part of the music video is that her love interest is played by Stephen (laughs) Dorff what's your favourite Stephen Dorff piece from his extensive body of work Tom do you have
2: uh, I was a big SFW fan. Oh, that's what I was going to say. grunge movie, unappreciated grunge
1: movie extraordinaire. Yeah, look, I think that's great. If you haven't seen it, it's Stephen Dorff and Reese Witherspoon and a oh, bunch of other people. Yeah, they The concept is they go into a shop, like a 7-Eleven type convenience store, and then when they're in there, it gets held up yes. by some crazy robber guys and then they make them live in the shop and broadcast oh, it on right. TV yeah. like they they go in there with guns and they're like we're holding everyone hostage oh. and we're going to film it with a camera and you have to yeah. broadcast it live on TV it's the Otherwise most grunge die.
2: movie of all time and then, it really is and then it, they
1: pop out of this thing their ordeal after a couple of weeks and all of a sudden they're celebrities because people yes. have, it's like a pre sort of reality TV show, where, show yeah, type yeah, yeah exactly yeah.
2: so imagine like it's Big Brother Medium but... media man <laughs> is trying to brainwash yeah. you man and he's authentic so you yeah. know and his catchphrase is so fucking what, which is, again, the most Generation X... Try yeah. thing ever. And that SFW, that becomes like a national catchphrase. Exactly. And Imagine yeah, Big Brother. There's a de- twist at the yeah. end, but I won't spoil no, it. No, you know, no, no. It's M. Night Shyamalan style. <laughs> Again, it comes up a lot. <laughs> it's, it's so twisty. It's sort of like um, Big Brother if all the contestants were being held at gunpoint. So... Yes, and the only items of clothing available for sale were flannelette shirts. Yes, correct, correct. Or T-shirts with ironic catchphrases. On them. Yeah,
1: so look, I think
2: um, when we're talking about Stephen Dawes' <laughs> best... Work,
1: you know, a lot of people might say Blade. Sure, Blade. yes. Um, the Power of One. Forgot You about said that, SFW, sure. which I would probably say as well. Some might even say Fear.com. <laughs> sure. But for me, Dorf did a promo video for blue e cigarettes that made e cigs look so fucking uncool <laughs> that I assume it encouraged people to take up smoking. Now, oh, if serious. Stephen Dorf can't make e cigs look cool, then no one can. What, can how, how did it fail? It was just here, it was black and white, Mm -hmm. and then the e sig was black and white, except the end was blue. Like, uh, and then he'd sort of okay. smoke and just go I'm Stephen Dorff I've been a smoker for 20 years but now I've given up tobacco I'm in the e-cigs you can smoke in an airport if you want at the game in a bar <laughs> look can't. at this and then it's just him <laughs> smoking this e-cig blowing it out in slow motion going I'm Stephen Dorff and I was like
2: Christ that man. must have taken place in the six months where you could actually do any <laughs> yeah, of those exactly. things also everybody puts fucking nicotine in it anyway so you're still smoking anyway so, never mind but yeah no that is, that is tricky if you can't make e-cigs look cool yeah. If and he then can't, you can. then no one yeah. can, yeah, exactly. Look, I was going to make a Stephen Dorff slash dwarf on golf joke, but that's too past it even for me. <laughs> do you know Dorff? Do you remember Dorff? Dorff was this guy made up by some golfer slash comedian in the 80s. Uh, it was a play on the word dwarf, you see, and he would, Daryl Summers style, walk around on his knees oh, on good. sneakers and he would do like golf instructional videos as a kind of Mr. Bean style dwarf character. Yeah, is it aged well? Or uh, oh yes, I'm sure it's <laughs> aged. I'm sure Dwarf never smacks women on the ass and they go ooh and giggle or anything like that. Uh, I'm sure it's a very tasteful portrayal of little people as well. I'm but sure it was it's... spelled exactly the same as Stephen Dwarf spelled his name. Oh, ah, nice. So yeah, good, good. Once you see that written down, it's just a weird word. Just yeah, Dwarf is. is a weird Absolutely. word. Absolutely, it sounds like an insult, even
1: though it's not. That... Do you, I wonder. You don't see that nickname, sorry, that last name around a lot. Um, no. Would he go on further in Hollywood if he hadn't changed it to, like, Stephen Donovan or something? Possibly. <laughs> I mean, it does stick in your head. Yep, Dorf. Like,
2: yeah.
1: Yep, definitely. Anyway. I'm a, I'll watch SFW tomorrow. Later. Sometimes
2: a bad surname does stick in your head. John Ham. the surname... John Ham's surname literally means bad actor. Yeah. But he could have changed that, like, before he got famous. He had plenty of time before he got famous to change it, but he didn't. And then he sort of sticks in your head. It's just a kind of weird... Sort of dorky surname yeah. but you remember it I'm feeling it Exactly um, Does this have lyrical
1: highlights? Because um. it doesn't have any musical <laughs> highlights That's for sure
2: Yeah uh, Unlike most of the songs on the album Britney wrote the lyrics and music With a bit of help from Annette Atani Who claimed that the song was about Justin Timberlake ah. The two started hanging about Hanging around together Around this time Because they'd both broken up with their partners And were sort of both feeling in that, that mood together um so yeah the chorus is a lot of i guess i need you baby sort of thing but the bridge says this um, i may have made it rain please forgive me my weakness caused you pain and this song's my sorry at night i pray that soon your face will fade away which seems to make it pretty clear who broke up with who in that relationship <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it probably explains why JT did that mean song afterwards with a Britney lookalike in the video Um, I suppose we should be grateful he didn't write some men going their own way anthem like Eamon did and waste (laughs) a whole pizza, of fucking dipshit. But yeah, at least he just did a snarky one about going out with some blonde trollop instead. But yeah, no, it really does seem to be just her feeling vaguely guilty about it. It's not great either. It's a bit like uh, Guy Sebastian earlier on where there's only two songs on the album that you actually wrote and they both suck. (laughs) Suck, yeah, exactly. It just doesn't. You know. Also, this is not her first album by this point. This is oh, like no, album she's, number she's four for her, so well yeah. she's pretty deep at this Anyway,
1: alright. What do we uh, got? Twenty four mil, seventy nine cents, go buy that. Um up next,
2: fuck me, Shannon Noel, learn to fly. Oh, Axel, look, we get it. Okay, you can have some reggae later. alright oh, Shannon Noll
1: he's back again straight off the bat Tom I'd just like to point out that on Discogs this will cost you a cool (laughs) four dollars now I don't know what they must have only printed five copies or something that Um, brown
2: vinyl is quite expensive family. I mean do you you have to stand at the back of the dog and wait for it to produce manually it's quite slow you have to
1: give up your daily coffee <laughs> to purchase this. It's the same for, I yeah. think I'd just drink that coffee.
2: I, I would pretty much guarantee you that $4 is more than the CD single copy of this would have cost at the time. Yeah, it's it's probably, it's appreciated in value. In how's, unadjusted how's that dollars. Yeah, you know? That's right. Um,
1: look, it's because of all the Shannon Knoll collectors out there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Look, this one starts off as a piano ballad but after about 30 seconds, Shannon elevates it into puss rock territory. Mm, um, that was a big time
2: for puss rock. Yeah,
1: this is weaker than some of those Delta songs from last year this is is pretty shit Uh, it's a cover originally written and performed by British boy band A1 whoever the fuck they are I mean I didn't bother listening to the original but I assume that sucks I mean Um, this would be better than that the cover's always better than the original
2: yeah I did have a listen Uh, it's not great and the lead singer looks like the British version of Shannon Knoll to be quite (laughs) frank he's got the same hairline the same haircut minus the flavour saver uh, which also sucks um Like, yeah, it's weird. They seem to have only... They seem to have barely existed, that band. It seems like they were out for about a a year, barely enough to have a a official single. Like, there's no actual video for this song. Yeah. There's, like, one shitty handycam recording of them performing (laughs) it live, so... Yeah, clearly A one were not A one at you know good together. For Shannon together. To yeah, I, I mean, I realise there's a limited number of songs he could realistically afford to cover. Yep. but I would suggest maybe don't pick one that is A balls and B, has exactly the same name as a much better, incredibly popular song by a much better, incredibly popular, well-respected band that came out four years earlier, Yeah, perhaps. that's probably right. Yeah, people people might have been
1: expecting a cover of the Foo Fighters song and then just went, oh, mm. shit, it's this Yes, or it's also, so, it's
2: not like people, are, if you change the name slightly, it's not like people are going to go, oh, hang on, I'm a big yeah. A1 fan. How dare you? <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> Isn't A1 like a milk brand
1: or something these days? I don't really know. but. Shannon, Shannon, shop up the road from <laughs> <That's, yeah. laughs> Shannon was just very fortunate the timing's everything in music isn't it and certainly mm. I feel that at the time yes. timing, <laughs> at the time the Australian public wanted this I guess but I, mean, I think if he'd uploaded videos of himself singing on YouTube now, he'd be lucky to get a thousand views, don't yeah. you think? I don't really see anyone doing that. It just seems really mediocre, this song. If someone who's maybe the third or fourth best singer at your office decided to launch a pop career, you'd probably just say, maybe just stick to that OH&S shit that you do, bro. Yeah. But yeah. For whatever reason, that sort of yeah. has this vibe of like someone that's like, I'm a I'm pretty good
2: yeah. singer. I'm the I'm best I'm sure the guys at Dan Murphy's uh, warehouse where he used to drive the forklift also had the same opinion about <laughs> Shannon as well. Personally, the only thing... I think you're exactly right. The only thing that Shannon has done recently... Uh, that would get a thousand views on YouTube, uh, was him cracking the shits at length on stage after someone was piffing beer cans at him at a small town concert. That's right. The best song he's done, I think, in his entire career was the Tom Ballard ABC cover version of him set to um, (laughs) What About Me, (laughs) which is him just singing what he says in that. (laughs) (laughs) Get up on stage. You fucking maggot. Come on, get up. <laughs> Come on, you dog. <laughs> get up. It's just the transcript. That's quite funny. I'll put the YouTube link in there. Nice. nice. Yeah. Uh, yes. So um, what else came uh, out with this
1: sexy package? So, this yeah, $4 we'll mask. $4, Tom. And a lot of people are thinking, $4, what am I getting exactly for that $4? Mm. Am I getting Just loan to Fly? But of course, you're not. Being a CD single, you're also going to get two... One, two previously unreleased B-sides, one being a cover of the Southern Suns 1991 hit Hold Me In Your Arms, Don't which that. I assume Shannon Knoll butchered terribly, and the other being a cover of Michael Jackson's hit Gone Too Soon. <laughs> now, was Michael gone too soon? Some may we- say so, some may say gone, not soon enough.
2: Forgive me, but when did he die?
1: 2008. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So he was still you know, quite prescient, really. Yeah, exactly. Look. So
2: Shannon had a vision one night. Yeah,
1: he did. Look, Shannon not performed Gone Too Soon to a tearful audience during the broadcast of the 2004 Allen Border Medal as a tribute to Australian cricketer David Hooks, who was killed during an altercation at a Melbourne bar several months earlier.
2: Yeah, they weren't sad about that. They were just crying because <laughs> they were exactly. listening to a Michael Jackson cover by Shannon. Enole, now,
1: Tom, if this podcast takes off and we end up F-tier celebrities and I die in an altercation <laughs> at a Melbourne bar, can you please intervene if Shannon offers to perform this song or any song from his oeuvre <laughs> as a tribute To me, please. (laughs) I don't know David Hooks personally, but I doubt what he would have wanted is Shannon Knoll to get up and Mm -hmm. sing a cover of the Michael Jackson song, Gone Too Soon. I don't think that's what anyone would want.
2: Yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine that it's even what Shannon Knoll would have wanted, really. (laughs) I can't imagine. Who knows? I mean, I assume he wanted to get paid, but uh, yeah. Yeah, geez. (laughs) Um, Yes, so...
1: What have we got up next? Um, up next, Tom, we have... Oh,
2: hang on. Sorry, I oh. forgot to check the lyrics. Uh, forgive me. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, Just would you just take control of this um, sophisticated electronic alarm system here that I've yep. developed? Um, this was written by band member Christian Ingerbergsen, along with Peter Gordino, Chris Porter and Rick Mitra. And a single was cancelled when the group decided to split. So they didn't even... That was A1, didn't even last... Long enough for this single to come out. That's probably why he could get it. Um, now I want you to ring it whenever you hear a tedious, obvious cliche yep. in this song. Okay, <clears throat> this is the start. When you feel the dream is over, feel the world is on your shoulders, and you lost the strength to carry on. Even though the walls may crumble, and you find you always stumble through, remember never to surrender to the dark because if you turn another page, you will see that's not the way the story has to end. And if you need to find a way back, feel like you're on the wrong track, give it time, you'll learn to fly. Tomorrow is a new day, and you will find your own way. You'll be strong with each tear that you cry, then you'll learn to fly. Looking at your situation, there's so much that you can do, now's the time to make your stand. This is just an observation. In the end it's up to you, the future's in your hands. Mm, I think that's broken now, but I'll get a new one in yeah. case we need to. Look well, ca- the, the lines I didn't I can't read imagine why A one broke up. Yeah. It's weird, <laughs> you know. Right before the single came out too. Yeah.
1: Let's write sixteen lines and make sure that fourteen of them are just the most annoying overused. <laughs> it just keeps going. Anyway. I, I
2: had to stop because I you know, I don't want to waste I don't want to pay for another sophisticated electronic alarm system yeah, Jesus. but yeah no it's just like that the rest of the song just continues yeah look that sucks um four dollars play you know if
1: you if, I don't know if you maybe if you win <laughs> the lottery or something you would have some spare cash that you don't need maybe go and buy that all right Tom um up next is Paulini Angel Eyes
2: oh, Axel, Jesus <laughs> look We'll give you some reggae later on. You can listen to single bed for a bit, okay? Three weeks for
1: this. Now, this is a piano ballad um, also. One of the runners-up on Australian Idol, so it goes without saying that this is some very high-caliber material. Mm. Runner-up from Idol (laughs) doing a piano ballad. Now, this is a cover of the Jeff Healy band song yeah um now jeff healy was of course in the finest film ever to be released roadhouse he was and it's a, a shame to see him brought this low. frankly it is i didn't think that things could get as bad as they are <laughs> right now Tom, in the podcast roadhouse <laughs> mm, great film fantastic yep. film i Used to fuck guys like you in prison Tom sure. is one of the finest signs in any film. <laughs> and Jeff Healy, of course, featured on that. And I really don't think that if he had have known that, that one of his songs would have been covered by Paulini, I think he may have stopped writing it. He may not have written the song. Mm, he may have just went.
2: And that would have been a shame. I
1: know, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know how I feel about this. Who, it, it's who is
2: Paulini? Been What's her story? So, I going of regret asking that, but let me know
1: she was one of the runners up on one of the series of fucking Idol who knows whatever the one was this year she was also a member of the Young Divas which is probably the most fucked and cynical music entity ever put together it consists of Australian Idol contestants that didn't make the grade from various seasons oh the B tier yeah so the whole is significantly (laughs) worse than the sum of its parts so it's just basically Paulini someone that came third in another year someone that came like sixth and they all got together and made this
2: band so you go Sebastian and you Shannon Knowles these were the people they're top tier They weren't good enough To get a musical career On the strength of talent alone Yeah uh, And these are the guys Who weren't good enough To get into the Guy Sebastian Shannon all-tier. Yeah <laughs> So like- Paulini is
1: sub Shannon Knoll tier, which is saying mm-hmm. something. Look, but what, but the, you you know, that's the thing. So, I've sort of what's talked she, about the Young Divas. Yeah. When Paulini, you know, her solo career sort of didn't really go too far after this Jeff Healy band song, uh, then the Young Divas split up. So, what's she been up to since? Well, in 2017, she was given a six month suspended sentence for bribing a government official to unlawfully obtain a driver's license <laughs> after she paid a road and marine service employee $850 for an unrestricted restricted New South
2: Wales licence. Now, I can actually get behind that decision, if I'm yep. honest. Uh, if you're an adult in Australia now, it probably... Well, it probably cost me upwards of three grand to get my licence as an adult, who's... I don't... No longer live with my mum and mm. to get her to drive me around in her car. Not counting buying a car or time spent or having to actually learn to drive. Yep. Um, as any short trip will demonstrate, half the people on the road can't do it anyway, so why not just... Arm yourself in a huge four wheel drive and get out in the suburbs, change some lives. You know? Yeah,
1: look, I think Pauline, it, it is a wise move. You just show up to the old driver's license place and just go, look, I, I, I've not done the test. I don't know Whoa. how to drive. I don't know anything about it. How does eight hundred and fifty sound? You lay <laughs> the cash down on the table. The dude just goes sweet. How does the uh, the Mawson
2: feel about that one?
1: <laughs> Sliding a hundred dollar note over the desk, Eddie. Exactly right. So she did that. He's Apparently, got some friends. Everywhere. Yeah. Apparently, it's illegal to bribe government officials to give you driver's licences unless you pass a test. So Pauline found out about that the hard way. But just a six month suspended sentence, which was good because um, it meant that she wasn't in prison, so she, she was able to star in the bodyguard musical. <laughs> good. Glad to know. Is there a lower form of entertainment <laughs> than the musical based on an already <laughs> successful film? <laughs> That is bottom rung for me, Tom. Um, Yeah, yeah. Why would you pay $75 to watch Pauline play the role of Whitney Houston and I assume Shannon Knoll is the Kevin Costner (laughs) character when you could just watch the film for free? I mean, you'd have to have an acquired brain injury to determine that is a worthwhile use of money. Mm, So mm -hmm. uh, what I think pisses me off is that I assume that, you know the arts under the umbrella of what we call the arts implies some sort of artistic endeavor or artistic, you know, it it implies creativity, correct?
2: Certainly does. It's about
1: creating something new (laughs) and whether that is, you know, taking Mm. the parts of what has previously come before us and trying to forge that in a new direction, whether that's musically, the visual arts film, whatever. But I find it quite cynical to just say, Hey, Hey, that film was real popular. What if we just made a stage show of the exact yes, same thing? It's not great. It's is it? creatively devoid of of anything. Yes. At and all. I
2: mean that's not even getting into musicals themselves or which are like terrible, that. yeah. Or well, I'm, you know, just some people like them, but I mean even then I think even people who like musicals aren't that into this stuff. I the, it as a citizen of Melbourne, uh, a city that has trams, also the large theatre companies in Melbourne seem to have an ongoing contract with tram advertising, which means that uh, I can only imagine that tourists coming to uh, the city of Melbourne assume that the entire city is totally obsessed with seeing uh, Shrek, the musical theatre production. <laughs> exactly. um, what else is going around at the moment? The wedding singer, the musical theatre production, yeah. the seventh straight year of Harry Potter and the cursed transphobic agenda, and yeah. fucking all the other ones that are going around. Greece, the musical, Baz Luhrmann's uh, Moulin Rouge, the officially licensed music uh, musical, etc. These are just the ones I've seen this week, just On walking fans, down yeah. the street. Yeah, so I don't think it is a particularly good advertisement for our city either. Frankly, it kind of offends me. You know, as you know, as a music, as just as anyone, as a human being,
1: I don't want to see a convicted criminal, albeit for one of the lowest rung crimes that exist, playing. You know, Whitney Houston <laughs> the Bodyguard. I don't. I don't want to see <laughs> no, that at all, Tom. No, it's, it's so, a bad example. So look, that's the Pauline, um story. Haven't talked a lot about the song, but um she fucks it up. It's it's no good. So. Yeah. Look. um So yeah, we don't have to worry about that, but. I guess with musicals as well, where they do these sort of film musical things, maybe I'd be more interested if they took a real shit film
2: and said, we're going to try and yeah. make it better than what it exactly. was. Exactly. Or do a, do a parody of the film. Like, do a funny version of a film. Take some over-serious bullshit, you Take know. Take something serious like, like the say... Pelican Brief or... <laughs> um...
1: <laughs> or Look Who's Talking Now and, and make that into a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you could try that. It's, yes. it's a novel take idea. Police Academy. Take, try and
2: make a comedy out of that. Try and make a
1: comedy out of, of that. So yeah. yeah, exactly. But There will be a Police Academy musical. But that's, I mean, that's always way, been, That's, that's always happen. it's always been my sort of, um, why, why I don't watch any remakes or reboots or belated sequels. <laughs> I don't believe in any of that stuff. I think, and the reason is because they just take something that's popular and then try and recreate the popularity. If you take something that's shit, And then sort of say, you know what, we can take Mm. the bare bones of, say, Rotor and turn it into (laughs) a great film. I would appreciate that. But Mm. no one does that. They don't have the balls to do that. They're creatively bankrupt individuals that just take successful films and then put them on the stage. So I've had enough of that. Um, this will also cost you fucking $4. Jesus, Jesus Christ. It's
2: brown vinyl. But again.
1: Paulini only has 5,000 listeners on Spotify, <laughs> so, which doesn't surprise me because she's does. done sweet fucking Oh, but I'm sure the Young
2: Divas have more, though. They'd have yep. a huge following.
1: Um, look, look, Paulini could probably sing this song in the Roadhouse musical.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, lyrically. Um... Look, well, I'm a girl who never learned to dance, never even got one second glance. Across the crowded room was close enough. I could look, but I could never touch. So tonight I'll ask the stars above, how did I ever win your love? What did I do? What did I say to turn your angel eyes my way? Now yeah As I'm assuming That this song Was written about An average night At the Double Juice Bar from yep. Roadhouse Yeah <laughs> In which case She's obviously Talking about Patrick Swayze So I'm thinking That she turned His angel eyes Her way With a PhD In philosophy Three cans of hairspray And a giant Bolt-on rack Yes That would be that. My best guess <sighs> Look... Possibly um, some bad girl-style table dancing. Yeah, that. I think so. Or some good girl-style uh, fixing him up after he's been cut to shit in some sort of accident at yeah. the local doctor's clinic. Absolutely.
1: If if they do make the Roadhouse um, musical <laughs> with Paulini singing this song, um, who would you like to see play the Patrick Swayze character? Is that more Shannon Noe, uh, you think? Or look, is I
2: don't of... know if there's a man alive who could play the Patrick Swayze character.
1: Yeah, Cram um, <laughs> from Spiderbait I think can get up there and just go I used to fuck guys like you in prison bam shalam sure. something like that so it'd be pretty good um yeah so maybe the guy who's currently playing Shrek he'd be up for it <laughs> absolutely cool alright up next uh, Missy Higgins Scar so yeah. Melbourne's own Missy Higgins with more piano action. Now this is yes. this is a person Only one that's week. this is a person that's written their own song and they've cut, they haven't been on a talent show. So yes. that's, that's a novelty. So look, the the piano had a moment in the sun in the early two thousands. Sure didn't it? Did. Probably not since Beethoven were people so fucking pumped up on the piano. So yeah. people were loving it.
2: They really were. Like you said, last year was chock full of them too. Yep. Uh, This was the first single from her first album, The Sound of White, which debuted at number one on the ARIA albums chart Mm. and sold over half a million copies, which is pretty bloody good for Australia. She was nominated in five categories at the ARIA's uh, 2004 for SCAR, Best Female Artist, Single of the Year, Breakthrough Artist Single, Best Video and Best Pop Release, which she won. Uh, This also got to number two on the Hottest 100 in 2004. Losing to "Take Me Out" by Franz Ferdinand, unusually a good song in the top spot. There, most had predicted <laughs> who farted by the Vornes as a front runner, even though it came out in nineteen ninety five, uh, or possibly I do it with Madonna by the Androids again. Was a "Shit You to Tears" <laughs> around this time? I think that was I number shit three. You to tears. Yeah, um, but yes, like as we said earlier, this is another song which was critically and commercially very successful. Not bad for number one single from number one album. Also, she was uh, 20 at this point oh, too, yeah. so, you know, very young. She looked even younger too when you look at her now. Yeah. yeah. Look, um, is
1: Missy Higgins uh, the poor man's Vanessa Carlton or is Vanessa Carlton the poor man's <laughs> Missy Higgins? How <laughs> who, does that who scenario? Um Vanessa Carlton again? Um, remember a couple of weeks ago, she... Um, if I could find. Into oh, yeah. Remember, she, she does the piano on the back yes. of the, back of the van.
2: Equally, they're both young. They both wrote, you know, they're both singer-songwriters. Yeah. Like,
1: this this is what I call... This fits into the, the category of, quote, wacky piano chick. <laughs> um, but I would take this over piss, boring, delta 99 days out of yeah, 100, I think. Totally.
2: So, I, I quite like Tori Amos, for instance. Yeah. You know, like, she's pretty wacky. Piano doesn't have to be boring as hell. You know, Axl Rose was a piano fan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Um, look, the
1: video shows Missy Higgins performing the song on an old piano and it's falling apart as she plays it, so she has metaphor. to... Metaphor. Falling apart, she has to put it back... Exactly, yes. metaphor. So much like that Vanessa Carlton video, people just went, chick behind piano could be boring as shit, but... Yeah, Vanessa they tried Carlton to do something more interesting. has got the piano on a truck, Missy Higgins has got the, the piano that's falling apart and she's fixing it up as she plays a yeah. song. So look, I think it's pretty good. Um, and yeah, look, it is a pretty catchy song, I think. So yeah, I don't I'm not hate surprised. I'm that, that, uh, the only thing I'm surprised about is that it only went to number 1 for one week.
2: Yeah, no, it was huge on Triple J. They yep. played it all year. Yep. And it's quite jaunty, too. Oh yeah. yeah it, it's not yep. Yeah, it's not slow. It's not a slow ballad and it's not a kind of saggy love song like the Britney one. Yeah. Which is particularly odd when you consider that this is about two previous relationships that she's had in which both parties tried to turn her into a person that they wanted her to be yep. and that, that she wasn't and reminding herself not to let anyone do that to her again by remembering that you've got a scar from something. Yep. Uh, for instance, the first uh, verse is, he left a card, a bar of soap and a scrubbing brush next to a note that said, use this down to your bones, and before I knew it, I had shiny skin and it felt easy being clean like him. I thought, this one knows better than I do. Now, whether you like this song or not, I think it's a good example of why people come to more low-key singer-songwriters and why in, their appeal endures even at things like bloody um, open mic nights and why they aren't on the <laughs> charts much. Uh, because yeah. she's trying to elucidate something a bit more nuanced than I want to bang you I'm sick of banging you or I'm angry you banged someone else. It's also pretty good considering that she wrote this when she was 20. When I was 20, I was unemployed and I wrote poems about how I was scared at looking at people. And weirdly, those failed to rank on the Hottest 100, even when I uh, read them at poetry nights (laughs) out the back of Montezuma's Mexican (laughs) restaurant. Uh, Discount cocktails on those nights. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah, so you know I'd, I'd
1: give it I'd, I'd say this is alright yep did they have um, frozen margaritas on tap they did sort
2: of poured out of a by tablet. tap you mean they had a slushing machine and <laughs> yeah. <that> they st- <laughs> put tipped shit vodka put some, into it yeah, yeah exactly you could also smoke indoors back then which was good because it was usually about 3 degrees outside yeah. so dollar for this 700000
1: on on um, Spotify any lyrical highlights or we didn't uh, you know, well I
2: just read just, some yeah but yeah, I consider them to be highlights. Yep. But yeah, this next verse is about someone else. Ah. It also it also um you know you know wasn't edgy at the time, but I like the offhanded way that she points out that one or well not points out, but one person the first per- relationship is male and the second relationship is female, so it leaves it up to you just to decide whether these people were family or lovers or. Mm. Uh, you know, like musical partners or something like that. But you know,
1: yeah. And I think I remember after this song came out. Of course, as is always the case, um, people are like, "Oh, what's your what's your sexual?" You know, yeah. I feel like people probably <laughs> don't really
2: ask that these days. I, don't know. I hope it people like, stop. Oh, yeah. You, so
1: do you do you, you like
2: do you like dick? Yes. <laughs> they were more accepting, but they were still overly still, fascinated. Exactly yeah. the same way people are with trans people now. Yeah. Like so eventually, people get over it and then just didn't remember that they're just normal people again and i can't
1: even remember what what um i know that she she eventually got married and, and had kids i believe so i i can't remember whether who, who, who the fuck even knows but i do remember that was like a big thing like
2: oh she's oh, okay. got short
1: hair <laughs> <laughs> is she a lesbian okay yeah. so yeah who who the fuck cares but yeah i remember yeah but it's it sort of seems weird that a lot of um performers at the time it was like yeah we, we need to find out Whereas i, now, I like it just, like
2: that it doesn't guess. actually say whether they had sex or not it's just it's just generally saying any sort of relationship where one person tries to make you into a different person to fit your mold yeah and you voluntarily going mm, well they seem like they know what they're doing so maybe i should do what they say is probably not a very good idea yeah. like regardless of if you're boning with them or if you're their boss or whatever it's yeah exactly exactly yeah. Um, yeah, look, so up next is... Oh, fuck off.
1: Uh, Colossoma. When the war is over. <laughs> oh, no. Axel, Jesus. We'll give you some reggae, all right? I promise. Colossoma. Uh, no, it's Cosima. <laughs> Cosima. <laughs> Cosima. Another yes. Australian Idol contest. what What is it about this season of Australian Idol? <sighs> Every single contestant releases a shit single and every single one goes to number one. Yeah,
2: it's the going to number one that I have. Yeah, the releasing is, it is a
1: plan, but Jesus yeah. fucking Christ This is a weak as fuck cover of the Cold Chisel song. It was originally a power ballad, the Cold Chisel original, but mm-hmm. once you strip away the power, you just live with absolute garbage. Yeah, I think. Especially
2: in this song most of the power comes from uh, his voice. Yeah, There's exactly. not a lot of... It doesn't have a fucking soaring guitar no, solo no. or anything. It's mostly yep. his voice. Yeah, the original was so, predominantly
1: yeah. sung by a friend of the podcast, Ian Moss, um, <laughs> who, of course, tried to bang Tucker's daughter about two decades ago. Sure. But um, this is pre-Tucker's daughter, so I think And also, okay. that's a
2: better song than this as well, for oh, what it's worth.
1: absolutely, yeah. Um,
2: yeah, uh, uh, right this down. is from uh, Cole Chisels' 1982 album, Circus Animals. Big year for Australian music, obviously. That yeah. was the year that... Moving Pictures so memorably went to that chip shop. Uh, the song was written by drummer Steve Prestwich and issued as the third single from the album, peaking at number 25 on the national singles chart. Which just goes to show that you can write a good original song and hit number 25, but get lasting respect. Or you can sell your ass to Satan, go on a crap TV show, hit number one for a fortnight with a sketchy cover, and be immediately forgotten. Sorry, but those are your only two options, Ben. That's (laughs) your only two options. Yeah, fair enough. Look, this was
1: uh, independently recorded and released and it debuted at number one um, on the ARIA charts and was also the best-selling independent single of 2004. That's so dope, yeah. sounds like she couldn't actually get a record deal and just had to do it all by herself. So yeah, respect I mean, to that. Yeah, but, I um, guess. This is, this is whack as hell. Sure. So two weeks for this, a um, dollar, and Cosma has 869 listeners on Spotify.
2: Wow. Um, Jesus. I think
1: that might be the lowest we've ever Jeez, come up with mate, he was slow. Yeah, yeah. so well,
2: her voice isn't terrible compared to someone like Shannon Noel anyway but a power ballad demands power taking this sort of song removing the band and going with the stripped back schmaltzy arrangement needs a voice like Celine or Mariah and she's not even close to that um,
0: yeah
2: ain't nobody gonna steal this heart away when the war is over got to get away pack my bags to no place in no time no day You and I, we used to use each other's shoulder, still so young, but somehow so much older. How can I go home and not get blown away? Now, he's using the metaphor of war, as the title of the song would suggest, to talk about the end of a relationship there. Although, I'm not sure what the going home and being blown away means, um, even metaphorically. I mean, especially if you just got kicked out and are sleeping in a caravan park. I'm not really sure how that works, but hey. You know, the song's called When the War Is Over. It also has an unusual song structure, this yeah. one. I don't know why, but it's got, like, the chorus at the start, yeah. three verses, and then the chorus at the end. It's a, kind of an odd one. It
1: does, definitely. And Cosima really um, yeah. steps it up a few notches. <laughs> and
2: yeah, by standing it... on the edge of a cliff in a long dress and bare feet, it really adds something to it, certainly. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, moving on to something with a bit more Ooh, staying power. Nelly!
1: <laughs> Featuring Jaheim, my place. Slash, flap your wings. Flap your wings. (laughs) Now, this is Nelly's... Uh, you know, when he talks about My Place, do you think that's located in Nellyville? Is that sort of the place... Well, that I would assume about? so. Is it the place that he lives at that's just up the road from Kelly? in the yeah, video? he's that's got
2: the, the telescope angle towards the front window and the bedroom, obviously. Yeah. So the chorus of this is just Nelly saying, come over to my place.
1: I think he may have ripped those lyrics off from Melissa. <laughs> if you can recall, <laughs> Read My Lips after that. I think the follow-up single was... My place where she just oh, goes, okay. Come to my place. Come to my place, baby. Come to mm-hmm. my place. So maybe that's what he's talking about. I think so, absolutely. Um and later in the song he says, um, if you want to wait till later, hands off my detonator. Uh, so he must have been listening to a lot of sure. Melissa. I don't think Millie ever wanted to wait till later. No, I think was not at all. Pretty
2: much a right now type of a dude.
1: But... Exactly right. <laughs> so this is the first single off his suit album, one half of the sweatsuit double album. Released Guns and Roses style uh, on the yes, same day. Clever guy. So, he
2: separated them, unlike Outcast. Exactly. So Claire, he really don't get very runs. much good value for money there. But yeah, look, does.
1: this song is one I'd sort of completely forgotten about as I mean, well. Me too. I sort of listened to it. And went this, you know, this vaguely rings a bell. I can't yeah. really remember much about this at all. So
2: it it's was kind of shit. Yeah, I re- I had to refresh my memory too. It's a, uh, lyrically, it's a song about a guy just. Some random dude, you know, let's call him, I don't know, Kanye, who was uh, going out with a really hot girl, except he was a hot-headed asshole, and they fought all the time, so they broke up. Yeah. Except now he's seen her with some other dude and the possibility that she's not going to bone him anymore has just occurred to him. So he's trying to get her back in a sort of vaguely pathetic way a bit too publicly you know. Uh, this one can easily (laughs) be summarised by the very start and the very end Uh, the first two lines uh, I used to pride myself on being the other man but now it's flipped and I don't want you with no other man Ah. so wow uh, the serial cheater is creepily obsessed with someone else's loyalty that's uh, unpredictable and certainly not a red flag but never mind because I'm sure he'll improve before the end of the song Uh, which is if I could take back every word I would and more for sure if I thought that you would believe it because you make my life so convenient for me (laughs) I'll definitely try that on Hinge next time I set up a profile a serial philanderer seeks strictly monogamous partner for hot R&B banging and non-stop screaming matches why not devote yourself to making my life convenient for me P.S. I have a tiny little pedophile moustache and recently got a boo-boo on my cheeky (laughs) wing so yeah I'm sure I'll be you know, knee deep by the end of this week, especially when they see my do-rag underneath my fedora with the brim pushed back, like I walked into a door and didn't notice. Is there anything more romantic
1: than uh you make life more convenient mm, for
2: me? Oh, so, chicks love that. So convenient uh, Could you get me a beer while you're at the fridge love, I think <laughs> was his next line. Exactly.
1: Fifteen mil for Nelly, um thirty eight cents. Yeah, I don't know. Nah, no good. No BT nearly is not good. Cool. All right, moving on. Um, Maroon Five. She will be loved. Uh, five weeks. Yeah, this this five didn't weeks. go now, away for a long time. Maroon Speaking 5, of Dan rock, Ra- yeah, are they are Maroon Five sort of front runner for current worst band? Do you think
2: are they are they up there? <laughs> Uh, they're kind of tailing off, but they did hang around for a while. People oh, do still, they're still mention going, Tom. Yeah. Um
1: if you watch Rage in the Morning as I do with my children there they pop up yeah. with a little bit too frequent. I'd yeah, have to what's say. his
2: name? Adam Levine. He's yep. kind of done some solo stuff, I think, too. But, um yeah. Yeah. They're not the worst. You oh black eyed
1: peas are the worst group, but um <laughs> by some distance. Um,
2: but they really self you know, self fulfilling prophecy got retarded. Yeah, I have to say. I think yeah,
1: more more bland than bad, I'd say, Maroon oh, yes. 5. Just sort yeah. of churning out some pretty bland action. So, look, we, the general public, were almost spared from all of this. From, uh, you know, uh, probably, I think roughly now they've been going for about two decades. But Maroon 5 were originally called Cara's Flowers mm, and released an independent album in sort of an alt rock, like. I'm not going to say grunge light but sort of alt rockish type stuff signed to a major label and released a power pop album that only sold 5000 copies <laughs> so they were dropped from their record label and in a perfect world they would have stayed broken up they would have all just gone back to school or something and we would never have heard from them ever again um, but look I should point out that Cara's Flowers performed at the Peach Pit After Dark on Beverly Hills 90210 so the
2: original No. Um, Pitch
1: Pit After Dark. Yeah, it would have been.
2: yeah, In 2004?
1: No, but this is when Maroon 5 came out. Cara's Flowers were like a few years before this. Oh, God, they must have been around for a while. I reckon they were probably rocking around the year 2000 or (laughs) 2001 and then they split up for a bit when the record label went, you guys suck shit (laughs) and then they got back together, changed the name to Maroon 5 and they said, Adam Levine, let's get that. He was playing guitar in the other group. They said, Mm. let's get that guitar to someone else. We just want that sexy man up front doing his moves and then all that shit
2: and um, yeah, so he made it work. So so he's really the Fergie of this group then, isn't he? Speaking yeah, of black eyed peas.
1: Pretty much so, yeah. He's the
2: male Fergie. That makes up a,
1: long, yep. a well, lot of sense. I think um, he's, he's one of those dudes that certainly um, is an attractive man and I think that's really he was sort of a bit of a a focal point for the group yes um and they've sort of got by on that to the point that if you watch their music videos in most of them the rest of the band aren't even in it it's just him like it's sort of like so it's maroon five but (laughs) it's
2: just the other four dudes yeah you don't ever see them so they're just taking the money yeah, Which but, might be a blessing in disguise, really, because then nobody knows you're in Maroon 5, but well, you still it, get paid. Exactly. You st- it's the best
1: of both worlds. You can still go to the supermarket, you can still go yeah. to KFC, get a three-piece feed, and people aren't going, wait, are you the guy from Maroon 5? Because
2: no one's seen you yeah. for 20 years. So. All, all I can think was that in 2004, there were a lot of Matchbox 20 fans who were confused they were getting the feeling the party was over. They yep. didn't know where to turn after the lead singer snagged his leather pants and fell into that wood chipper. Yeah. And they needed somewhere to turn, and Maroon 5 were there to welcome them, you know. And, Absolutely. you know, as their name suggests, they are at least 25% as good as Matchbox 20 were. Oh, you know, I'll no give doubt. them that. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think
1: you're right. They sort of, they picked up some of the fans from that, and then, I don't, I don't know what the fuck they've been doing recently, mm. but... Um, most of the songs, that, well, all the songs I hear of theirs are terrible, but in 2011, Maroon 5 partnered with Schnapple and released a new flavor of beverage called Tea Will Be Loved. Jesus Christ. So this song's called, sorry, I'll scroll up, Tom, She Will Be Loved, and then they released a song called Tea Will Be Loved, which was a tea mm. drink. Yes. Now, is that better or worse than Hanson's Mm Hops? Remember when they reached yeah. that IPA and
2: called it that? I'll tell you one thing, it's no fucking Slice of Devon, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Certainly not, that's You see, for the sure. genius part about Slice of Devon is that you actually slice Devon.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Whereas Tea Will Be Loved, you know, it's doesn't have anything to do with the song. Yeah. And also Snapple don't really matter. I mean, it's probably iced tea, but that's yeah. not what you think of when you think of Snapple. Mm-Hop, oh, yeah. I'll give them a pass on Mm-Hop, because it's obviously just a project that they just want to release their own homemade beer. Yeah, you know? look, it is good, no,
1: for sure. Look, um, we've had a lot of bad news this week's podcast, mainly in the sense that every second song is some reject from Australian Idol mm. pumping out some piano ballad garbage. But finally, some good news, Tom. And that is that Maroon 5 have hit number two in Australia five times. Oh, God. And they've had another six
2: top ten hits. So that's 11 songs God that have been almighty. two to ten I couldn't in the name another song. In fact, if you'd sung me this song and said, Who's this boy? I wouldn't have been able yeah. to
1: tell you. But... but this is their only song to ever reach number one. So we'll never have to talk about them <laughs> ever again. So well, that's fortunate. Well, that is a plus. Um, plus. One of the other songs, Tom, can you remember that smash hit, Moves Like Jagger? Oh yeah yeah, That's right Yeah that sucks shit That's one of theirs as well So look um, As I've mentioned Yeah look The the rest of the band Are absent in the music videos Which is good for them In the sense that They can still Mm. Live you know A pretty regular life But look Credit where credit's due to these guys. Um, check out the video, music video to "What Lovers Do." It's one of the wackest videos going, like one of the weirdest ones of the last oh, few okay. years for a pop song. It's Guns and Roses' a strange level of madness and must have been conceived on oh, drugs. Okay. Um, Adam Levine's on a jet ski for a good portion of the <laughs> clip, and in one part he's walking on water, implying that yes, he is the new Jesus. <laughs> Jesus so Christ. it's pretty
2: good. Is Adam Levine? Tom. Is Adam Levine the new Jesus? I certainly think that he is of that opinion. Yeah. And you know this sold three million copies in the US alone so maybe someone else thinks he is too. You heard it here first. Adam Levine (laughs) of Maroon 5 is
1: the new Jesus. When
2: he looks in the mirror certainly. Um, Well speaking of videos this video features actress and John Travolta's Partner Kelly Preston. Uh, Levine talked to Howard Stern about making out with her in the music video. Sweet. Uh, right as we do it, I just kiss her, kiss her. I didn't know what a movie kiss was. I wouldn't say I jammed my tongue down her throat, but I would say I gave her a real French kiss. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I wish I could see the real of it, he continued. I go in to kiss her and she's like, whoa, 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 cowboy. I was like, what did I do? She's like, you don't use the tongue. The video wound up becoming this classic video that everyone loves. (coughs) I never got to speak to her about it. Life goes on and obviously we never crossed paths again. Now, I'd never (laughs) seen the video before, but if it's classic, it's classic in much the same way that... Pizza Hut defines classic. Say when they release a new Hawaiian pizza with four <laughs> pieces of ham on top instead of the usual three, then they call the original one classic Hawaiian. Yeah. Uh, frankly, it made me feel sorry for Kelly Preston that she is reduced to doing this sort of thing. Um, what do you think her career light so far has been, been? Two episodes of the Friends spin-off Joey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being sexually assaulted by the guy from Maroon 5 or Battlefield Earth. Uh, look it's quite the show real isn't it Tom? I look I think the
1: Joey show probably mm. because um, what it did was it, it took, Friends, and then it built on that, and sort of yes. you know really took it into a new. It t- it cut out the five <laughs> characters that no one cared about, and it was yes. just pure Joey with um, Kelly Preston in there. That's so right. That raises a few questions, Tom, doesn't it? First of all, um, I've never been in film or television or a TV commercial or you know anything of the sort, but. I would imagine that if you are doing a screen kiss, you don't stick the tongue in because it's all for show. Yes. You don't...
2: Well, I mean, imagination's not really required because every single person on earth since the age of about 15 has been aware that actors aren't actually deep-throating each other when they're kissing on screen. Yeah. <laughs> because so... everybody knows that. So he's obviously lying, which meant that he just had a childhood crush on Kelly Preston and wanted to make out with her. I can't entirely blame him for that, but I wouldn't have gone the full actionable sexual assault Method myself, but, yep. you know. I'm also glad that he described one of
1: the blandest music videos of all time <laughs> as a classic music video. Yeah, so. I like the
2: way he says it in that offhand way, favoured by people with massive egos who like to feign self-deprecation, as though, oh, well, what can you do? Everybody loves it, you know. It's turned into this classic <laughs> with me making out with Kelly Preston. I'm so embarrassed. But yeah, yeah that's uh, what a lawyer would call begging the question, as in basing a statement on a bunch of false assumptions that nobody actually thinks are correct.
1: Yeah, good fucking hell.
2: Um, look, thirty-eight cents too much. Forty-seven million. That is depressing. I think that might be more than Eminem, who's been our previous title holder. Ins- that is that is too, insane. Or maybe not our previous title, it's certainly the highest yep. one we've had for a while. That now.
1: Does this have any lyrical highlights? It must
2: Well, this was written by Adam Levine and James Valentine. Sadly, not the former sax player of Absent Friends and presenter of the Afternoon Show, but rather the guitarist of Maroon 5. (laughs) Okay. Beauty Queen of only 18. She had some trouble with herself. He was always there to help her. She always belonged to someone else. Great. I drove for miles and miles and wound up at your door. I've had you so many times, but somehow I want more. I don't mind spending every day out on your corner in the pouring rain. Look for the girl with the broken smile. Ask her if she wants to stay a while. Now, this shouldn't be, but it is still somehow post-post-post-grunge core lyrics 101. (laughs) In about 1996, most people had already figured out that any song prominently featuring the lyric she said was written by some cocksack who thinks he's Ethan Hawke in Reality Bites. Hmm. Uh, This song similarly gives the vague appearance of humility and emotional awareness whilst making sure that you know the woman is super hot in the first line, broken on some level and needs to be saved, that he's fucked her heaps of times, and we're supposed to like him because he spent a week standing at the end of her driveway in the rain staring into her house. Assume he's got white clown makeup on holding a red balloon on a long string. (laughs) while he's doing that I mean at least Nelly is honest about being a chauvinist creep he's yeah. not pretending to be some fucking thoughtful guy like oh man i was so sick of this shit in the live in the late 90s I lived through all of those shitty bands and seeing someone try to bring it back in 2004 to massive success is pretty depressing yeah, you're all right. I can think again is that aim low and hit thing like we're going to be shit average um AOR, Dad Rock, and that's gonna be it. Yeah, look,
1: um, the Kara's Flowers or whatever the fuck the previous, um, you know, incarnation this band was called. Um, they were playing like a sixties power pop style thing. That sort of sounds. It sounds sounded, more interesting. Yeah, it sounded. And it, it
2: would be difficult it not wasn't, to be more interesting. Yeah, well, that's the thing.
1: It like I listened to the song and just went, oh, this is completely not what I expected it to be. Um, It was, yeah, different to this. Was it amazing? No, but yeah, it sounded at least a little bit more interesting. But when that was a failure, it sounds like that they took a bit of time away. And then when they decided to keep going, it was just a sort of matter of, okay, what we wanted to do didn't work out. So let's just do something pretty bland across the board that hope maybe some kids might like. Maybe some old people might like it. It's like the Black Eyed Peas type of thing. Exactly right. We'll just
2: Um, aim for the lowest common denominator and see if that works. So they did that.
1: And this was one of those songs, Tom, that we don't have a name for it yet, where I believe they sort of said, we got together one afternoon and pumped it out in an hour. So this is another one of those we just did it and yep. we knew it was going to be gold. Some may say classic Tom, like the music video. So
2: good. I style. mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. No, it's, it's real not. People playing it's not. instruments no, and they not. wrote it themselves, so you know well, we'll give them that. This is actually their best song, dare I say. <laughs> <laughs> That's faint
1: praise Because some of the ones That come like like, Moves like Jagger I just just want to Punch them in the face But yeah Well speaking
2: of good songs Who's up next?
1: Um, Guy Sebastian Again Oh
2: Axel, Jesus Christ Sorry He just He's obsessed with reggae At the moment
1: Oh this is out with my baby This is better than Angels brought me here But it's garbage (laughs) So I'm just saying What I said last time Um, This was co-written with Robin Thicke, and we haven't heard much from him since the rape anthem, Blurred Lines, um, which Mm. unfortunately for Robin isn't just problematic lyric-wise, but musically it was deemed too similar to Marvin Gaye, Got to Give It Up. So most of the profits Mm. from that song had to be paid to Marvin Gaye's estate. Now, Tom, um,
2: are there any rape vibes on Out With My Baby? Well, it definitely sounds like a Robin Thicke song, uh, which is an improvement on sounding like a Guy Sebastian song. Uh, it's premium on his usual output in the sense that it's produced a bit more energetically. You could actually dance to this in an emergency. Yeah. Um, and Guy does have a good voice for this sort of thing. Sort of, you know, disco, funk, jam sort of thing. Like, he yeah. can do a little bit of falsetto stuff. It doesn't actually require him to have much range or anything. So it sort of works pretty well. But, um, yeah, lyrically... Uh, I'm just up, I'm ready, let's go from one hotspot to another. I know, anything she wants, I got four. I hope she doesn't want a Rowie, because it sounds like she might get four of them. Uh, Sounds like, at best, he's a drug dealer, and at worst, he's planning on giving her the old Bill Cosby. (laughs) Especially when you consider this was written by Robin Thicke. um, Pre-blurred lines Robin Thicke, but still. Uh, I'm going to make you shake it. With you shake Till six in the morning baby Possibly in the emergency room On a stretcher While they pump her stomach <laughs> no I hope not uh, I'm sure Guy Sebastian He's a Christian He wouldn't have been up He probably just thought You know He meant like Virgin daiquiris Or something yeah. like that Look, Yeah no That's as much as I've got For yeah, that song Best <laughs> nothing else to say It, yeah, it sure. looks like they're Slowly spending Slightly more on each song But you know With mixed results <laughs> <laughs> Indeed Um, Up next, Delta, Out of the Blue. She's back. She is back after having 17
1: songs in the number one last year. She's back with album number two, Tom, titled Mistaken Identity. Mm. Now, is that better than Innocent Eyes as a title? (sighs)
2: They're both pretty fucking bland and shit. Yeah, neither of them apply to anything either. Yep. I mean, they vaguely—you can see what they're going for, but they don't make any sense, you know. Oh, <laughs> well, look,
1: this is, and this is more of the same for for Delta. I guess it's a bit of the uh, "if it ain't broke, don't fix oh, it" type territory. Another piano ballad, still pretty hmm. boring. Couldn't really yeah. remember this at all when I heard it. Went, oh does this even sound familiar? Don't know. The music video, though, she's at the beach. She's hanging at the beach, going for yeah. a bit of a swim down at the beach. Then she's walks through the bush, so in her long, flowy yep, yep, dress. Yeah, yep. she does. So, she had as, bare feet, cause, properly. Cause, when you leave the beach in Australia, you're always near the bush. That should <laughs> I should point <laughs> that out. You're always next to the bush. So she does that. Fortunately for Delta, um, she she stumbles across a piano. Mm. Because she's a piano player Which is great So she's walking through the bush There's a piano But there's no stool So she has to Embark on some of that Standing up Erotic piano shtick You know (laughs) Where you're sort of like Trying to dance sexually While playing the piano Going ooh Mm. So But yeah look The piano sucks as an instrument Is it any better if you're standing up to play the piano does that make it mm. more visually impressive if someone's standing and go like Jerry Lee yeah. Lewis, Great Balls of Fire style like yeah. kicks the stool out and like hey look if
2: she could get her foot up on the keyboard I'd, yeah. I'd consider it but generally I agree with you I think the piano should be played as God intended it sitting down on an empty stage by a short man with a paisley headband under a single blue spotlight during the half-hour-long run-out for the album version of November Rain. Absolutely. I think if you can't do that, then don't even bother, really, I would say.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. I completely agree with that. So, I mean, Delta, she's hardly burning it up on the 88s. She's not sort of up there just like,
2: Oh, wheel. it's just some boring no, shit. No, there's no Elton John action. No. She's not dressed in a giant duck costume or something. It's all
1: pretty... Yeah, pretty rude. Do you think should Delta have got on the cocaine at this stage after the success of her first album and churned out more sort of crocodile rock style <laughs> action? Because I
2: think that oh would my have, god, that would have, have that would have been the only right thing that would get da, me to start right out listening da, just, to her. just Delta. Well, according to Australian comedian Sam Simmons, uh, there is a special colds where celebrities go that only celebrities know about mm. called special colds. Uh, and Delta got banned from going there because she kept clogging up the toilet oh. with her milk long, long, extra-sized turds that <laughs> she does. Really? So you God know, damn. if I found that out about Delta, I'd be more impressed than most of the stuff I've read about her. You in heard New it idea. here first. Wowzers! There you go. I'd like to go to Special Calls.
1: Ah, oh, wouldn't we all? I
2: think uh, at Special Calls, he also mentioned that. Um, <laughs> who's the guy from the morning show that's always on TV? Fucking guy. Koshi, Koshi, yeah. I think he said that Koshi uh, ate sushi off his dick. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so many revelations. It, yeah, it was Not really, really sure interesting. He did a whole song about special cults. It was a much better song than this song. Yeah, sure. everything's better than this. Um, um, lyrical highlights yes, must be. well... Out of the blue, and there I met you, showed me a life I can't see without you, and there's just no way that I can fight these emotions, your energy running through me, nobody carried through me like you, out of the blue, can this be true? Now compare that to Missy Higgins, I mean how many fucking songs need to be written about the moment of falling in love and nothing else? Do you really think you're going to write one that anyone is going to remember? It's like writing a new Christmas song. People keep doing it, but there's one every decade that actually hangs around and all the rest are just like pissing into a river, you know. Or you could write about something that actually happened to you that actually means something to you, you know, maybe, but who knows. Yeah, those lyrics
1: sound like they were penned. As she was seeing them there, that sort of yes. not memorable. It's just or sort on of, a bus on the way to the studio, yeah.
2: In a tweens notebook,
1: exactly. It's some of the most generic shit I've ever heard in my life. Terrible. So fifty four cents for that. Um, yeah, eight hundred thousand for Delta, as we learnt last week. Yeah, bullshit. Okay, up next, Eminem, Just Lose It. Ah, uh, yes. I
2: did remember this one, coming yep. back to it. Now, this is another wacky one from Eminem. It is. I forgot how many of them there were. Yep. I, I kind of felt like it was uh, after his... What did he have last year? Uh, the big one. Oh, oh, not um. With, was it Without Me? Yes. After yeah. that, in my mind, that was the end of his wackiness, but clearly I was wrong. Cause... Well, to me, this feels like the
1: uh, spiritual sequel to Without Me, mm. Tom. Like, it's sort of um wacky song. Yes. Sort of a jokey comedy one. The video itself has a very similar vibe yes. to that. Um, he dresses up as Michael Jackson <laughs> for a lot of this. He does. And, and purportedly, Michael Jackson wasn't too happy when he saw the video. He yes. was sort of like... A, because Michael sets his hair on fire <laughs> in one bit Which Michael Jackson did in real life Sorry, yes, Eminem As as yeah. MJ does that There's the light up footpath There's a few lyrics that touch on some of Michael's uh, legal troubles at the time yeah. Or alleged discretion
2: So yeah, it was quite interesting I kind of... This sort of shit, I suspect, is why he got sick of being funny, I yeah. reckon the video just looks like an unimaginative record company douche has seen Without Me and go and do that again, but yep. more. And instead of feeling sort of inventive and jackassy like Without Me did when they did it as an original idea, it feels calculated and overly polished. Yep. Also, it must have been a giant fucking pain in the ass because he has to dress up and impersonate. Ed Sullivan, Pee Wee Herman, Bad Santa, MC Hammer, Billy Jean era Michael Jackson, and Gurley Show era Madonna, and none of those dudes was exactly edgy references in two thousand and four. Even the Michael Jackson setting his hair on fire thing happened about ten years yeah. ago. He also has to get set on fire, run around in public naked, and get covered in spew by <laughs> his own impersonators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So look, you know, and the song similarly, it, yeah. Feels Feels like he's repeating himself a little bit. It feels like a bit of a retread. Not only that, but he he seems kind of tired of it vocally. Like, I forgot about that, but like the production is also really sort of lacking on this one. There's barely anything there. It's like they set a click-crack and walked out of the studio for a blunt or something. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I mean, this is meant to make people lose it on the dance floor. Like, It would need a major overhaul just to sound good coming out of a jukebox at this point. I do remember hearing it in clubs a bit, but it was, a, it was a definitely a pumped-up mix of this. It wasn't this radio mix. Yeah, Even his voice sounds thin, and this is rap for fuck's sake. If you can't make the human voice sound good, what are you doing behind a desk? I mean, the producers are listed as Dr. Dre and his protege, Mike Elizondo. So I'm going to assume that Dre passed it on to Mike, who passed it on to the intern and went off to his dentist appointment for this one. And yep. I mean, this was the first single off his album, Encore, as well. Like, what the hell, dudes? It, yeah, I don't know. This is about peak Eminem, though, from a mainstream perspective.
1: Oh, yes. It? I think yes he's... And I think
2: that might be the clue
1: there. Yep. So, I mean... Obviously, he's still one of the biggest names in hip-hop today, but from a mainstream chart success, yeah. it sort of falls off a bit of a cliff this here. And kind this, of this is the beginning mainstream. of the end, and I, and I think part of it is, as you said, this just seems like a retread of his previous work. So this is, But this is sort of the stuff that he did best, so if he's tired of this because it is just doing that, he has to do exactly. something else, yeah. and the direction he goes in is more of these sort of super serious emotional like uh, yeah. teaming up and also doing duets with like Rihanna and yeah, shit so. or
2: the world never gets sick of rappers just talking about how good they are yep. and how much money they've got you know that never seems to run out of steam so you yeah, know. but this is sort of this era as well.
1: Um, this is when um, backpack rap was getting really popular. <laughs> so like your yeah, Kanye like,
2: You're competing against people who've got YouTube and shit now as well. They don't need a giant record company yeah. contract to get out there. So and, I yeah. think Kanye's uh,
1: college dropout came out this year and that was sort of a bit of a beginning of a shift towards that sort of, yeah, people weren't, didn't want, well, sorry, at the time... Kanye wasn't (laughs) rapping about like, look how great I am. It was sort of more like real life shit. (laughs) Obviously, as time has gone on, all we've heard from (laughs) Kanye is how great he is for the last ten years. (laughs) But people sort of forget that at the start he wasn't really necessarily doing that. He was young and hungry like Eminem had been ten years earlier. Exactly. So maybe there was a bit of a shift where yeah, Kanye was coming out and becoming more popular. Maybe Eminem's shtick was starting But it's it's just it's just that's how music works, doesn't it? Someone new yes. comes along and then after a few years, it's like, oh, it's much of the same. Here's some other new dudes. And yes. especially in hip hop, there's there's new dudes coming along all the oh, time yeah. that have different... And, you know, Dre, as you said, Dr. Dre is still producing this. So this is like yeah. Dre production for his, his almost his entire career, whereas oh, yeah. other people doing different production stuff and yeah so I don't know whether not saying that Kanye started the end demise of Eminem but I'm saying that there's a <laughs> oh new, no, there's it's a just new an bigger cycle yeah, yeah totally there's a new there's a it'll dude will happen that, again there's a dude starting again. out now yeah. that yeah in a couple of years after this was like one of the biggest names in fact it's probably going to
2: happen more and more quickly exponentially as time goes on but yeah, that seems yeah to be how oh else exactly
1: does. whoever's the edgiest coolest dude five years later no one really cares about him so much but so. I mean
2: speaking of edgy you still can't find old Eminem for lyrics like uh, and it's cool if you let one go no one's going to know who'd hear it give a little poot poot it's okay oops my CD just skipped and everyone just heard you let one rip Now, I mean, that's not not funny. No. But again, it's not exactly edgy, topical, cultural satire, is no. it? That's just six lines about someone farting on the dance floor. Yeah. I mean, even Weird Al would tell him, like, can you work in Avril Lavigne or something <laughs> like some reference like that? <laughs> and also, additionally, as I mentioned before... Along that vein. This song contains the cry for help lines I don't have any rhymes to go here, blah, 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 blah. And also, I'm feeling a little stressed out from work. Uh, much like a lot of his very recent work today, it just sounds like everyone involved needs to stop watching MTV and take a fucking holiday for a bit. Just yep. relax, maybe come back in a few years when you've thought of some new stuff and actually feel like you want to do it. Yeah, I mean, he's Absolutely. still got crazy skills. He hasn't slowed down in terms of rapping. It's just like, you know, this, like this and like his newer stuff. You just want him to sort of, you know, take some money, you know, relax, chill out. Yeah
1: exactly yeah, look anyway. yeah this isn't one of his best but also it's far from his worst oh well, no so. it's
2: kind of entertaining and as i said i do remember it getting played people were dancing to this or a better mix of it anyway yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: absolutely 62 cents 48 mil so eminem just
1: beats out maroon 5 who had 47 mil so there you go eminem still top tier yeah. for spotify sure. listens but yeah it's close between him and maroon five I never thought i'd say that but there you go um, up next Gwen Stefani what you waiting for Tom two weeks um, um, which raises the question
2: what are you waiting for <laughs> sure well you know uh, yes I don't know what I'm waiting for waiting to go solo I guess oh, absolutely yeah.
1: this is the debut solo single for Gwen straight to number one obviously off the back of her working no doubt people were like oh it's Gwen she's going solo what's she going to do she's going to do a song called What You're Waiting For Mm. and um, it's off the album Love Angel Music Baby is that like a blood sugar (laughs) sex magic
2: type album name? Sounds like it. It's got periods in between them, but I mean, that's about all the improvements they've made. Makes about as much sense. Not only has Gwen gone solo
1: on this one, Tom, uh, this one was co-written by Linda Perry from Four Non Blondes, and it shows that she's improving (laughs) her songwriting skills because that Pink song she did a few weeks ago was pretty fucking terrible. But this one, I think, is significantly better.
2: Yes, it is
1: a bit well, better. not. Maybe significantly is not good. But the other one was terrible. So. Yeah,
2: in terms of what she got out of the artist that she's working with, I reckon. Yeah. Yep. I mean, edgy grunge rocker Linda Perry, she's back with her 37th bubblegum pop hit. i <laughs> starting to <laughs> wonder if maybe she's trying to get revenge on the listening public for not appreciating the four non-blondes. Yeah. You know, except it keeps going wrong and producing massive hits, springtime for Hitler style. But anyway, apparently due to Linda's schedule, they only had five days in the studio to create this entire song from nothing. Like they had nothing to start with. I mean, maybe Gwen could have taken the pressure off by being actually prepared and having some lyrical melody ideas ready. Yeah. But to be fair, she said that that was in fact what the idea for the song came from, e.g., just shoving herself through writer's block into a new album. Mm. Like talking to herself about, yeah. How much writing she actually did, I don't know between the two of them, but the only people credited are her and Linda. Also the song musically is hella basic. It just sounds like two notes in four, four going back and forth for three minutes. Yeah. but her vocals do some interesting things like yeah more interesting than in no doubt anyway yeah so not that that's a huge ask but um, yeah
1: <laughs> Don't speak don't <laughs> But yeah, what else? um look so as you said it's good that she got through the writer's block and was able to Mm. go on and produce some songs because this album tom provides (laughs) us with all kinds of nuggets of wisdom for example did you know that harajuku girls have got that (laughs) wicked
2: style were you aware of that (laughs) look ben i love tokyo uh you lived there for several years Mm. but it does seem to affect certain people in a certain way e.g they go home and dress like an anime body pillow for the next half a decade Did you meet anyone like that when you lived there? Any no, Westerners I Westerners who'd taken the Japan pill a bit hard? Oh, certainly, yeah. <laughs> Probably um... more of them in Melbourne. <laughs> I see them walking <laughs> around the street sometimes with furry caddies uh, or, you know, wearing 17 frilly Alice in Wonderland dresses on top of each other, yep yeah look Tom I lived in
1: Harajuku for several years oh, really? um I did and it's hard to know whether those Harajuku girls do have that do they wicked stuff
2: oh they I don't I wouldn't know Is, hasn't that turned into like the hipster isn't that like the hipster suburb of oh Tokyo it, now?
1: probably yeah it, it was at the time anyway yeah. but um yeah I, there there was less of that um gothic Lolita action that oh, okay. I think. What Gwen is sort of in—that's Im- definitely it was, what
2: this album. And it this was video well took from it
1: beyond. The, it was ah, okay. it was it was beyond it by yep. that stage. Yeah, a little bit. I'm Sure, Tokyo weird. Street
2: Fashion moves in hyper hyper speed compared to even like the hipster stuff over here.
1: Yeah, exactly right.
2: So look, um, two weeks, twelve
1: mil for Gwen. She's yeah. got a lot of hits. Sixty two cents for that. Totally a bit less. I
2: think she's been a bit. You know, a bit slow lately. Yeah, what's the um, what's uh, lyrically uh. Well, as per what I was saying before, <laughs> like an echo pedal, you're repeating yourself, you know it all by heart, why are you standing in one place, born to blossom, bloom to perish, your moment will run out because of your sex chromosome, question mark, <laughs> I know it's so messed up how our society all thinks life is short, you're capable, look at your watch now, you're still a super hot female, you got your million dollar contract and they're waiting for your hot track. Uh, Five days, Ben, that's what five days gets you. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but that last bit sounds like a stage mom trying to fire up her daughter for some ethically dubious underage beauty pageant with the slight problem that Gwen was 35 at the time and maybe should have been able to motivate herself like a grown-up. Like, she's older than both of us. <laughs> and she sounds like she needs yeah. Linda Perry to sort of G her up in the studio to get her actually right with something. But anyway. Five days. Know. I'm glad they like didn't have said, three. Like you just say this was. isn't boring. No, no, like, no. The video no, no. is also sort of tacky as hell, but it's not dull. And that Harajuku thing was kind of new at the time, in yeah. America at least. It was the first time I'd seen an American you know but i think Gwen is,
1: um sort of leans into that tacky shit a bit like it yes. it has to be intentional because a lot of the fashion yeah. choices are just fucking sketch yeah. but it's sort and of I, like...
2: w- I was looking at the design for the cd and the cover of the cd and the albums and stuff too this that design style was in fashion at the time graphic mm. designs well it was called maximalism okay. and that was that sort of deliberately tacky thing
0: yeah. where you'd have
2: got rainbow colors all over everything and then like a gold gothic font on top of it and then just all this all this crazy shit so it wasn't you know it was the style of the time. Well, it lives on today, I think. In- yeah, in, in some, some areas, but it, it was like briefly <laughs> the dominant style. Was just every magazine looked like that for three years. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now vaporwave kids are probably like trying to. <laughs> well, they're throwing in Windows ninety five <laughs>
2: motifs probably in there as well. We're old. I think vaporwave's gone, unfortunately. Oh, no, I quite no, like no, vaporwave. It reminded me of the nineties again. <laughs> I was briefly cooled again. <laughs>
1: um, anyway, up next <laughs> Fuck me Joel Turner and the modern day poets These Kids <laughs> oh, Jesus Axel Alright, sorry Now where was Joel, Joel Turner from? Yeah. Even the fucking beatbox kid From Australian <laughs> Idol Is releasing singles And going straight to number one Yeah uh, Look he didn't oh, pro- this is. Yeah. This is. He was. He was on Australian Idol, just doing beatboxing. Yes.
2: Credit to Joel. Unlike every fucking other Idol choad we've had all year on yep. this list, he actually wrote his own song. Yeah, that's true. And not only that, but it's a song about the plight of homeless street yep, kids. It
1: is. Yeah. So, so you know. Look, you're right. Credit where credit. I did credit shit on Joel this a bit, and the but modern day poets. he did. He did pen this himself, and <laughs> it is you're right. A worthy, you know, drawing attention to a topic that maybe doesn't get a lot of attention, um, especially in hip hop. They're you know all rapping about their mm. cars and stuff. So look, so Joel didn't progress far in the Australian Idol show. Didn't make no. it to the end, but look. Knowing talent when he sees it, he was signed and managed by <laughs> idol judge Mark Holden, um, together with rappers, the modern day poets, MDP, as mm. they're known on the streets, Tom, consisting of Turner, his older brother, Tim Turner, who's, dub, who's known as um, Double T. Mm -hmm. And their cousin, Chris Turner, who you probably know as C4. Oh, I thought he was CT. Now, look, forget Justin Timberlake, Tom. There's only one JT as far as I'm concerned, and that's Joel Turner. (laughs) Now, JT grew up in a relatively poor household and showed some ability as a young age, Mm -hmm. you know, to play the drums, etc. But his family couldn't afford a drum kit, so he started beatboxing. Uh, and was originally inspired by the vocal techniques of
2: Billy Ocean on his track Love Zone. just when I think there's something Billy Ocean can't do, I'm I proof know. wrong. Yeah, Billy Ocean is definitely one I of I haven't heard book. Love Zone, but it sounds Vaporwave as fuck,
1: and I'm looking it up as soon as I get home. Yeah, look, Billy Ocean has always been known to be at the very vanguard sort of um, of beatboxing, so we all know That's how true. Billy Ocean has beatboxed his Billy Ocean's name user. is
2: Vaporwave. Yeah. Like, oh, it couldn't be more Vaporwave. Absolutely, so...
1: So that's fantastic. Look, he was the victor, that's JT, not Billy Ocean, um, victor at the Beatbox (laughs) World Championship in 2005 and retained the title till 2009. Wow. So to me, this demonstrates that the best art's created under adverse conditions, whether it's, you know, working class bands, you know, (laughs) sort of industrial cities, Black Sabbath in Birmingham, grunge bands in Seattle, early hip hop out of Brooklyn or Compton, music was a way out of an otherwise not great life for Mm. all these working class people and it's the same with JT if he'd grown up in a wealthy family his parents would have just bought him that drum kit (laughs) and he would never have bothered with beatboxing and wouldn't have been the world champion for four years and look who's to say that beatboxing won't ultimately replace live drums in all forms of (laughs) music
2: Tom Look, I you know I I'm with you, and also I think if that beatbox battle world championship is actually world championship and not world championship in the American sense, <laughs> the country that it's in, yeah. and he genuinely was the champ for five years, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. There definitely. are some pretty talented people. I've, i was that like Raziel and stuff. He had a single, not that you know around this time, and he was you know. Well, Joel amazing. Turner,
1: um, I think he he invented the beatboxing cowbell. So <laughs> he's, he was—he was an innovator. That's quite, quite impressive. Bandy, so,
2: well, they, frankly, they could have highlighted—I don't know if Mark Hollands to blame for this—but they could have highlighted his beatboxing a lot better in this fucking song. Yeah, like it's too produced. You can barely tell that he's doing it. If None. you couldn't seem doing in the video, and there's no slight you know. He doesn't even get a solo moment or anything. Yeah, that's true. He needs beatboxing brought to the fore, some more raps, and way less emphasis on his singing. I think so. I mean, he's not terrible, but clearly beatboxing is his real gift. Oh, that
1: is his gift. Completely right. So, look, unfortunately for Joel, um, I guess a bit of a sad story as well. His father... Died of a heroin overdose when he was a teenager. Wow, um, that's Joel, rough. Yeah, exactly. And his dad, you know, so he was disappointed that his dad didn't get to see him, you know, grow up to be a beatboxer because hmm. um, I don't know a lot about Joel Turner's dad, but I know that he left the family before Joel was born and briefly reconciled with the family. When he was younger, he was a musician, um, played guitar in a band, and I think Joel sort of feels like some of his music talent came through his father who was also a musician so unfortunately died of that heroin overdose as i said but i feel like you know having his estranged son beatbox at his funeral is probably what he would have wanted so you know (laughs) i just assume you imagine you're at the funeral we're gathered here today to mourn the passing not to mourn the passing but to celebrate the life of steve turner he was a father a husband a friend to many he spent his life mastering his craft, the guitar, played all across Australia, bringing joy to many. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, rest in feast, peace. His son, Joel, would now like to say a few words. <laughs> Do
2: you think that's how <laughs> it would have gone, something like that? I mean, frankly, I'm wiping away a tear now. It's such a touching moment, but, you know, I would like to imagine that the priest then drops a few rhymes. Exactly. Well, well, I'm the priest and I'm here to say we're honouring Joel Turner's dad in a thoughtful way. Yeah, I think that so.
1: That kind of thing. That, I think Joel and- would have beatboxed. And yeah, you're right. The priest laying down some wraps, I think, is probably... Look, Tom, if I die of a heroin overdose, can you make sure that my child... <laughs> beatboxes at my (laughs) funeral is it's certainly what i would want Um, i would love to see archer beatboxing hopefully not at anyone's funeral no um look he's only six i don't think he can five he's i don't think he can do it but are there any dads out that wouldn't want their son (laughs) to beatbox at their funeral i don't i don't know look
2: dads get your kids started on beatboxing young it combines two things that kids love making noise and spitting yep which i mean how can you go wrong Absolutely. Look, lyrically, uh, you know, it's it's again, it's, it's quite a somber boxing. thing. Yeah. yeah, so many songs, so many times, the world had to hear so many rhymes about how life is for strugglers, minority groups, kids with single mothers, young homies turn hustlers, killing for money. It's kind of funny how the crime rate is so high in suburbs where family ties are low and suicides on the rise. Oh, why so many die? Because in their eyes, the mistakes they made can't be erased. The only way out is to take their life.
1: It's depressing. Mm,
2: it's pretty grim. <laughs> this isn't even, he hasn't even got to the street kids yet. Yeah. Um, it's always a bit easy to mock people from the suburbs who talk about growing up like they were in the projects of LA or something. But clearly, yeah. Joel has led a much, much tougher life than most people in Australia. Yeah. He's growing up very poor, and his dad died of heroin, and overdose when he's a teenager. Couldn't afford musical instruments, but yeah, I mean, and plus he was on Australian Idol and had to hang around with Mark Holden for yeah, any length no, of time. Jesus. He might not be the most eloquent man alive, but at least he's trying to say something about the struggle of youth on the streets. Um, he doesn't have a little solutions for those struggles, but neither do I, and neither does Scott Morrison. So no, that's true. You know, he's doing as much for the cause, in fact, probably more, as uh, the Labor, Liberal Party or the Labour Party, frankly, so, you know... Good on him, I say. Yeah,
1: look, Joel Turner for Prime Minister. Um, <laughs> I think that goes without saying. I'm jumping on the Joel Turner bandwagon. And I'd like to see the modern-day poets... um in be the, the
2: cabinet. The cabinet, yep. yeah, exactly. Sort Double of team and C4. For sure. He'd see be the Speaker of the House. Absolutely. And don't tell me there wouldn't be some fucking beatboxing on the floor. Yeah, oh,
1: it'd be fantastic. Imagine that, just sort of, you know... The budget gets beatboxed <laughs> just by Joel, this sort of. Go.
2: I would love to see when they get escorted out for being too rowdy. I'd just love to see four homies just come and solemnly beatbox someone out. Just absolutely. form a cordon and just beatbox them off. You know, oh, everyone else has to just sit there silently until I've gone outside the doors. Course, absolutely, that'd yeah, be great.
1: I think it would be good. So yeah, I'm I'm putting my vote towards um, <laughs> Joel Turner this year. Sure. Um, so if he's not running, he should. Um, that's what I say to Joel. If you're listening, definitely get involved in politics um, because those homeless kids—they're homeless adults now, mm. and they need your help. As much as they did back then. So That's true. For sure.
2: The ones who were still alive, anyway.
1: Yep. Um, one week, 1000 on Spotify. Not a lot. $2, though. Go pick up a copy. If you see this around for 2 bucks, go pick up a copy. I'm glad he's been You won't be disappointed. It's
2: definitely better than that.
1: Um, I've got a copy of this on CD single. Um, <laughs> do you really? Uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are the B-sides, Tom? <laughs> Just hold on. Let me have a quick look. Sure. So, uh, the, the CD... It actually it says um, <laughs> I got yeah, you. Know, I know, I know. You gave yeah, you, you gave me this. Yeah, um, it actually says in rather large font, Joel Turner. Then the Beatbox Boy from Australian Idol Just is in written case on you've there forgotten. in almost in in bigger font than um, yeah. That includes three bonus Beatbox tracks mm. on the back. Tom, this is a good value CD single because you get seven songs. <laughs> you get these kids radio edit, these kids scan mix, these kids. Mel mix these kids instrumental, so sure. you can do your own rapping over the top. Then bonus beatbox tracks, JT freestyle. Beethoven beats And bass guitar So there you go Somehow
2: I'm imagining That those three Are better than this song Yeah no doubt More fun to listen to It's good that they've gone With that broken Typewriter font That certainly wasn't (laughs) Old by this point No Anyway
1: So I'm going to be Listening to that Later tonight Um, And the whole album If I can track it down Online somewhere So there you go Fantastic
2: Speaking of deep Political impact What have we got next
1: Next is Casey Donovan Listen with your
2: heart Wow I was hoping you got to do the reggae thing <laughs> I was going to I was going to interrupt myself For a change Because it started to get annoying <laughs> sure. um, I was
1: hoping That this was a cover Of the rock set song Listen to your Heart." If only But I was wrong So look If you don't know We're straight into season 2 Of Australian Idol now With Casey Donovan Casey won season 2 And immediately Released this piece of shit Um Fortunately, she was only able to get one album out before those at Idol headquarters cut her loose. And she's released singles sporadically over the years, but this was her only number one surprise,
2: song. Surprise, surprise. Yep. Yes. Listen With Your Heart, as you said, it's neither Listen To Your Heart by Roxette, nor is it Listen With Your Heart from Pocahontas, which was <laughs> a much more popular song overseas. Yeah. But Listen With Your Heart, the original is a song written by Diane Warren, the oh, hit factory. yeah. And originally recorded by C.C. Winans for her second album, Everlasting Love, in 1998. Diane Warren's Magic Touch failed her in this instance because that song didn't do anything on the charts. Uh, I will say personally, I think Casey's version is just as good as that one. And I actually prefer the arrangement here. This sounds, it's not amazing, but it still sounds quite contemporary for something that's nearly, you know... um, 20 years old now, whereas the original is 1998 as fuck. You keep expecting Boys to Men to burst in and drag Cece off to their jacuzzi at any minute in the background. (laughs) It's all fucking glissando harp (laughs) and shit and stuff like that. Nice. But yeah, um, what happens to Casey after this, number one, uh, after Uh, the success? Well, Tom,
1: she did some work on television. Um, You know, obviously she was on television for Outside of Idol. So look, um, I was looking at her credits and it seems that she played herself in a Coles supermarket ad <laughs> which is usually a stepping stone on the way to the Academy Awards so down, I think she's, down. she's definitely done are yeah. down. Yeah for sure now look um, I, I just want to bring this up real quick Tom I'm not sure whether I'm onto something here or not but is Australian Idol actually some sort of sex cult? <laughs> the contestants are lured into the sex cult via mm. a promise of fame and riches from their singing ability but then it all gets cult in there and the contestants have to bang the judges is this some sort of possibility? The reason I ask is because, Mm. apart from the fact that this is exactly what it seems like, in 2005, (laughs) the facade was almost revealed in the sense that November, Donovan was announced the winner of Idol over Australian, over favourite Anthony Kalia. Now, Mm -hmm. Australian Idol sponsors Telstra, in a half-page national-ran advertisement Included, um, so it was basically, they ran a Telstra ran an ad saying in the paper in the paper, congratulations to Casey Donovan for winning Idol. Yeah. Uh, here's a link to her website, but it was a link to American pornographic actor Casey Donovan. Mm. It was the wrong Casey Donovan. I see. So Telstra just said, here's this link. Click on it. Porn site. Mm. So Telstra apologised for the error, but was it an error? Or do you Mm. think this is some sort of weird, nefarious...
2: Well, I mean, to be fair to Telstra, it's a mistake that anyone could make, But I mean, they do have a lot in common, the two. Uh, One died in 1987. The other Ah. was born in 1988. Oh, you're thinking the soul passed from one to the other. Well, one wrote a health advice column in Stallion magazine. The other runs a health and lifestyle podcast called The Space. Uh, One turned to prostitution and shortly before his death from AIDS starred visibly unwell and heavily intoxicated in the fisting movie Fucked Up. Uh, The other one was in We Will Rock You.
1: So, you know, there's
2: more similarities than you might think. Perhaps they just confused them, you know. (laughs) There was just some mix-up. But So so is the the idea that they did that to sabotage her... um, her final, no, but she'd already won. She'd already
1: won. It was I, an accident. In I as much know, as
2: so. I, in as much as I knew, I thought Anthony Callea won. But you know, I no. wasn't watching, obviously. Mm. So you don't know, worry. there you go.
1: Look, Tom. With fame comes attention. Some wanted, some unwanted. Everyone wants to be your friend. It's sometimes not for the right reasons. Sure. Casey found out about this the hard way when she was catfished for six years. Really. Yes. Now, Casey Donovan, you type Google into... Sorry, Casey Donovan into Google and the autocomplete top response is catfish. Not fucked up. No, not fucked up. (laughs) This is a story as old as time itself, Tom. It's Shakespearean in a sense. Casey was phoned up by a fan named Campbell. Mm-hmm. They chatted for hours on the phone and over several conversations, they struck up a friendship and then eventually Casey fell in love with Campbell. Mm-hmm. Every time they arranged to meet, Campbell couldn't make it. His car would be broken. His sister was pregnant. He'd have to fly somewhere somewhere to look after someone, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, he said he'd be there the next time. And when Campbell couldn't make it, which was every time, Campbell would tell Casey that his friend Olga was free to catch up. So Casey and Olga would hang out. Often, and they eventually became friends. One day, Campbell was talking to Casey and said, "Look, I have to go to Pakistan to free my nephew from the clutches of the Taliban, but uh, <laughs> no red flags there, no alarm bells uh, went Olga's off." Olga's free to catch up tomorrow, so you know what? I think you and Olga should hook up. Okay. So, so I get so the conversation, as far as I know, sort of went something along the lines of, you know, okay. So Campbell ringing up and saying, "Hey, Casey, yeah, yeah, Campbell here. Yeah, look, sorry." Can't make it tomorrow. Um, I've got to fly to, yeah, Pakistan. Bro, yeah, my bro's in the Taliban. I've got to get him out of there. So, look, but Olga's free to catch up again. Look, sorry, we'll catch up next weekend. I was just thinking, when you catch up with Olga tomorrow, maybe you should let her finger slay you. What? But, but Campbell, we're in a committed relationship and wouldn't that be treating? No, but no, 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 wouldn't be cheating at all. I actually think it would bring us so much closer together if you just eat Olga out. Yeah, honestly, the best thing for our relationship right now is If you go and buy the biggest strap-on dildo you can and just (laughs) fuck the living shit out of Olga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, mate. Yeah, is that okay? Yeah, I guess that sounds good. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my flight to Karachi is leaving in five minutes. (laughs) See you soon. So... That's purportedly what happened. Um, and then Olga and Casey started a sexual relationship okay. off the back of Campbell so suggesting So that, that
2: plan worked. That was successful. It did. So catfishes out there, take notes, because apparently this shit works. So. Because
1: Tom, plot twist, we gave it away at the start, but Campbell didn't exist. <gasps> he wasn't a real person. It was Olga on the phone the whole time pretending pretending to be Campbell. And then, look, I know the story is a little bit confusing, not for our audience because, you know, they're very sophisticated. But if this is your first time listening, maybe you're a Joe Rogan fan, ditched his podcast due to the recent controversy and need something to listen. So you've jumped over onto our podcast. You know, there's a lot of fast-paced Casey Donovan (laughs) stories. So let's explain it again. Campbell wasn't real. Olga was pretending to be Campbell. So when Casey thought she was talking on the phone to Campbell and he was telling Casey to eat out Olga, it was actually Olga herself saying to Casey Donovan, you should eat out Olga. So that's how it worked. What a wicked web we weave. Eventually, Olga was found out and the whole
2: thing fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like after six years, after having a fully intimate... (laughs) emotional sexual relationship with this person at some level in your brain aren't you just thinking maybe this is the person and, and even if then it turns out that they weren't the person wouldn't you just go well you know in for a penny in for a penny
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, look, it raises a lot of questions like, one how long is too long to not to not meet the person. So, okay. Six years. Yeah. So imagine, so imagine you live in Melbourne, you meet someone (laughs) online that lives in Europe, I think the longer the distance, the longer the time is a fair assessment. Sure, yeah, You yes. might be like, I'm going to fly to the Netherlands to meet this person. So maybe you just want to get to know them over several months because it is a bit of a commitment to go over there. Maybe mm. interstate, maybe a little bit shorter. What if they live in the same fucking city? <laughs> After four years, you're saying, Campbell, when are we going to meet? Oh, I can't. I've you know, got to do the dry cleaning or some yes. shit. I mean, surely... At that stage, you're like, I've never met this person yes. in real life. It's been five years.
2: Also, human sexuality is definitely a spectrum. But like, wouldn't you also, while you're having sex with one person, yeah, <laughs> and spending all your time with them, a person of the same uh, gender as you, and you, but you're still talking to this other person on the but phone. But Casey
1: gave it the all clear. Casey's y- like, yes, I want
2: you to just. But yep. wouldn't you also be thinking, well, you know, I'm starting to have feelings for this other person. Also, yeah. perhaps I'm a lesbian as well. Yeah, it's, you know, it's very confusing. it doesn't have to be black or white, but also, sexuality you, is very fluid, Tom. Know, so. Wouldn't you wouldn't you be thinking, Well, I've got maybe more in common with this person that I'm also banging and regularly seeing in real life than I am from this voice on the phone that now I start to think of it. it Has always sounded a bit like They're talking through a sock In a wardrobe And putting on a I'm a butch man voice Well that's what I was thinking What sort of accent Was Campbell
1: <laughs> using To sort of convince Casey yes. That it was a different person We don't live in so. the
2: Scream universe Where you can hold Like a little tape recorder Up to your face And you suddenly sound like Matthew Lillard <laughs> Yeah it doesn't work like that Or Matthew Lillard's mum Or <laughs> fucking Yeah you know, I Courtney just, Cox Would you I, I just think you might get a bit suspicious
1: if after three years you've not met this person they're just like oh, oh why don't why don't you finger slam that chick you hang out with yeah. all the time wouldn't you be like why is he telling me to do this what if
2: what if they are the same person yeah, i don't really know but, i mean the human capacity for delusion is pretty that's stuck true. and impressive that's true. still yeah like and also when all the things fall away why not just think and also you know i don't know is it a bit romantic that someone's <laughs> you know concocted an entire external persona to get you into a relationship which you were happily in yeah. like I don't know look hey she was
1: playing the long game on that one a lot of fucking so, so, so what, what happened
2: was, what was they just broke up at the end
1: so she, she found out I guess she just said Campbell's not real I've been Campbell all along and she's like oh uh, it's a pity that show up. Catfish wasn't around at the time because they would have totally flown to Australia for that shit oh Jesus yeah bro. absolutely so look on the scale of sexual misconduct, where does that fall, do you think? It's, it's lower than Epstein, obviously, yeah. but higher than a football player grabbing someone's ass on a dance floor. So, yes. is it, I mean, if you pretend to be somebody to coerce them yes. into sleeping with you is that like a low-level rape or is that like no, i don't know where current
2: thinking seems to be that it is but then you have to get into the semantics of what constitutes like lying to someone yep. to get them into bed like is telling someone you've you earn more money than you do does that constitute That's true. getting people into bed under false precedences You know, if you tell them you've got a 12 inch dick and then they bone you in the dark and it turns out to be three inches long, does that count? You know, like what if you're planning on breaking up with someone, but you don't tell them until the next day because you fancy one last go in the sack, does that count? You know, like, but yeah, I would say that completely conducting an entire false identity to do it. You know, I mean, that's certainly dodgy. I don't, oh man, don't, jeez, I Look, don't the know. The reason I
1: asked Tom is because i This, is, a, this
2: is, as Robin Thicke pointed out, this is all very blurry, <laughs> you know, and I take my sexual ethics cues from Robin Thicke. Yeah, exactly. Look, the reason I asked Tom is
1: because I think personally, um, I'm living through a very similar dilemma because I told my wife that I was one of the modern day poets so I think think she married me off the basis that Mm. she was like you're part of the beatbox kid from Australian (laughs) Idol's posse and I said yes I am. Didn't think it would ever come back to haunt me but if Joel Turner and the modern-day poets ever reunite for a tour, she might start asking why I'm not on that tour, <laughs> and that that's when this whole house of cards may fall down. So I'm not quite sure what going to happen. I, I be have so.
2: heard several stories over the years of people who have done a prank on someone that they knew by that dumb thing. Australians are particularly fond of this kind of prank where you convince someone... For no real reason, that you were a person in a TV commercial or that you were a member of someone or that you were the parkour guy in that ad for, (laughs) you know, Rebel Sports or something like that, and go to this ridiculous lengths to convince someone just so that you can snicker about somebody every time that happens and that person thinks that you're that person. But then it ends up playing out for years and years and years. But none of that involves sexual favours being exchanged. That's where this gets a bit questionable. But yeah, I would say convincing people... Going to great lengths to convince your person people that you slept with Rusty Gates the guy from the repair the IBM repair shop commercials that's great but then insisting that you have sex with someone in order to maintain that fiction yeah i think that's a bit much
1: really yeah. Look anyway Definitely um, lower than Epstein though, for def- sure. Definitely lower than Epstein. So look, um I don't know what Olga's up to these days, but uh <laughs> God,
2: I bet she's on the internet, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she's uh I hope she's not testing this out on other people, but Um, um look I don't know. lyrically, good, good, uh good. Diane Warren busts out her usual combination of melodic mastery and lyrical laziness. Yep. Uh, And when this world has got your mind confused, feels like your faith has just run out on you, you can find that faith inside your soul. The strength you need lies deep, lies deep in you. That's why you've got to listen to your heart, etc. We all lose our way sometimes. We all lose our faith sometimes. But if you just believe and just be strong, trust your heart, your heart won't do you wrong. Yeah. Now, has your heart ever done you wrong, Ben? Because mine has done me wrong quite often. Uh, my brain's not super helpful either, if I'm honest. Yep. Pretty much the only organs currently pulling their weight are my liver and lungs, mainly for not getting cancer after I smoked and drank heavily for 25 years. But yeah, my heart, you know, apart from pumping blood around my body, it's not really much of a repository of wisdom.
1: Yeah, and look, I think Casey's problem is that she was listening with her heart. And, you and, know, mm, I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm not a medical professional Ironically, I'm not a doctor. This Um,
2: exactly proves (laughs) correct. If she She was listening with, well, if she was listening with
1: her ears, she may have heard that um, Casey, sorry, Mm. um, Campbell and Olga sounded exactly the same. But she was putting the phone up against her chest. She was listening with her heart and um, Mm. couldn't hear a word, the fucking word he was saying, apart from the bit where he said
2: you should. Fucking eat out olga, and she was like, "Oh, I'll exactly." Do that. So, yeah. She trusted her gut, and this as is... Nick Hornby once said, her gut had shit for brains. Yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. So look, Casey, a um, dollar fifty for this. Mm. Why not? Seven thousand listeners on on Spotify. Um, yeah, I don't know. She probably released some more songs, but none that I'm aware yeah, of. Yeah, I so. mean,
2: she's doing okay by the standards of. I she's just actually. She had six years <laughs> of catfish. What's
1: <laughs> this now? What is it? <sighs> Anthony Kalea, <Collier>, the Prayer, <sighs> last song of the year. Thank fuck. And,
2: uh, so he would have, you know, been discovered. You know, working in clubs and nightclubs, wouldn't he? You know, someone saw that he had talent and gave him a chance. He was the runner-up in the uh, Australian Idol contest that Casey Donovan
1: just um, released. Now, look, I'm not certain that Anthony wasn't the guy behind the Casey Donovan catfish scandal. (laughs) So how do we know that Mm, he wasn't Olga? Pulling the strings. Slash Campbell. We, We don't know. He was seeking vengeance after the unexpected Australian Idol loss. Played the long game and got the ultimate revenge. Mm, So, absolutely. But look, this is a really, this Anthony Collier song, The Prayer, it's a really, really, really old sort of traditional um, Italian song recorded all the way back, all the way back in uh, 1998 (laughs) for the animated film Quest for Camelot.
2: So is it a traditional no, song? No, it's, oh, it's okay. from and oh, okay. It sounds, he tries to make it sound all like yeah. grandiose on well, traditional it was Yeah, it was recorded by Celine Dion and Andrea Bocelli. Yep. So it had an actual Italian with actual opera chops yeah, in it. Yep. So it doesn't sound a million miles away from something. Yep,
1: so yeah. he got signed after,
2: after Runner Up on Australian I never Idol. i heard of that. Yeah,
1: it sounds dual, like pretty shit. So, yeah, like all these early Idol contestants, he's still releasing music that uh, I don't think anyone gives two fucks about. Um, yeah. Generally, me, I couldn't care fucking less about any of this stuff. No. But um, he did release one album that I think warrants further investigation, Tom. What's that? Uh, in 2017, he released an album called Aria Number One Hits in Symphony. Okay. Where he covers only the very finest songs to reach number one on the ARIA charts with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra.
2: Oh, stuff so, we've talked about, very
1: close to our hearts in this podcast. Although more newer stuff, I'm guessing. But yeah, yeah. So he did Brian Adams, um, the theme from Sounds Robin Hood, Prince right? of Thieves. Yep. George Michael, Jesus to a Child. We know that one. Mm-hmm. Richard Marx, right here waiting for you. Rock set, uh, listen to your heart. Um, you know, all good songs but for my mm-hmm. mind the the song selection was a little bit poor yeah couple that I mentioned there are okay but you know, I would have really liked to have heard what you know last night in Bangkok <laughs> I think Snow Informer Bomb sure. Funk MC I really think Eiffel 65 Blue in the Hands of the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra would have been a different beast
2: mm. I think and it probably would have really elevated yeah. that song I would have know? liked to hear them do Australiana by Austin Tate. <laughs> Absolutely, Absolutely, some right. of the 12th man yeah you? I mean what would you rather hear
1: Anthony Collier in the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra doing I Swear <laughs> by All For One
2: which he did do mm. or here's johnny by hocus pocus definitely here's johnny yep yep 100 uh, <laughs> percent. look um they really leaned into the pseudo operatic classiness of the whole production here yeah. certainly in the music video they've got the the orchestra you know it's all this guy playing in the studio that type of thing uh, on the other hand it's quite a nice song and he's got a nice tenor voice yep Uh, And seeing him do it at the grand final, like at the opera house in front of a huge crowd, he's hitting the notes and stuff. It's not auto-tune, you know, he's there, he's doing it. And also, you know, he's a handsome young dude. I can see how he'd come runner-up, Yeah, you know. Um, There's definitely a touch of the young George Michael to him. I reckon. And he's obviously a big fan because shortly after his 2013 obligatory Christmas album, (laughs) he released a 17 track live CD DVD called Ladies and Gentlemen Colon, The Songs of George Michael, which was recorded live in one big setting at the, in the crown at the, what's it called? The Palms, I think, in the big main room. So yeah, so he was obviously a big George Michael fan, and as do you know what the director, track list
1: is on that? Did I do don't, a but I mean,
2: seventeen tracks, so oh, it's not, it's yeah. not a. It's, this he's not dipping his toe in the waters no, there, you know. He's it's gone like full, full it's large. kind of, it's a pity he didn't hang around. If George, if he themed it after George Michael's life or something, he'd probably do a fucking three years show at the His Majesty's Theatre doing yeah. a, you know, jukebox musical about that shit. Absolutely right. With all the star power of an ex. <laughs> Idol runner-up, you know. And he is. He's a fucking handsome young dude. Like, you know, he's yep. got skills.
1: Definitely. He's been dining out on the prayer for 15 years. So I think he just breaks it out <laughs> Yeah, nauseum, And so. he didn't
2: write it, you no. know, nor did he write any of George Michael's work. But he no. can sing, is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely right. That's good. Um
1: So, yeah, five weeks for this. 66,000 listeners on Spotify. A dollar. This will set you back. Mm. Um, Lyrical highlights Are there anything at all?
2: Uh, I was just going to say Additionally That uh, he also If you're wondering What he's up to now um, In 2016 He was revealed As a contestant On season 2 Of I'm a celebrity Get me out of here Exclamation mark Australia (laughs) Uh, He placed fourth in the series behind the ultimate window, (laughs) Brendan Favola. (laughs) Uh, Good. He also described in Time in the Jungle as one of the best experiences of my life and hoped that it brought more awareness to his chosen charity, Lifeline. Mm. Uh, I think it probably brought more awareness to his ability to eat raw goat testicles while covered in bees. (laughs) But then again, Lifeline is a suicide hotline, and that is certainly the first thing that springs to mind when seeing commercials for the TV show, I'm a celebrity, ellipses, get me out of here, exclamation mark, Australia. <laughs> so, yeah, lyrically, as the name suggests, this is just an old oldish 1998 <laughs> song, which is basically a prayer for peace and God's grace. Yep. It, it does sound quite old. If you'd told me this was a hymn from 1842, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, that's,
1: it's what it's, I think that's what they try and market it as, not yeah, a 1998 yes. um, quest for Camelot. Yeah, song.
2: Um, half the lyrics of this version are Italian, but I won't translate them because they're just as boring as the English ones. Yep. Although it's certainly the classiest song this year, for whatever that's worth. I'd say in yeah. the sense that an opera singer wrote half of it, and he sings operatically-ish. Although, trust me, I used to know an opera singer, and do not ask them about pop stars doing operatic shit because they are not impressed with that stuff. Can't imagine they are. <laughs> Don't about? ask him about Susan Boyle, or you'll get a punch in the face. <laughs> so, even as a joke, they hate that shit. So. What about beatboxes? They <laughs> <laughs> like that. I don't know any beatboxes nah. since I got uh, took a bullet in the knee at the South Alveston Projects. <laughs> I've
1: left that life behind me, Ben. What do real beatboxes think about Australian Idol beatboxes? They're like, <laughs> well, he out.
2: won the world championships. That's true. That's you know, true. so who knows?
1: For sure. Well, that's it for the year. Fucking hell, there oh, are God, so many awkward. Idol. It better be less next week, I tell you what. Um, otherwise, you know, I don't know if I can do this much longer. <laughs> <But> <laughs> oh, no, that was a particularly joking. long
2: one. Yeah. That was a whole year of Absolutely. one week long hits.
1: Um, so, best song of the year that peaked at number two was definitely Milkshake by Khalees.
2: Yeah, wow, the video uh, for that was quite impressive, right
1: too. And worst song of the year that hit the top 10 was So Beautiful by Pete Murray.
2: Mm. Oh, God, yeah, that was fucking terrible, wasn't yep. it? Was yep. it worse than some of these Idol covers, though?
1: I suppose not counting them. I'm not counting the ones <laughs> that hit number one, but yeah, I'm sure, there's probably worse ones than that, oh, but that's that's Murray out. Pete Murray sprung hell. out as being terrible. So yeah. Yep. Anyway, we'll be back with 2005 uh, next week, and I can tell you that there are some idle people in there. Oh, of course. There. But from what I can see, there's just having a real little look Less than this week, oh, which Christ is a positive. So it's good. All right, thank you. Stay up. <laughs>